See how long it takes him to realize the episode started. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh no! People are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, there's a bar there. There's somebody. Boo! Immediate fuck you from Adam. And they're like, oh okay. Mm-hmm. The episode's here. We're good now. We're good. Hello everyone and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. I'm still seeing and hearing post E3 shockwaves going around. I saw uh, paying attention. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I really can't because all the podcasts I listen to, they it's it's not like the main focus, but they're still tapering off of information and whatnot. Uh, I also realized uh, kind of a slip up on my part on, on my personal life that I didn't take uh, this entire week off like I should have because... Uh, this is GDQ week right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Summer Games Done Quick is going on as we speak, as we record. Uh, for any for anybody out there that hasn't uh, heard an episode where we talk about it, I mean, very brief. It's a it's a video game speed running uh, event. It happens well, actually, they happen many times during the year through different organizations. But Games Done Quick and Summer Games Done Quick are the two main ones that uh, kind of head off the whole GDQ event scenario. And uh, it's a pretty cool event, man. They they go through a lot of games. It's literally 24 hours a day for seven days straight. And they are speed running game after game after game. There's incentives involved. There's multiple challenge type games involved. There's just flat out speed running. There, there are gimmick style games like two players speed run a game with uh, one hand on one controller each. Uh, all kind of stuff like that. And just the way that my work has been this year, I just didn't have time to take off. So I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to wait longer than anticipated because uh, I'm about to run out of this month's uh, <laughs> uh, internet uh, cap thanks to uh, all the shit I've been watching. Nice. So I have to wait till next month, and that'll be that'll be fine. I mean, they'll all be there. I can just you know fucking watch them all at one time. But uh, man, I hate that I'm missing it. I really do. This is gonna be the second year in a row I took off for it. It's okay. I'll catch them in the end. You know, I've been watching, and I think maybe because I've seen so many GDQs that it's harder for me to get into it now. Pretty much the only thing that oh, yeah. I get excited for are the races and the, you know, off uh, are the unusual things like the, you know, different controllers. Uh, someone finished uh, one of the Zelda games uh, last night blindfolded on the final boss, you know, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that's cool. But the base speed runs, I'm, it's harder for me to get into at this point. Yeah, I had watched a ton of speed running videos that weren't even gdq related long before i even got into gdq and sometimes some of the games the routes will change sometimes some of the tactics will change it's always nice to hear like several minutes like entire chunks of minutes are getting shade off of a time mm-hmm. and it may be interesting to go in and watch it and see how they do this now yeah. but i can agree i can i can totally understand man when you've seen super metroid speed ran for the you know 12th time you kind of get it 
Um, for me, I think the incentives kind of helped keep me there. Yeah. Maybe the the crowd and, and and the couch, the couch and the runners. You know, when you have somebody that's not really making commentary and a couch that's not really adding to it. I'm kind of not really paying attention, but when you have a good engaging couch, that's, that's, you know, laugh a minute and I, I really need to go back and find some good highlights. Cause I'm sure I can name drop some, but I'm, I'm kind of the same way, man, the races, uh, the blind events, the relay runs, the gimmick events. And if there are particular games that I really want to watch again, like, of course I watch the Mega Man uh, block, mm-hmm. uh, usually watch the Sonic block. Uh, and I don't really have a reason why, but usually whatever big RPG they plan at the very end, I try to watch. Uh, I remember, I mean, I've seen Final Fantasy VI a couple times, Chrono Trigger a couple times, Final Fantasy VII once. Mm-hmm. I like I like the big long marathon ones. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. So you have decided to sit down and play Xeno Gears for the entire <laughs> run of this game. All right, brother, go for it. And I'll and that that's cool. But watching like. I don't know the 700th Super Mario World run. Eh. It needs to have people there to engage me, you know. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I still say to this day, for me, hands down, the Super Mario Maker relay race. That's got that has got to be one of the most entertaining things I have ever seen in a in any speed running capacity because mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing they're completely blind going into these levels and they are still doing their best while competing against three other players in a relay relay format oh it's so fun so yeah. fun oh man we got a lot Woo, we got a lot to go over today folks yeah. uh for the topic anyway uh let's let's kick off these weeks uh forget who i started with last week i think it was adam yeah it was me maybe okay chris yeah how's your week been man man so along with gdq um i've also been still watching the world cup but the other big thing to happen this last week was the uh, steam summer sale started so I yes, uh, get hype. Yes, do get hype. <laughs> you know, but to be fair, I'm to the point where I've been through so many sales that I have a lot of the games. You know, so th- this is this is interesting. This is very interesting because I know where you're going with this, Adam. How many Steam sales have you been around for? A shit ton. Okay, so <laughs> this is a great dynamic for our audience because me, I've quote unquote been through some, but I've never really spent money on Steam sales. I never really got into them. I never dove down deep. This time I have. This is the first year. I think last year I did buy a few. I think, well, not last year. I think over the last like maybe three Steam sales, mm-hmm. I've picked up like maybe four or five titles. This one. <laughs> Uh, no, not so much. And I know what you mean because that's that that is the that is the echo I'm hearing from other people too. Is like, man, look, I've got like 492 games on in my library, and I've got like 700 on my wish list, and I'm now getting to the point where it's damn near shit after shit after shit after shit, and that's gonna happen. Like, no matter how much they're gonna bulk these games up, you're gonna eventually get to the point where you're like. I'm not interested in many of these games. That's great that they're only $2, but 
I'm not really interested. And I already have like 300 other $2 games I haven't even gotten to. Yeah. So I, I feel you. I'm on the I'm on the beginning slide. <laughs> You're on the end. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm sitting at 371 games on Steam. Wow, nice. I, I originally only picked up. Uh, I've actually done like sets of four. I picked up four, and I was like, "All right, that's good." And then I picked up another four. I think I'm at 12 to 14 games now. Um, but unlike previous sales i actually made an effort to take the time to play some of them immediately after buying them um so my list of games this week is rather long um Mm -hmm. even though well i say that but it's not really because like i uh picked up sonic mania Mm -hmm. um because i knew i was gonna get eventually anyway um yeah and i played it but i only played i want to say four levels worth um, and by level, I mean act. So I got into the yeah. second act of the second zone, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right. You literally played four levels. Got it. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> all right. I'm good. Um, still Sonic. Still great. Um, it'll be, you know, a nice casual game to go back to and play uh, when I'm in between other things. What do you think of the treatment that they gave that game? Oh, I think it's great. It yeah. feels good. It feels classic. Um, I, I did, and I don't know if this is just me not realizing it, but, or forgetting about it rather, but the bonus stage where you're going around the track trying to catch the emerald, I was so confused by that. I completely forgot that was a thing. And I'm like, what am I doing? How does this work? I I thought I was playing it right. And then my time wasn't going up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose this. Um, so yeah, it's been a re-education uh, process. Any Sonic Mania stuff on your end, Adam? Have you played that game yet? I have not played Sonic Mania at all. Oh man, not even a it's little good. bit. You know, I, it's good. I did like Sonic Two, and I did like Sonic Three, but I don't know. After that, it just kind of fell off for me. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Because I never, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a Dreamcast long enough to to really savor the later Sonic games. Mm-hmm. And F says just like, yeah. uh, okay, Sonic's coming out. And then suddenly the cast of characters quintupled. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Sonic yeah. Mania is a good return to the origins. Yeah, so exactly. if you're a fan of 2 and 3, you'll like this. Of like of of all the shit that we give, man, this is a this is a really big, wide open statement for you and the audience to take. If you have any apprehensions about Sonic at all, I complete we completely understand. You need to get Sonic Generations, and you need to get Sonic Mania. That's all you need. That's all. I don't care what other Sonic game comes out for the next five years, unless some unless some really groundbreaking Sonic game comes out. But if you stopped around the Sonic 3, Sonic Knuckles era, and everything else for you has just been like a fucking tornado of shit, I completely understand. Sonic Generations, Sonic Mania, it's all you need. I think I have Sonic Colors somewhere, but I haven't even played that. I've heard good things about that as well. Did you say say Sonic 06? Is that that the one? (laughs) A little bit of vomit just right in the mouth. Yeah, for reference, um, I think my last Sonic games were the Sonic Adventure games, um, mm-hmm. unless 3D Blast was after that. I I'm think it was before. Sure. 
I, I played 3D Blast. I'm one of the few that actually enjoyed that game for what it was. Um, it was different, mm-hmm. yes, but I didn't mind it. I still enjoyed it. See, I can. Oh, yeah. I, I got to fill around with with that one uh, over at my mm-hmm. friend's house, and it seemed like it was really cool. But you know, like I said, I just never had enough time to fully, you know, just sit down and crack out on it for a couple hours. You know, anything like that. So I had, yeah, all the Sonic Adventure games are lost to me forever. Mm-hmm. Well, no, on Steam you can get the uh, you can get them. I don't know if they're in the Sega Genesis game pack. But the Sega Genesis collection is like 40 games, old Sega yeah. games, and it's great. Um, and I have Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2, I think, on Steam. Um, yeah. I so. just picked up Adventure 2 just because I need to go back and finish what I started a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The Sonic Adventure 2 had an extra thing where if they had collectibles in the game that you got via meeting time requirements or whatever game requirements, they were medals. And if you got all of the medals in the game, you got a secret bonus stage unlocked, which was a 3D recreation of Green Hill Zone, which, God, has been done to death by this point. But that was a challenge I gave myself a long time ago, and I never, I think I got like 95% of the medals, and some of those later time challenges, and yada, yada, yada. Ugh, they got they got mm-hmm. horrible. But I went ahead and picked it up, because Adventure 2 was like three bucks right now, so sure, why not? That's what Steam Cell does to you, you know? You just... Yeah. <laughs> you just well, I've got like probably three or four games on my list that I'm looking at right now. I'll probably pick them up on Friday. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be good. It's going to be good. So I also, one of the games I picked up was Halo Wars Definitive Edition. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I actually owned this on whatever console it first came out on, uh, whether that was the 1 or 360. But I never played it. Um, But I picked this up because it was super cheap and it was the Definitive Edition, so it had all the DLC included. Uh Would have been cheaper than buying it for the game I already owned. Uh, And it was on PC, so it made a little bit more sense with the RTS type style of it. I wasn't ever sure how I'd like that on a console um, because RTS and console typically don't mix well. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's like experimental and it can, it can work. I remember playing StarCraft 64. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, it could work in theory, but yeah. you're like, dude, I just... Yeah, man. Yeah, I need, I need R- to go play this on the PC. R- RTS is... I, I played, uh, what was it, Command & Conquer 3? On the yeah. fucking Xbox, my God! My first RTS was Command and Conquer Red Alert on the PlayStation, mm-hmm. and that was because I just didn't know any better. <laughs> like again, I didn't grow up around a bunch of people that had PCs and had that game on PC, and were like, "Oh man, you scrub!" I had Command and Conquer Red Alert on the PlayStation. It was fucking awesome. I love that game. You know, and I- it took it was like three years down the road for somebody randomly introduced me to StarCraft, and they were like. What do you know? I'm like, I've played Red Alert. And they're like, you've never even heard of, like, StarCraft? No. Try this. They pulled an Adam, like, <laughs> just go ahead, try this out. And I my, I was in AIT for the and, Army. And you just happened. flung the game back at him in disgust. <laughs> You're like, this game fucking sucks. Okay. Okay, I played so the tutorial, exactly- and it was garbage. <laughs> It wasn't exactly like Adam showed me a game, but it, it was like, dude, you've never even heard of this? I'm like, nah, man, I've 
the only what I know is Red Alert on the PlayStation. They were like, try this shit out. And I, my mind was blown. They're like, yeah, there are lots of real-time strategy on the PC just like this. Just not as good. StarCraft yeah. Life. Yeah, so I I picked that up and I played it. Um, and I only did the tutorial um, just because I want to get a feel for the game. And I'm not sure how I feel about it overall yet. Um, I do need to actually play it some first. But I'm, as much as I love Halo, I'm not feeling it as an RTS. Um, maybe, you know, playing the campaign will change my mind. Maybe it'll be super good. But it's just not... Can you run people over um, in the Jeeps? Uh, yes, you. the Jeeps, the Warthog's uh, special abilities actually ram... Um, so you run people sounds over, like a winner. things over. Sound, I mean, sounds like yeah. a great game. I mean, that part's nice, sure, but <laughs> it's not the same feel as doing it on, you know, an actual 3D, you're in control thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, I need more time with that game, but overall, I probably won't go back to it for a while. It didn't pull me in. It didn't show me anything new. I was very frustrated with how little I could zoom out the camera um, you know, quality of life things before even playing the, you know, actual game, uh, yeah. aside from the tutorial, just made it feel not great. Um, but we'll see. Um, a game I didn't think I would play much of, but I bought, and it's still technically an early access game, which I didn't even realize until after I bought it, um, because I've heard so many good things about it, is Slay the Spire. Have either of you played that or heard of it? I've heard of it. I'm pretty sure I've heard a podcast or two mention it, and okay. I think it even came across my queue, but I've, I haven't played it. I've never right. heard of it. So, Describe this for me. Slay the Spire is a... Uh, what's the term? Roguelite, roguelike, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you yeah, know, it's randomly, randomly generated... Uh, and your goal is to basically, at the moment, because early access, I guess they're going to add more levels to it, but you have three bosses you ultimately have to get to and kill. Now, the way this works is you have a map, and the map has different routes up it. You know, think a branching path. You know, you start out, you have like five places to choose from to start, and then they may converge into three paths and splinter out into, you know, two each or something like that or you'll have this one path that's just off to the side so from everything else so you have to kind of choose your path and um, along your path are different types of encounters you know you have enemies you have elite enemies uh, traders random events uh, treasure chests and rest spots you know kind of standard type fare for a you know going through a dungeon type thing um, it reminds me a lot in that way of uh uh, God, I just lost the name of it. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. But um, the so you go through these and you're fighting the enemies, and but the way you play is almost like it's a card game. You know, like a uh, Hearthstone type. You know, you have energy to play cards from your hand. Uh -huh. Um, but you're not going against cards. You're going against enemies. They're attacking you. Or using abilities or doing whatever they're doing, 
they're not playing from cards. They're just, it's what they do, you know. Typical RPG style, this enemy has these type of attacks, these buffs, debuffs, and that's it. You know, they use them at will. Of course, there's some pattern behind it, like most games do, if it's not completely random. But they have a set uh, thing to choose from, pull to choose from, that they're going to do. Now, you, on the other hand, have these cards. You draw five cards every turn. You play the ones you have the energy for, and you discard the rest. So you can't hold cards in your hand forever and play them, you know, later in the game like a Hearthstone-type thing would. Um, And your energy resets at the end of each turn. So if you end a turn... I have this horrible mental image of, like, this kid walking up to these orcs, and, like, they've got swords and shields and bows and arrows, and they're, like, really super intimidating... And this kid like starts pulling out cards and trying to hand them to these orcs, and they just they just cut him right down. <laughs> is, this, is this getting close to the game at all? Or uh, no. <laughs> um, so you do have um, technically a character um, that you're playing, uh, and that character has a certain starting bonus um, or whatever you want to call it, uh, starting relic. Uh, which relics are a thing in the game. You find relics to give you some ability. Uh, the, But the big thing with the energy is you can't hoard it. So if you use one out of three of your energy and move on to your next turn, you start out with three, not five. You know, you don't gain three every time. Mm. Uh, or three additional, I should say. You get your three. Um, unless you have a card or something that gives you more, or you have a relic that you now get four per turn, uh, which is, you know, a whole thing. You can do you can do different. Basically, you can have strategies for building your deck, um, and then that will help you get through the levels. One of the biggest things for me in this game is your deck resets every time. Hmm. You don't get to keep the cards you find on your next playthrough. Um, now, when you say if, biggest thing. Oh, my reinforcements have fallen. Shit. Uh-huh. Uh, when you say biggest thing for you, are you saying good or bad? Um, neither. For you. For you. Uh, it was a little disappointing at first, but once I actually played the game a couple times um, and I started reading more online, I played through blind first, you know, to get the full experience. And I went online and read a little bit, you know, like getting started guides and stuff, you know, things I wish I knew when I played type guides. Yeah. Uh, and I actually went through and followed a guide on you want to, you know, get these cards as soon as possible uh, and never pick up these cards for this build or, you know, there are various builds like most card games. Um, and doing that, it was a whole lot easier, you know. Um, so what did you say the name of this game was? Uh, Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire, <clears throat> like a tower. Yeah. Okay. Basically, you're climbing a tower. Uh, um, I think, I mean, they call each encounter a floor. So mm-hmm. by the time you get the first boss, I think you're on like floor 50 or something or 30 or whatever. And it might depend on what path you take. So I think they're pretty good about balancing out the paths. So they all have the same number of encounters. Just what you get on that path is different. And uh, aside from the question marks, you can see everything that's on a path you're about to take. So there's no guessing, you know, I wonder what's next. You see 
what's going on. Um, and the game I was thinking of that I was comparing it to with going through the dungeon was actually uh, Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Because you have, like, the map you go through, and you can see things that kind of the feel overall, you know, that style of gameplay, um, but played with cards instead of, you know, a group of people. Um, So overall, um, I think it's a fun little game, and I got it pretty cheap right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me see, what does it actually cost? It's only 10 bucks right now. So for 10 bucks. Not bad. And it's normally 16, so even that's not bad, uh, even if it is early access. I will totally admit that this game did come across my queue. This is one of, I think I'm up to like 380 games that I've queued now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it. Card battling systems kind of was all for me, so I just I put it to the side, didn't really care for it. But mm-hmm. the good thing about Steam being what it is, that game will get down below $5 at some point, be it naturally or on a Steam sale. And I feel once it gets down somewhere in that area, maybe I'll give it a try. And you say, mm-hmm. I, I could hear the audience saying, man, you're just being cheap. You don't understand Steam sales, okay? I may have bought like $44 games already, okay? So I'm really, at, I'm, and, and at this early stage, I'm really being picky about what I do and don't want. When when the games get down lower, that's that's when I feel I'll, I'll drop a couple dollars. Yeah, so I, um, I dropped a total of seven hours into the game. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's, uh, Way more than the hour I spent on Halo Wars. Yeah, so. and I mean, given you know Chris's saying, "Hey, it seems pretty fun." Sure, I'll try it sometime. Just don't feel like spending yeah. ten bucks on it right now. Yeah, and it's definitely a game that it may not be for you, um, depending on you know how you feel about that style of game, because it yeah. is a still a card game at heart. Yeah. Um, you're just not playing against an opponent's hand, mm-hmm. and it's you know got this dungeon crawl aspect to it instead which does help um it is interesting but i don't i don't think it has that replay value yet yeah um because of course you're going to unlock more cards as you beat it or even just playing it you unlock stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't have to beat it to unlock them uh there's two characters right now at least um i well Maybe just do that I've unlocked. I think I have another I can unlock still. So you can play through one character, unlock everything, play a second character, unlock everything. I probably won't do that. Um, it doesn't have that much replay value for me. I'm not going to sit there and grind it out. But I do like the trying different uh, strategies approach. So whatever yeah. I get while doing that is probably what I'll get, period. Um, so another game I picked up, and I don't even know if this one was on sale... Actually, I think it was. Um, did you guys ever play the Dot .hack games? No, I know about them. Uh, I think there's a, there's a bunch of them. It's supposed to be a really good RPG series, but I never never got around to playing them. I actually have a really uh, interesting story about the Dot .hack series. I've never really played it, but my brother was huge into it. And uh, he wanted me to get the entire series for him for his birthday. It's something like four or five, maybe six games at the time. I can't remember how much they were, how many of them mm-hmm. there were. Uh, I managed to track down through four or five different stores get and get the entire series. 
And then I told him that I didn't find any of them. And when he got the game, I led him on like a scavenger hunt around the neighborhood where I'd hidden all the games <laughs> one at a time. So I gave him clues to where the next game was and it just kept going and going. It took him like an hour and a half to find all these fucking games out in the woods. So that's my, that's my dot hack story. That's a, that's about the most fun I got out of that game. I should have been a better brother to you, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? I'm all right. Um, I, I'm going to go with awesome. I'm happy with what, uh, you know what I have. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the dot hack games, they're RPGs, um, and the premise of them is you are playing in an MMO. Um but it's a single-player game. So all the other, you know, quote-unquote players of this MMO are NPCs. Um, I'm trying to... So I thought the premise of it was, you know, similar to Sword Art Online where you're stuck in it. Um, uh-huh. But when I loaded up this, because I've got uh, .hack GU last recode, which I thought was what I played back in the day, but this is not. This is the sequel trilogy, um, mm. which they remastered and released as this last recode um, and added a fourth game. So it's no longer a trilogy, it's four games. Um, But I had played originally the first three, and I did this by renting them uh, and just playing through them nonstop until I got through them uh, so I could return them. Um, So this is actually a sequel to what I played before, and the premise of this one is uh, people are going... uh, they're being placed in a coma when they die in the game after this uh, person does PvP and kills them. Uh, so there's this particular PvPer that when he kills someone in the game, they go into a coma. And that's the whole premise of, you know, what you're doing in this series, which I haven't made a progress to really figure out anything yet plot-wise. But um, it's... I want to say the original, they were, they were still going into a coma, but it's for a different reason or something like that. I don't even remember. It's been a very long time uh, since I've played these. But I've put quite a bit of time into this. I'm almost done. Um, I have roughly 10, 11 hours into it. And I think I'm almost done with the first game out of the four. Mm. Um, so it's fairly lengthy. Um, it Even though this is a remaster... I'm going to say this game hasn't aged well. Because I remember it being a lot different back in the day. Um, as, you know, most games do when you look back through the nostalgia. Um, I I don't think they did a good job on the remaster. I did look, since this isn't the one I played originally, I did look up some old YouTube footage. And the game does look worse back then. So this is an improvement. Um, but I think just the style of the game, it didn't... It's not enough for the age. But then again, I also am not a huge fan of the, you know, Final Fantasy remasters, the three and four that they did. Um, I prefer the original art style for those. Um, but that's, you know, my preference. Uh, yeah, I, I believe you, Michael, said you like it. Then you should leave it there, you know? Don't don't try to make yeah. it 3D or anything. Yeah, that's essentially how I feel about it, yeah. Because it was sprite-based and it's not now and... I prefer the original sprites. Yeah, it's for me, Chris. It's been such a hit, and Adam too. It's been such a hit or miss thing 
there are remixes that I've played or remasters that I've played that have done really good. There are some that have just not done it right. Like, okay, prime example, Final Fantasy IV has a 3D mm-hmm. remake on Steam. You can buy it right now. It might yeah, even be on sale. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. And, that, and this is an example of why I can't, like, give people a definitive black and white standard to go by to look at whether I am or am not going to like a remake because they took the sprite-based graphics and made them 3D. I like the way the 3D graphics look. They look cool. They took the music... And this is something I normally don't like because it sometimes comes off wrong, but they took the same music and they put it like to an orchestral, they, they remixed the music in like an orchestral theme, an orchestral uh, accompaniment to everything else in the game. And I like the way they did it. I think it was, I think it, it treats it with respect. I think it doesn't like add a bunch of wild flourishes and just, it's just completely off the, the musical beaten path. Uh, the battle mechanics are still there, pretty much the same. I I feel like this is a remake that goes against things that I don't like the way remakes are done, and yet it did it just fine. Um, I'm I'm really pressed to think about one right now that I didn't like, but that's usually some of the key things that go for me. Like, man, I don't like the way they remix the music, and I mean that could have different that that could have different meanings. You know, they could have. Mm-hmm. It could be a final, it could be a fantasy setting where they've like fucking techno remix the music. That sometimes <laughs> it, it's hit or miss, man. It's all really yeah. hit or miss for me. Uh, remakes for me have to come at almost a case by case basis. Like look at, look at Resident Evil, like RE. They built that game almost entirely brand spanking new from the fucking bottom up. And that remake game, I mean, of course, because it's on a later generation console, of course, because the graphics, music, etc. are better. That whole entire game is just phenomenal. For, that is a hallmark for a remake, which is also why I'm really looking forward to the Resident Evil 2 remake. Because, again, they're remaking that game. They're basically yeah. just keeping the story and not even all that's going to be the same. But... Yeah, I, I know what you mean, man. It's 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 really hit or miss. I, I have yet to develop a personal formula t- to be able to look at something and go, I'm not gonna like that remake because I've been proven wrong. My mm-hmm. my newest test for that is gonna be Secret of Mana because I've heard a lot of people do not like Secret of Mana remake, the one that came out last year on Steam yeah. or this year, or whatever. Yeah. And Secret of Mana, as we as we went over one of our ep- our episodes, that was one of my favorite Super Nintendo RPGs. I love that game, but it's yeah. it's got it's got the telltale signs of things that are going to be bad. You know, it's got the 3D remake. It's got the uh, music that's a little bit different. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean that wasn't even just. Uh, isn't that the one that was released on PS4 as well that I played? It may have been. I think. I think so. I think you played it and said you didn't care for it. Yeah. Yeah. Windows. Yeah. Steam. PS4 and Vita. Apparently. And how much? How much of Secret of Mana did you play in the past? Did you play the original? I played some of it a long time ago. I never beat it. Yes. Um, that. That's also that. That's another gradient. It's hard to use that as a as a factor. You know, because if yeah. if you haven't played the game all the way through, you won't have enough knowledge to like. Oh, I didn't. I don't like the way this boss design was. You didn't make it that boss. You know. I just. It, I think it's again another instance of me just preferring the sprites over this version of 3D. Because um, yeah. going back to Dot Hack. 
the quality it is now on this remake is what I remember it looking like back then. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't, it's not an improvement. I just remembered another one. I don't know if you've seen this, Adam, but there was oh. a Final Fantasy VI remake slash re-release. It was a mobile game. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So I... I mean, of course, me being the old asshole I am, that it's just I'm just not gonna play mobile games. Period. I pulled up screenshots to look at that game, and I do not like the way that they updated those sprite graphics at all. They look cartoony, cell shaded, and I'm like, man, no. If you're gonna hmm. if you're gonna take 16 bit graphics, if anything, if anything, maybe up maybe up them to the 32 bit look a little bit. But they have this whole like weird cartoony filter look to them now and I, are they crisp yeah are they smooth yeah but i do not like the way those look i like the portraits the portraits look cool because it's got that yoshitaka mono art look but the sprites in the game uh-uh I don't, I, I mean, they get that like so, super deformed kind of look you know what i mean yeah they just they they to me they look off and again i can hear an audience member going but wait a minute they took the entirety of a final fantasy 4 character and 3dized it so what's your barrier and my answer is tearing out the hair that i don't have i don't know <laughs> it is literally a game by game case by case remake by remake mm. basis for me at this point yeah so Sorry, Chris, your your week is taking a left. <laughs> I know. I, I'm I know our topic's gonna take a while, so I've been trying to keep it short, but I just it's all there's too good, much to talk man. about. This is um, the this is the mega PlayStation episode. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, and our going back, researching for the topic gave me so much nostalgia and I just wanted to play games so much. That's kind of why I picked up Dot Hack, which because that was a PlayStation game or PS two game, I was like yeah, I want to play something. That was from back then. Yeah. Um, and it felt good, you know, getting that old school feel. And I'm like, man, this is so good back in the day. I'm not enjoying it as much now, but man, I love this. Mm. You know, <laughs> kind of loving and not like it at the same time. Uh, yeah. Just because that feel. PlayStation, I mean, that was just such a great era yeah. of games. Um, I know Super Nintendo, arguably, you know, the biggest, but PlayStation for me, that's where I came in at. That was my biggest experience, and that was where I had my core of my gaming. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that later. Yeah, um, yeah. So last thing for my week, I swear. Uh, I am I think I'm committed to Destiny 2 now. Uh, back into it. Um, I dive. Yeah, I, I thought that the level cap, or the light cap, power cap, is power level now, not light level. For whatever reason, I decided to change it. Um, whatever. It would be like Dragon Ball. Yeah. The much. so I thought the cap was four hundred. That was the cap in Destiny One. The cap now is three eighty five. So I was going from I think last week I said I got the three fifty six. I'm now at three sixty five, um, and I've actually started working on my other characters again. So I got my Titan character. My main character is the Hunter. That's when it's three sixty five. Uh, I got my Titan from 305 to 336, uh, which the big thing from the alt characters is basically going through and leveling them up. Um, I started doing story, and then I was annoyed by it because I've already played it. And I, as good as the Destiny story is overall, 
I am not a person that can replay a RPG over and over, typically. Uh, mm-hmm. Not for story. Um, there are exceptions, of course, but in general, I play an RPG once. I'm not going to enjoy it a second time because I know everything that happens. Nothing's different. That's just it for me. Um, and Destiny's like that. I played through a story. Um, cool. I enjoyed it. It was good. I don't want to play through it a second time. It's not giving me anything. Um, and basically, I'm keep skipping all the cutscenes anyway. So the coolest parts I'm skipping because I'm just trying to get through as fast as I can to get to the actual content I'm trying to do to level. Um, but I got my Titan up to 336. So I'm back to the, you know, working on all three characters at once to help speed up the grind. Um, but like I was saying, the cap's 385. I'm only 20 off and I'm going up five to. Uh, I think this week I went up nine, so that's a pretty big gap. But I'd say normally five to six power level per week. I have plenty of time before the DLC launches in September, so I'm not in a rush. Mm-hmm. But I I still want to speed it up so I can get done with it and uh, not have to worry about it until DLC drops, essentially. Yeah. Um, I might end up doing the raid. I went back and looked. And the raid and the first raid lair are actually recommended level 300. So I'm way over that now. Um, And apparently it doesn't matter once you're over like 300 anyway. So me being 350, 365 now is more than enough to go back and do the raid. And so I might do that to finally get the clear on it. Um, I'm sure before year two of uh, Destiny 2 actually starts... They'll release one of their little books that has all the check marks in it for things you've done in the game. Yeah. Uh, which I did all of for Destiny 1, Year 1, 2, and 3. So I have, you know, the 100% completion on it. Um, I think I have 100%. I have all that counted. Because there was a special emblem you got if you did everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got I did enough to get that emblem. I think there were a couple things I didn't count towards it that I didn't do. Uh, but I think overall I did it. So I'm probably going to be doing that again. Uh, so I'll need to go through it anyway, but the raid gives you so many opportunities to level up that not doing it is just, it's really slowing me down on leveling, which like mm-hmm. I said, I have plenty of time. It's just a matter of getting the game out of the way at this point. Yeah. Um, so that I can spend time on these other games. Um, last week was Iron Banner. Uh, I mentioned that it was going to be, and it's, I'm looking forward to the DLC to see how they change things around. Um, Iron Banner is supposed to go back to uh, power level mattering, which is one of the big things in Destiny 1. Your power level mattered. Your light level mattered then. So if someone went in super weak, you know, new to the game, they would get demolished in Iron Banner because they'd be doing less damage and taking more damage because of the level difference. Mm -hmm. Um, In Destiny 2, they decided to get rid of that. So there's no your level doesn't matter, basically equalizes, you know, uh, caps you at a certain point or brings everybody up to a certain point, which is okay, but it didn't really feel like the spirit of it to me. Um, but they're supposed to be changing a bunch of stuff and I'm still remaining optimistic and looking forward to it and preparing for it. I'm committed now. Cool. That's well, it. If, if that caps your week off, I want to move yep. into Adam's week because I, and I know the audience as well, want to know if, Chris, you said you took the dive back in 
we all want to know, Adam, did you take the dive back into World of Warcraft? I took did the dive right back in to Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah! Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, go, yeah. Beat it again, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm ready for the next game now. Now that I've refreshed myself on all facets of the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, I've been, as he was saying, I've been checking out the uh, the summer sale and all that. I've got my eye on four specific games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that could could turn into six. So I'm just kind of looking around. I'm getting kind of kind of toe in the water a little bit, but I don't know if y'all have ever heard of uh, our guest, Generations of War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a Final Fantasy Tactics looking kind of game, sort of. Oh, I know. That's right up your alley. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. I'm kind of liking the vibe I'm getting from this game. Yeah. And then, then I looked at the price and it's like three fucking bucks. And I was like, yep. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll pick you up for sure. Sold. And uh, it's got two sequels. So there's that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then there's a game that was completely off my radar, but just randomly popped up on it. There's a game called Nino Kumi. Have you heard of it? Oh, well, yeah, I've heard a little yeah. bit about it. Nino Kumi Two: Revenant Kingdom or something like that. Nino Kumi. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, oh, that, that looks that looks okay. I mean, I'm I'm not completely turned off to this idea. It's like a pretty good little RPG, and it's so. Did you play the first one? I have not. Okay. I was going to ask. <laughs> so, this game gets touted as being one of the best RPGs on PS3, period. Mm-hmm. I played it. I didn't get very far into it. Um, I played it for probably, thinking back, like four to six hours. Uh-huh. And I just, I stopped. I couldn't keep playing it. And I couldn't really point out you know any particular things that put me off of the game, but... I was not enjoying it. Um, I think it felt a little childish in a way. Um, I don't know. I just, I did not enjoy the game, which I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I can't point to any one reason that turned me off. I just overall didn't enjoy the feel of the game. Um, With the second one being out now, I kind of want to go back and try it again, see if, you know, I have a different opinion, but I'm really hesitant to do so just because of how much it, just didn't do anything for me. I see it's got eighty four percent out of a eighty four percent out of twelve hundred user reviews say it's positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I mean, you know, it's hard to argue with that. You know, it's like still a lot yeah. of people really like this game, <clears throat> and a lot I of agree also with like Nier Automata. Oh yeah. god, a lot of people, a lot of people did like uh, Nino Cooney, the first one. I I kind of got that game on my shelf. I got it on sale. I got like a six dollar copy of it. Uh-huh. And it's in it's it's in the, the backlog. backlog of games for me to get to, and I know I will. But I also hear that this. Well, I don't want to say that because I might be misquoting somebody. I know uh, uh, Ben from the Giant Bomb talks about it. He had a whole rigmarole uh, about it whenever it came out, and I think it's a lot of departure from the first one. So there may be that going for it. I don't know how linear it is, like if you need to play the first one. But I I also hear a lot of good things about this one. So, I mean, hey, 
if you got it on sale, shit. I mean, yeah, it's forty percent off right now. You can get it for thirty-five bucks. So yeah, it's saving you the price of another game. Yeah. Uh, I've so, also uh, been looking at the Legend of Heroes series, the Trails in the Sky and Trails of Cold Steel. Hmm. And there's four of those. So uh, I don't know anything about that one, but the uh, Agarest uh, Generations of War, I actually have in Steam, and according to it, I put in 17 hours into it. <laughs> I don't know if good. that's fully accurate or not, but it is a fun little game. Um, again, it's one of those I didn't really have anything to keep me there um mm. but while i played it you know until i got sidetracked with something else it was fun i mean it's pretty cheap right now i think so it, yeah four bucks definitely worth a pickup that's easy and it's got two um, sequels yeah, yeah. i haven't got, played the sequels it's got our guest generations of war zero and our guest generations of war two which i'm guessing one of them yeah. is a prequel came out a year later though yeah. or it looks Don't like know. six months later <laughs> So, one of those things where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I might be able to debate, if each of these things gives me 20 hours, that's 60 hours of gameplay for right. 15 bucks. And for, again, yeah. just another great thing about something being on a Steam sale, you know, if you drop, if I drop $3 on a game, and the game is 30 hours long, and I only make it like halfway through, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I didn't finish it, but dude, I paid $3 for 15 hours of gameplay. I mean, it's not that bad. Whereas if I drop 65 on a game near Automata and then don't like it, <laughs> I feel like, well, fuck, man. <laughs> you know? Yep. You didn't just end up regretting it. Like yep. PUBG sits in my Steam library oh, right now. Man, yep. why? Why did I buy this shit game? I haven't made that leap. Um, I I'm, still, we I talked was an this early before. Adopter. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this before. It's a game that, you know, I'll shit on all the time and talk crap about, but I do still intend to actually play it and, you know, form my own opinion of it as far as a player goes. But I just, I can't make that leap yet, even with uh, it on sale. I don't want to turn Adam's Week into a fucking uh, PUBG hater or other, uh, what what is that genre called? Oh shit, I've forgotten it now. What is that genre of game called again? Battle Royale. It's Battle Royale, yeah, segment. But I will say, really quick, over everything that I have heard and listened to and the hearsay and, and just the fucking general popularity, if I ever pick up a Battle Royale game, it's probably going to be Fortnite. They are constantly updating and changing that game to make it fresh. Like, they're adding fun, just generic fun updates to make to change the, the formula up. Uh, that alone makes me go, okay, okay, yeah, sure. And it's fucking free, so if I don't like yeah. it, but will I do it? Pro- probably not. That's I'm not. I'm not in an MMO <laughs> mind frame at all. Well, let, let's dive into that little topic right there. I when I look at PUBG, I see wasted potential. I see wasted potential for an entire genre of games. Yeah. What, what I see and is, which is they which took is it magnified how because of how popular it was because mm-hmm. everybody around you, Adam and me and Chris, all of us were going, "Have y'all not played PUBG? This shit is fucking amazing!" And we look at it and go, "There's so much more here. Yeah, There's that, way much. What There's they t- so much more to be done here." What they took was something that I mean, you know where Battle Royale comes from, right? The movie is all I know. 
The movie? So you haven't seen yet. Yeah. Did you know the premise of the movie? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Chris? Yeah. Okay. If you take that, take that movie and half those kids didn't get firearms. You know, they went through there and the map didn't shrink. It was grid squared off and those grid squares became instant death zones. Mm-hmm. But half the tension of the movie was kids wandering around, hoping they didn't bump into each other and trying to strategize on what grid square to be in next because, you know, they didn't want to be in one that was going to get bombed, but they didn't want to get, go into one that was going to block them in so that, you know, they they didn't have an option to, to escape. And there was all this meta strategy going around. You don't get any of that with PUBG. Yeah. Uh, or any of its spawn. They all kind of took the same route. It's a shooter, and the map gets smaller as you go. Mm. That's what it is. And I, I just see that as such a waste. They could have gone with complete, you know, we could have a game right now where, you know, people are running around with swords. And, yeah. you know, katanas and stuff like that, trying to trying to do the same thing in a battle royale setting. But that's not... That's not this. That's not the direction they decided to go with it. It's just Somebody's kind of waste of potential along. to me. Some company is going to come along and they're going to hit the magic formula. I want to say right now, given the the, the popularity and the the severe love for it, I think Fortnite is the closest. But even that, it seems like that the, the battle royale seems more like a flavoring. I mean, I I hear uh-huh. more people talking about when I hear people talk about PUBG, I always hear about chicken dinner. I always hear about people saying, "I want to be that one. I want to get that once in my life or twice. I want to be the one that wins a, a match." That's cool. When I hear people talk about Fortnite, aside from the hey, they put Thanos in this game, and believe it or not, they made it absolutely fucking hilariously fun, or all these weird updating changes they're doing. I mainly hear about the building. Like you, the building is like the meta of the game, and I'm like, well, but what about the actual battle royale? They're like, yeah, hey, yeah, that, yeah, that's there. But listen, the building part, and I'm like, well, damn. Like so, so literally, in 2000, the middle of 2018, probably even earlier, the whole battle royale has now become a flavoring. That's not even like a main hook anymore, which is what we're, what I kind of figured it was going to do anyway. What we all did. It's just going to be something added to the game. The, the 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 draw for the for that game should be the battle royale, but it's not. It's all the meta around it, and it's just like, yeah, you're sure it's a battle royale game instead of no, this is a battle royale game. Some 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 company's gonna come along and they're gonna do that justice. I just don't feel it's been done yet. But that's also what for the people that are actually playing Fortnite and PUBG to tell us if we're right or wrong because I haven't played it. So the last thing I'll say about Battle Royale is there's a game that came out earlier this month called Totally Accurate Battlegrounds. <laughs> I saw that. It came across uh, my queue. I was like, what? What is this? That game is hilarious. It is intentionally kind of a piece of crap. It's yeah. buggy. Um, but I watched uh, some videos of people playing it. And based on their reactions, they had more fun playing this than they did PUBG. <laughs> nice. Um, because it's so bad, but it's it's more fun because of how bad it is. Um, and there are melee weapons, and you totally can run up to someone because the aiming is so annoying and difficult to do that you can totally run up to someone with a sword and kill them, you know? So it's 
it's pretty funny to watch. Um, I much prefer watching it over <laughs> the other two right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, got my eyes on a New Kingdom Come update they're coming out with. They've got a, uh, looks like a From Ashes DLC. Mm-hmm. That's going to be coming out here soon. So I've been watching that. Apparently, after all the things that go down in the first Kingdom Come Deliverance, uh, you'll be uh, given a title and some land, and you get to build a village and stuff like that. Have either of y'all played this game yet? No. No. Okay, Kingdom Come is something I've played in my off time. Uh, imagine a completely like dedicated to try to be realistic medieval game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, this game is ridiculously realistic. You can't, you start off and your, your character doesn't know how to hold a sword. He doesn't know how to read. Uh, he's got no stamina. He's got, he's just a peasant. Basically, he's a blacksmith's son. And, uh, you work your way up. You get taught, you actually get taught in the game through, like, going through the classes how to use the moves, like, key tenets of sword combat and, you know, like how to hold the sword, how to use the sword, how to block, how to parry, are not even like mechanically possible to do until you've been trained. The same goes with reading. You open a book before you learn how to read, and it's just gibberish. And then as your reading skill improves, the words go from being like a fifth grader or like a, a kindergartner wrote it with, you know, backwards consonants and upside down vowels and stuff like that. And uh, words not coming in the correct order. To, uh, you know, make it a bit more sense and your character being able to speed read things over time, stuff like that. Um, multiple layers of protection. I'll, I'll, it, it's a really good game. If you haven't played it, check it out. But this is one of those games where it's easy to get immersed in it. Really, really easy. And so they, they've got a new DLC coming out and a, they just patched it. I think is update 1.6 and they added a hardcore mode to this fucking game and it was already kind of hardcore to begin with and now you start off the game and you pick two negative perks and you could start off with like a tapeworm that makes you have to eat more often or like uh, brittle bones or you know common medieval like detriments that happen like yeah you're missing teeth or you're fucking feeble or you you've got uh, consumption <laughs> so, just to make the game even harder on you and then they take away like a couple of elements out of the HUD so now you don't know when the you know a good time to block is you have to yeah and then they completely remove the fast travel oh wow so yeah now you have no visual cue on when somebody's going to catch you you have no <laughs> no visual cue Jesus. on uh, when a how to pick a lock stuff like that it's like oh yep here we go this is going to be painful and i'm going to love every second of it (laughs) i'm still going back through pillars of eternity i haven't got on in a while i need to really get back on that and just go crush through that so i can play pillars of eternity 2 again Mm -hmm. and uh last but not least uh polished it off a little bit of war thunder in between still playing that of course of course Yeah, yeah 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 And last I checked, I've got, uh, let me take a look, 2,238 hours on War Thunder. Jesus. 
That's Holy right. Crap. Right. World of Warcraft looks over <laughs> at, at War Thunder and takes and takes a big and... steaming shit on it. <laughs> Says you trying to get you trying to you trying to muscle in on my turf, fool. <laughs> this is the game I got to to supplement my addiction. Oh man, oh man. You know, gaming is an addiction now. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll we'll get there, Adam. <laughs> we'll get there one day, very soon. Um. All right. Well, I guess rolling to my week. Uh, a couple movie things. Uh, first, I did watch a couple of random movies this this week. I watched uh, American Made, which is a Tom Cruise um drug smuggler type movie. It's pretty good. I mean, it's blow all over again, just in a different face. Yeah. Uh, had some pretty cool moments in it, I guess. I did watch Happy Death Day, which I'm all about the Groundhog Day thing. If anybody out there has not seen the original Groundhog Day, do yourself a favor, check it out. If you haven't seen the Tom Cruise Edge of Tomorrow, pause this podcast, go get that movie and watch it and thank me later. This is another Groundhog Day movie, and it it was pretty good, but it fumbled the fuck out of the ball in, in the last quarter. I mean, it was it, I was I was slightly interested. That? I was slightly interested, a little bit more interested, said, okay, I got where this is going. And then toward the end, when the ending started to come around, I was like, uh, yeah, I guess this is, a, this is, could have, could have been done way better. Tom just Cruise killed way, all the aliens and it's just done. <laughs> which would have been, I actually would have bolstered the ending if that would have happened. But no, they, they took their own route to, to make the ending happen. And I, I just, eh, meh, wasn't that good. Um, I watched another movie, uh, The Endless. I checked that out too because I've heard good things about the director, but eh, it was a cultish movie, and I, I kind of like the cultish and satanic type of uh, horror thriller movies, but it wasn't all that great. Um, non Steam games, I played some more Super Mario Odyssey for just a little bit. Uh, just knocked out a few more, I don't know, like 50, 60 something moons. Uh, it's still a good game to just dive into and still has that playability where you can just pick it up, put it down if you want to. And then I started my steam track. I got a lot of things, a lot of things to say about this steam epidemic. So yeah, steam sale is going on right now. As of this recording, I think it ends July 5th, 2018. So you still got plenty of time to jump in and get some games. And like I said, from the last few sales, I have been known to get like three or four games. I mean, even when I had a shit ton of disposable money, it was just yeah, like four or five games here and there never spent like four hundred dollars i haven't i haven't yet either but never really dove down into that shit uh this one i have and the one feature that steam has that has made that possible they have a and i'm i don't know how long this feature has been there this could this could have been there for years and i've just never seen it or never used it or whatever but as I was going through games, the way that I used to do it, and I'm sure those that know Steam's interface can can tell how like horrible this is to figure out what you want to buy, is I would go to the Steam page, I would find the Steam sale, and I'd just click the games that were on sale and try to sort them in some kind of manner, like what was most popular or bestsellers or something like that, and scroll through page after page of nothing but the game titles, nothing but the thumbs up, thumbs down, nothing but the prices, and blah, blah, blah. And if I saw a title that it clicked my interest, I would click the title and, and watch a trailer. 
The way that I'm doing it now is like fucking crack for me because I have used a feature on there called Explore. So if you go to your Steam page up at the top, you have you can click on uh, the store and you have an, the selective options. You click on Explore. It basically loads a queue for you of 12 games at a time. It immediately... As soon as you click it, it brings you to the first game in the queue. It has this. It's essentially just like you click in the game itself. It puts it right there to the game's page. It'll automatically start playing a trailer. You can scroll down, read reviews. You can scroll through uh, images if you need to. And if you you can still, all the options are still there. Whether you want to add it to your wish list, where you're not interested. Uh, or or whatever, and then you just click next queue when you're done, and it pulls up the next game. And this goes on for, I mean, basically you can watch it as long as you want to. You can do this as long as you want to. It's just every 12 games it starts over a new queue. You can also edit the preferences in your queue to say, hey, I don't like sports games. Don't show me sports games. Or uh, I don't like uh, racing games. Don't show me racing games. I don't like RPGs. Don't show me RPGs. Whatever you want. And it's, it seems like it's been fairly... Uh, it's been, I guess, because of all the games that have been in my Steam mind, I guess you'd say, it's been pretty good about even if it does have a sport uh, style aesthetic to it, it'll still show it to me because it also has RPG, also has real-time strategy, also has this, this, this. So it doesn't completely void a category out from seeing it. It just It's selective on what it does show you. Um, the benefit of doing that now with it being on sale is that I have literally been watching the trailers for the game. Uh, man, I've got so much to say about this shit. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now for me, I don't know about you two and for the audience as well, but I'm going to tell Steam right now, if you want a way to sell me on a fucking game without having Adam tell me or having Chris buy it for me and give it to me. When I go to your games page, when I go to a, ga- a Steam's game page, the first thing I need to see is a trailer. Even if I have to scroll through that trailer to find the actual gameplay, because that is specifically what I'm looking for, you show me a trailer and I'm going to be interested. And especially right now on the Steam sale, if I see a trailer... And I'm noticing that I'm watching that trailer for more than, say, 15 seconds. I'm like, all right, Michael, obviously you're interested. I'll scroll down and I'll look at the price. If that game, if that game is like, okay, seems kind of interesting. It's got a few little quirks. It's got a mechanic that I'm looking for. I'll judge how much I feel like I want to spend on it. If that game's like five bucks and I feel like it's worth five bucks, I'll put it, I'll put it in the cart. If that game is fairly okay, it's got some okay things, but same, 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 uh, uh, protocols but it's like 15 bucks i'll just add it to the wish list because again guys as you know that game is going to drop eventually point of fact uh the game you were just talking about chris uh i'm sorry adam what was it called again uh the the the, the medieval game shit you were just talking about it. i'm sorry Ruh-roh. which but uh you had to describe it for me the the medieval the medieval game you were just talking oh you're talking about kingdom deliverance come? yeah okay yeah. so point of, point of fact kingdom come come across my thing Adam's already now even if Adam Adam hadn't already talked to me about that game the game come up the first thing they did was play a trailer just like I've been doing for all these games I skimmed through the trailer I just skimmed through I'm looking for gameplay uh, when I scrolled down and saw the price I said you know what I just don't want to pay that money for that right now I'll just add that I'll just skip it. Because it's going to come back around eventually, and when it gets down to a price I feel like I want to pay for it, I'll pick it up. I have been doing that 
again, I think I'm, I'm I'm bordering 400 games looking at by now. Uh, my wish list went from like 12 games. It's at, at the highest right now. It's been like 67 games, and I have put I have taken games out of the wish list and bought them. I put them in my cart and bought them. I bought games directly from the queue. Um, it's it's been crazy. This has been the first time that I've that I've had that fever that I hear everybody talk about with Steam sales, and it's so great that it's happening right now because these games are on sale. Uh, I don't even look. Uh, actually, a coworker of mine uh had looked at my Steam thing, was like, "Man, I saw you bought like eleven games or something like that." I've I've, I've got to be bought like 30 or 40 by now but they've mostly all been like five dollar and below let me let me ask uh, you another question about your hmm. your steam usage have you ever hmm. looked at the trading cards uh i've gotten so many cards from doing shit and even just putting these games in my cart and whatnot has given has gotten me cards but i've never like used them or done anything with them i've just collected them you can sell those for real cash what? Yeah, if you wow. click on the cards, very little. Well, it's very little, but you got two hundred of them times six cents each. That's yeah. a game. Yeah, that's a game at the Steam sale. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I didn't even know. And that. every that's once in a while, you'll unwrap one that's worth a couple bucks. So, that's might be cool. worth it. I mean, the yeah. most I've ever pulled up, I had one foil that was worth like forty fucking cents or something like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that's that's some game somewhere. <laughs> you know, as you play through and games, that, you get the cards. All kinds of cool stuff happens. And that's something I've also noticed about a lot of these games. As, as, again, as, I feel like this this sounds like I'm being nitpicky because it's it's the Steam sale, but it's just opportunistic that it's happened this way. Because there have been so many times where I've been like, I watch a trailer, and it, not all these trailers have to be super long, but I fucking mandate that you have to have some kind of gameplay trailer i've skipped so many games that have had nothing but screenshots and i've I've, a couple the first few i went to youtube and then searched for gameplay and skimmed through and i'm like that's too much that's too much work because i am clicking through all these other games like madness but i'll check out a trailer and again, if I'm watching this trailer for more than 10, 15 seconds, I'm like, okay, obviously this isn't something about this. And some of these games I can even just pinpoint. I'm like, all right, at this point in the trailer, I saw this uh, shoot 'em up mechanic that had this thing that I liked. That interests me. Okay, but everything else around me, everything else around that mechanic for me was just okay. I'll say, I'll, you know what, two, three bucks, sure. Just I'll try a game out that has one mechanic interesting to me for two or three bucks. I'll scroll down, hey, this game is usually four bucks it's on steam sale right now for 79 cents hey you just got sold i'll spend 79 cents on a try it game you know mm-hmm. and that's happened for that's multiple titles that i've been doing that to of all the titles that i have purchased uh except for last night because last night i went through another big binge of pretty much clearing out the ones that i can afford uh again i've i've had to have bought somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 something games 30 or 40 games the first chunk that i bought i played all of them in the on on day 1 when i bought them cuz i wanted to put some time into it and see if i feel like it was like a test it was like okay i've i've spent 
and it was nothing. It was like $23 for 12, 13 games. That sounds crazy. And that's, and that's so, there's so much to say about that because, you know, there, there are some low key games in there. There are some middle tier games. There, there, there's like one AAA game. Uh, you can't always judge games by their prices, but the great thing is, is if I only spent, you know, a dollar 15 on a game and I beat it in three hours, that's dollar 15 cents. And I obviously liked it enough to play it all the way through and beat it. I move on with life. Yep. Um, hey, one quick second. Ga- I just took a look at all the, uh, little trading cards I got for the last summer sale from last year and not, I've got nine of them total and they're worth about 20 cents each. Yeah. But, um, the the great thing about this is that I don't have to I'm not so concerned with the money aspect anymore mm-hmm. like I'm not t- there there are ones that I will obviously have to look at for spending big money AAA titles come to mind immediately if there's some AAA game out there for 50 60 bucks uh there's no telling when or if I'll those those may not be games that I will try that may not be something where Chris says hey this game that's 65 bucks it's really good you want to try it it's like mm, I'll have to get around to that sometime down the road that game will go down on price and then it'll jump on sale and then it'll be you know six seven bucks and maybe you know if he talks about it that much then I'll spend seven or eight bucks on it but that hasn't been the case for almost all of these games these are all completely new to me completely unheard of and just the fact of being able to scroll through them game by game, check out the trailers, immediately see what the price is, have a mental uh, capacity for how much I feel like I want to pay for it, it's it's all been working out. Of all the original chunked games that I purchased, there were only two that I have sent back to Steam. Uh, one was uh, I, f- I forget the name of this game, but it was a it was a RPG. It looked like a mix between. Uh, uh, Legend of Zelda and Final Fantasy is the best way I can put it. And that was like, okay, it looks cool. Completely unheard of company, completely unheard of game, but the graphic style, the way the game was, the way the trailer presented it, it looked like it was interesting. I looked at the price, the price was $249. Sure, man, I'll spend $250 on a fucking maybe it's good, maybe it's not good RPG. It touted full controller support, and after about 45 minutes of trying to troubleshoot the controller shit not working and finding out several other people had controller issues, it wouldn't work. So, for the first time ever, I did the whole Steam refund thing, and it was completely fucking easy. You go to support, you tell it you want a refund, and if you want, you can even tell them why, which I did for both of these games. For this game, I said, hey man, I and many people had controller issues with this game, and that's that's a big deal for me, so uh, you know, I'm just going to get my refund. And it went right to, back to my Steam wallet, and life moved on. No big hassle, no big guilt trip, nothing to it. It's like buying games game, out of a magazine, isn't it? Um, you know, you much? just kind of, it's kind of like you're flipping through GamePro back in the day, or browsing youtube videos and you're just like i like that game click up now i've got it yep that's what steam is now the other game that i sent back uh or uh, sorry i didn't send back wanted a refund for was uh ukulele now this was this was hard on my heart to do this because this game is right up my alley i'm all Mm -hmm. about collectathons i'm all about whimsical colorful games like this and i have watched this game for years uh, and I didn't even spend much for it. I only spent like 14 or 15 bucks for it. 
but I want to refund for it because there were just enough minor glitches slash control issues slash camera issues spread around my two to three hour gameplay to make me go, you know what? I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Like I feel like the, the me spending 14 bucks was too much given the shit that I, given the, the, the shit that mm-hmm. I had to go through. However, this game, I believe ukulele is, it has either been released or is coming out for Switch. And I have it in my head that Nintendo is not gonna let that game fly by. You know, it's gonna have a locked frame rate. It's gonna have uh, the control issues figured out, the minor bug issues figured out. It's gonna be a double A, if not triple A release on the Switch. They're gonna have polished and it, is what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, and I, and also again, so, so nobody's pissed off of me. I again went out of my way for a couple hours trying to get, trying to reconfigure settings, uh, trying to download patches, trying to download, uh, just anything I could do to make that game just play smoother. And it wasn't one specific thing. It was just a, a, a bunch of little things that made me go, eh. It's just not making the gameplay feel that I want. You know, when you come from playing even Mario 64 uh, or the the games that it was that was built around like Banjo-Kazooie and whatnot, I just wasn't getting that that good, fluid gameplay feel. It was just a little herky-jerky here and there. And I submitted a refund, and I'm going to get that back to my wallet as well. That's $14. I guarantee you uh, there's probably about five, six, seven games I'm going to get out of that. Um I've played, I, I can't even list guys and gals. I can't even list the like 15 games. Cause my library has now went from like 70 something games to 160 now. And you're at a 63 games. Exactly. So I've just went through and played some games here and there. And I, I have not found one that's been like, Oh man, this is a bad buy. Most of them have been like, Hey, this is pretty cool. A couple of them have been like, damn, I'm glad I purchased this for fucking a dollar 60 you know um so yeah that's i wish i had specific games to talk to everybody about but it's gonna be very very shaky for a few weeks because i'm literally just playing through games just trying things out i've got platformers i've got rpgs i've got shmups i've got cover based shooters i've got all kinds of different games and so far of the 15 or 20 that I've just went in, played for about 10, 15 minutes, I haven't found any that, that have been like, oh, oh. And the greatest thing of it is, is even if I do, I'm going to look at that price and go, oh, man, I purchased this game for $2.32. I don't like this game at all. Damn, I guess I'm out of 232 no, I'm not out of 232. I'll just submit for a refund. And even if I can't get a refund, 232. Big fucking whoop. Uh, this is something that's great about Steam. It's something great about the interface. It's something that's really impressive about how they have that set up. And again, this whole Explorer thing may be something that's been going on for years, and I've just completely mm-hmm. ignored it. But I used it now, and it's it's got me deep. Like I can I can literally spend an hour just sifting through games, just looking at games to put in my library. I had no yeah. idea that you didn't know about that, but I'm so glad you found it. Yeah, uh, it's been there for a while. I um. I have mixed feelings about it. It often shows me stuff I'm not interested in, even though I say I'm not interested in things. Uh, one big thing I wish they would add, in addition to the you know wish list, follow not interested, is I own this. Yeah, because I own Good God. a lot of these games on a console, 
so I'm not going to buy them again. You know, I'm very sometimes I will, but usually not. So I want to. I don't want to mark it as not interested because it's a game that interests me. But I want to indicate stop showing me this. You know? Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. There's so many games where I'm like, yeah, but I own that for the PS3. I don't, I don't, I don't need it again. But I, I don't know how that I'm not interested algorithm looks, and I don't want that. I don't want that to bump up tags like further up the list of hey, he doesn't want to see this. He shit. He don't want to see no fucking no. Mario. Mario's garbage to him. <laughs> he hates every fucking Mario wanna... game we show him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't want to fuck with their algorithm, so I just skip next and. uh yeah, and I agree. I've seen a few of but here's the thing. I've been through close to 400 games. It's 60 of what I've bought and I'll probably put another 40 into my into my list. Maybe even 20 into my list. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of games to go next, next, but there's no fucking guilt about it. If I just if I go through a trailer and I'm clicking, I'm looking at the gameplay, like this is about as close as I you you audience and guys, you guys got to understand how awesome this feature is. If Adam comes to me and says, hey, this game is great. It's $65. Go get it. That's not enough sale for me. If Adam says, here is this game. Take it home and go play it. Man, that's a free risk trial. That's a no risk trial. I just take it home and try it out. So this is a way. This is like this is like the fifth step down the rung of, hey, are you interested in my game or not? You showed me a trailer. Yeah, they usually have story shit involved. They usually have some kind of, you know, opening text narrative. It only takes a couple clicks to get through that trailer for me to get straight to gameplay. And that's what I'm looking for. And if the gameplay interests me, I'll pick it up. If it doesn't, I move on. Like, it's still such a grand thing for people to have, like, some kind of trailer thing in, in your, in your, in your, uh, in your page. Uh, yeah, again, it's been a big help. And it's something if anybody else didn't know, or if it's a feature that's always been there and you just shrugged it off, I really suggest trying it because it, it's only going to take a couple hours. It, it didn't even feel like hours. I didn't realize how much time I was wasting just looking at these games. But I'm so glad I did because there are a fuck ton of games that went completely under my radar. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if there was one game, if I could just pick one, let me run in my library real quick. Uh, the, the the main game I'm literally playing right now is called Mini Ghost. There is a side-scrolling Metroidvania style game called Ghost, and this is like a 8-bit uh, demake of it, I guess is the word people use. Uh, it's Metroidvania, which is one of many tags that have come across my, my view that I'm interested in, and I think I've been playing this the most. I've got several hours in this one so far and it's a short game and something else about a lot of these games a lot of these games are short i mean there was a game i don't remember the name of it but it was 8-bit retro metroidvania yada 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 and it said uh 40 unique bosses that made me click i was like well damn there's enough content in here for 40 fucking bosses let me see how big this game is no i can't tell okay well 40 bosses means to me there's a lot of shit i'm looking at the gameplay and i'm seeing there's obvious exploration there's obvious item upgrades there's this is a pretty big game let me scroll down this game is a dollar 22 holy yes i will pay a dollar 22 for a game that has 40 fucking bosses and metroidvania gameplay Mm -hmm. those little little details like that i cannot get by clicking the main page and just scrolling through titles and one of the things i do like about steam is that while they're showing you this they show you what the reviews are 
Yeah. And you yeah. can always just click it and immediately read user reviews right there. See, and that's – I haven't even gotten – that's the greatest thing about that. I haven't even got that far, but all – it literally takes you to the page of the game. So user reviews, uh, if you like this game, here are other games you would like. We recommended this game to you because of these games, and this is similar to these games. Like all that information is there for you, and I haven't even had to make it down that far. So it's 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 a great tool, man. It's great for it's it's a model that I don't know how the fuck they would ever do it. I, I guess they kind of have it, given that PlayStation has the 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 online feature and Xbox has Xbox Live and etc. But this this way to basically browse games, even if, I could be the dick. Okay, I could be that guy that buys all these games and just starts submitting refunds because I played them and and I'm done with it. But you don't have to. If this is something, this is a model that all these fucking companies should take a look at and go, yeah, this is nice. Are they ever going to? I, I highly fucking doubt it. I think consoles have some early access things here and there, but this is this is not the same. I mean, this is this is this is the main. This would be like PlayStation saying, "Hey." You have access to all of our PlayStation 4 games online. Here's trailers to them. Here's previews. And here's ways to check them out. If they had that, man, this world would be much better. I'm sure they probably do. I've just never looked at it. So that's my long-winded 2018 Steam sale extravaganza. And I do feel, like you said, Chris, there's going to come a time where I've eventually ran through damn near everything, you know, uh, or not everything, but now I've kind of, I've I've, I've narrowed the field down, you know. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many great companies are out there on Steam, it's very apparent, and our audience should know as well, there is a lot of shit on Steam. I mean, Steam is a format for people to just upload anything. They just make a game and put it on there. I feel like Steam does a pretty good job of filtering, because most of the games, honestly, being the old asshole I am, most of the games that I have either (laughs) clicked next or clicked not interested in, I want to say maybe four of those were like, this game looks like utter shit. Most of them have been, I'm not interested in that kind of game. Yeah. They got, re- uh, they've gotten a lot better at filtering out the shovelware. Yeah. Which is just like, yeah. oh, this game's popular. Let me just rip this out and throw it back in. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I have faith in that whole interface and the whole setup so far it hasn't let me down so far and again just the fact that it is such a it has been such a grand tool for me to be you know i'll sure i'll try a game or no i don't want to or no i'm not interested or man that looks way better that that that's the other side of this that i haven't talked about i don't want to spend too much longer i promise but there have been games on there where i've been like damn look at the quality of these graphics look at the mechanics look at all the work and the detail and you scroll down this game is like four bucks and it's like oh wow this game is severely underselling itself but that's the price they have, so get the fucking game, you know? 
And there have been some where have been like, yeah, I'm not paying eight dollars for that. There's no way. That's a, that's <laughs> fucking Atari quality. There, you're, no, no. How long is this game? Oh, about three hours. Get the fuck out of my face. Eight dollars. Come on, man. But it's all it's it's all a great way for you to personally judge whether you do or don't want to try games out, whether you do or don't want to spend the money, whether you do or, or whether you are or are not interested, whether you do or don't want to put on your wish list. It's been a great tool, and I've loved it, and I'm going to keep using it. And God, I'm going to... The backlog is going to grow even fucking more now. Thank you, Steam. Right? I appreciate it. (laughs) I didn't even have a backlog until Steam. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I had some, but I can see... I've heard Chris, Adam, I've heard many people talk about how their Steam backlog got stupid, and I'm like, I don't know, what what are y'all doing? Are y'all just (laughs) randomly clicking games and buying them because they're cheap? And then I look at this and go, oh. Oh, I got it now. My my (laughs) downfall was the Humble Bundle. Uh Uh-huh. It's like, hey, do you want this awesome game, this kind of cool game, and all these really okay games for a dollar yeah yeah now i have every single redeem keys yeah i was oh man it was bad (laughs) well go ahead go ahead ahead, i uh i actually did the humble monthly thing so i and i just kind of forgot about it for a while And I had to go back and redeem keys. I'm like, okay, I have this. I don't have this. I have this. I don't have this. Um, <laughs> trying to figure out which ones I uh, need to, you know, add to my Steam library and which ones I need to figure out someone to give it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I have a copy of Civilization uh, Six. I think it's the latest one mm-hmm. that I already own, but I have a key from Humble Monthly, so I'm just going to give it to somebody. Yeah. It's it's it, man. I'm telling you, the games that are thirty-five dollars and up, the 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 big boys, the triple A's and the double A's and all that shit. It's somebody out there is going to engineer a service that makes those easier to demo, easier to try, and all that. And that's going to be a great thing because this right here for these lower tier games. I mean, don't get me wrong, Steam also has double A AA and triple A games. I mean, there's you got you name it. It's probably on Steam boring exclusives but man this is so cool uh, i've loved every second of going through this hole that i've dug myself into i like it yeah. when people find new things yeah it's like you've discovered yeah. like a new color or something you know? and that's what this is you know it's not a, it's it's there's g- games that are complete you there are so many games looked at and it's like yeah there this game has been downloaded like 400 times and i'm looking at the trailer and the gameplay going fuck yeah I'm all about that, and I know out there there's a developer, him and his like little brother, and they're like, we just got somebody else just bought this game. Thank God, yay! And it's like, no, it wasn't me. Thanks Steam, because if Steam didn't have this way for me to check this out, I I would have never. There's no way. There's no way. Uh, before we roll in the topic, any last things, any news, or well, actuallys, or anything else? Because man, we're about to fucking get in deep. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's been. I think everybody is pretty much going through E three recovery. Still, pretty pretty so sure I'm just a... always right, so I don't ever need to be corrected. <laughs> I will say that there is a 
lengthy gameplay demo that I need to go find and track down and watch of the Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, I've got, I'm getting more hyped about that game the more I'm hearing about it. Uh, so, other than that, I haven't really heard anything else about the news. So, with that being said, we are going to roll into this week's topic. Now, as we have prefaced in this episode, uh, this is going to be a long one, folks. This is a... This is a pretty big topic because we are going over our individual top 15 PlayStation games. Now, somebody has done some homework for us. Uh, that somebody being Chris has compiled most of our list together for us. And we have noticed that uh, for those that don't know our usual top format, uh, the way they work is we're going to start at 15 on our own individual individual ends. And we're going to go down the list and talk about our games at any point from 15 to three. If those games are also on somebody else's list, they will chime in and we'll basically talk about it at the same time. That way we're not redundance. We're not doing redundancy over ourselves over and over again. For example, if my number 13 is Breath of Fire 3 and that's Adam's number 7, we we will talk about it together. That way it's not just repeating the same game over and over again. Huh. Uh, I'm sorry, and that's to 4, not to 3. 15 to 4. Our top threes are kept to the chest, that are kept private, they're kept secret, and they will be revealed individually. That way we personally give them our we give them our own individual time, our own individual talk. Uh, and if they've already been discussed before, it doesn't matter. We're going to do it again the way we want to. If anybody wants to add more input to it, then we will. For example, if Chris's number seven is Twisted Metal 2, and that's Adam's number two, well, when Chris is talking about it, Adam's just going to, yeah, 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 I played it. Yeah, good stuff. When Adam reveals it's his number two, he's going to gush about it. He's going to tell us why, for however long he wants to, he put that at number two. And if Chris wants to talk more about it, he can, but it's already been discussed on his end. Oh, yeah. That's the way the format runs. So given that, Chris has already went ahead of time and compiled our list together, and we've noticed that there are 30 individual unique titles to talk about. Now, this is not saying that we're going to spend 10 minutes on every single game. Uh, it's just saying that those are individual, non-duplicate games on this list, and that's not including our top three. Individual top threes. So we've got a lot of content to go over. Sorry for rambling for a while. I'm just explaining the rules, not only to Adam because he hasn't done this format with us before, but also for the audience in case this is your first time. Uh, this is going to be a lengthy one because we have 15 games apiece, and there are three people here. So probably one of the longer list episodes. It is what it is. So we're going to roll right into it in no particular order we're going to start with me i guess because i'm on the list uh first on our spreadsheet here uh my number 15 game i put a vagrant story uh squaresoft is known for having a lot of good titles on the playstation uh arguably one of the one of the i I, i'm gonna say confidently that between i'd say between the playstation and the super nintendo I mean, this is it. These, those are two of the generations where Squaresoft are really showing some shine. And I think Vagrant Story is one that doesn't necessarily get a whole lot of play, a whole lot of talk about. But it's 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 there. And it, it's good that it's known. It's good that people know that this company was around. And this is kind of one of those, I guess it's kind of why I felt okay about it being so far down the list. It's unknown but still good. Uh, it's it's action, like pseudo-action slash RPG. Um, 
it's got some interesting battle combat mechanics. It's got, uh, there's like a radius you go into when you engage the enemy. And if they're in the radius, you can attack them. You can attack different points on the body to weaken them. They, the, the body parts would have weaknesses. Uh, the story has really good, uh, there's really good writing to it. Uh, the art style is very unique given that time period 3D slash cell shading ish is a way I could describe it. Very good music for what Squaresoft is known for. Uh, I played this in high school and then was fortunate, uh, well, not fortunate, but I decided to play it again a couple years ago just to refresh it in my memory. And yes, it's definitely a, it's an, it should be a known Squaresoft title and it made my number 15 on my top 15 PlayStation list. Uh, Chris, we're going to roll into your 15 next. So my number 15 is a game that I haven't ever heard anyone ever talk about uh, other than me, and it is Kagero Deception 2. Um, this game is a bit unusual. It's not like any other game that uh, I really played back then. It is a strategy RPG type thing. Um, the big difference with this game is that, and honestly, I couldn't tell you what the like story of the game is. I just played it because I enjoyed the gameplay so much. Mm. Um, which the gameplay is centered around setting up traps for the people that come in the room. Um, and it's not just, you know, like setting up a pit trap or something. It's like, okay, I set up a spring here that's going to fling them over here. And that's going to trigger this that causes, uh, you know, this big boulder to come and fall on them or something. Or, you know, they fly over here and then they get shot by something. And it was, excuse me, it was a big almost puzzle game in a way where you know these people are coming in. Um, I think it was set, you know... You know, a guy's going to walk in this room, so you're going to base it off that from this door and progress from there, you know, while avoiding everything. Um, so it was fun to set up these traps, have the guy walk in, lead him over, you know, this trap, and then this, you know, chain of events occurs and he's splattered against a wall or something later on. Yeah. Um, it was just really fun. Uh, like I said, I've never heard anyone else talk about it. I did look it up not too long ago, uh, and there are uh, there's a fairly recent sequel um, that was put out on PlayStation 4, but I have not tried it yet. I will say I've definitely heard of it, and I think mm -hmm. I even played like a small demo of it back in the day. The whole setting up traps thing is the main thing that I remember about this game. It has a darker yeah. type tone to it, and the setting up traps mechanic. But no, unfortunately, I've never played it. Neither have I. Yeah. Yep. Well, little Adam. hidden gem. And my number fifteen game, Twisted Metal Two. This is uh, this is my number twelve. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, down here after a long arduous fight. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was kind of the uh, Mortal Kombat of my my list. Mm -hmm. 
what can you really say is that the definitive car combat series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this was the pinnacle for me of the actual series because after that it kind of took a a bit of a turn. I don't know if it was a new team or a new direction they decided to take, but this is the last one I remember where it was really like it had kind of a dark, gritty overtone. They kind of tried to go back to yeah. it in Twisted Metal Dark. Mm-hmm. But limited success, but this is the one I remember where, you know, it's like, ah, I am Calypso. And it's, yes. Ah, I mean, every, everything had a twisted, uh, you know, a, a little twist on it. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, I remember the secret bosses and the secret characters and all the little things you could go through and, you know, Oh, if I shoot my machine guns at the Statue of Liberty, you know, or clothes fall off, or, you know, I can blow up these buildings if I go here and hit this thing, you know. So good. So good. So much fun yep. times. And you could play it with a friend. So, yeah. The, the multiplayer component yeah. was there and it was strong. It was a lot of fun. Uh, each of the characters was unique. They all had a special ability that suited their character. I remember, uh, the, there was like a ghost character and he had missiles that could, you know, phase through walls and stuff like that. And then you had, uh, you know, one person had like a Formula One car and she would do like a tornado and another person had like a dune buggy and it'd do like a moon jump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was all these little, you know, all these little bitty things that, you know, it, it was so much, it was the pinnacle of polish, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. <coughs> Excuse me. I agree with everything you said. This is uh this is my favorite twisted metal of all time. Uh I feel like it had such a perfect mixture of dire situation treating things seriously but knowing when to not treat it seriously. Uh the right amount of seriousness and humor together. I think the art style was perfect, the hand drawn cartoony art style. I feel like the 3D models that they went to later just didn't really sit right for me. And the plain steel over dark images on the original also didn't sit for me. I mean, the first one, they were really trying to figure out what they had with the first one. I think the second one, they really knew what they had and were pushing forward. The, the world, the world's theme to it where you're visiting different locale, locales around the world. And yeah, again, finding little hidden secrets in the level. Uh, like blowing up the 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 uh, the Paris Monument and the, the and Antarctica slowly crumbling around you. Oh man, so so much fun with this game. You could play as the boss from the previous game. Yeah, just go around yeah. truck sticking people. Music was good as well. <laughs> I mean, just all around a really good actiony shoot shoot and shoot other vehicles type game. Loved it. You know. Before we move on from this, I actually want to talk about this a little bit. Did so, I put Twisted Metal three on my list mm-hmm. only because I could not. I don't remember enough about the games because it's been so long, and I own both of them. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was making my list, I actually went over to my case, opened it up, flipped through my pages of you know PlayStation games, and went, "All right, this should be on the list. This should be on the list." And when I got to them, I couldn't really decide. Should I have put two on my list instead of three? Mm, I for me personally, I, I mean, just this is the same thing that Adam said. I completely agree. I played all of the original Twisted Metals, all of them, uh-huh. and 
the third one after so i played two first and then i went black back and played one i was like eh, okay yeah, a little, little rough a little rough but okay all right two still great and then around this time three he either just come out or was coming out i'm like oh fuck yeah if i get more of that and better great and i remember going through twist middle three being very ho-hum and then whatever direction four took, I I'd have to play these in a row now to give you specific reasons. Was it four the one four where they were like just, mini cars or something? They were playing on like tables and shit. They're like micro machines been, or something. Uh, I think no. that was small brawl. Oh, okay, yeah, that was small brawl. No, four was an actual titled uh, four. It was still on the PlayStation, yeah. and it just that was like I don't know what y'all are doing. And it, and it seems like after two, they just haven't got back to what two was, yeah, right. even with black. Uh, but I mean, that's my opinion, man. If you like three over two, that's you. For whatever reasons you would like two over th- uh, three over two, that's fine, man. Yeah, that's not, See, that's that's the issue. I don't actually know. <laughs> it's been so I, I remember <laughs> two being far more serious and a, I don't know, just a, it felt more polished to me. I felt like three was just a little, there was something off. Something changed in the formula and it was just not the same. And Does that make sense? You are right that three went to a different developer, uh, three and four. Um, four, the, I guess the publisher was the one from the original but the actual devs were different. I feel like two was them polishing their formula. So I just ate some candy. Uh, I feel like two was them <laughs> polishing their formula and, and like building upon what they were going to make. And I feel like when three came out, it was more like, guys, we have a hit here. Let's keep rolling. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's what three. Three right. feels like the first one where they were just like, all right, time to manufacture them. And they, you know, yeah, the stamp was built, yes. and they were just like, dun, 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 dun. Right, but if you like so three, that, this but if you like three, not trying to put that down. That's to each his own, you know. Yeah. So based on this conversation, and what you're describing, uh, when I, you know, you're talking about the things, and I'm like, that's, those are things I remember uh, most. So I have changed my number 11 from Tristan Mello 3 to Tristan Mello 2. So, uh, we're now, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we have made it through 15 number. (laughs) No, (laughs) here we go. Uh, number 14, uh, my number 14 was Tekken three. Now this is also an oddball, uh, item for me to put on any list anywhere because it is a fighting game. However, Mm -hmm. this was, Aside from Killer Instinct on the Super Nintendo, this was the first real hardcore uh, fighting game that I got into. This twigged me to the Tekken universe. This twigged me to uh, Namco's writing style. Uh, This was one of the first fighting games I ever bought. Again, aside from Killer Instinct, like flat out from a store. Uh, and I put several hours into this. The thing is, again, like all fighters in my life, once the single player stuff got finished, there wasn't really much to go by on the multiplayer because I didn't have any people to play with. So I unlocked every character in Tekken 3. I went through the Tekken 3 side-scrolling beat-em-up style section several times. Uh, I guess I played volleyball by myself a couple times. Um <laughs> I never really tried to get way, way better at the game. 
I picked Brian Fury as a main character because I love his art style. I love his ending. I think his ending is the best of any ending I've ever seen in Tekken. Uh, and he's just a, he's a fucking cool character. Uh-huh. But again, most of this, most of the many many hours of Tekken Three I put into were just solo single player, just just playing because it was it was pretty in a fun game. Uh, good 3D graphics, good music. Good fighting mechanics. I mean, as a as a fighting game all around for entertainment value, it got a lot of playtime out of me. So I put it up there at my fourteen. Uh, Chris, yeah. So my number fourteen is a nice classic game, Sim City two thousand. Nice. Okay. okay. Now, if uh, if. You, you know, the listeners have been paying attention. I have a little thing for simulation games. Um, mm-hmm. I like city builders and whatnot. And this is the first one I played and probably the reason I like the genre as much as I do. Um, it's SimCity. There's, uh, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's a self, or excuse me, it's a simulation game. Self-simulation. Simulate yeah. stealth in the city. Oh, God. Um uh, <laughs> so it's a city it's a city building simulator hence the name sim city uh and it's mc2000 because this was just the next one in the series um it's not the first one in the series i don't actually know how many were before but i know it's at least one at least one thousand nine hundred ninety nine. no <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it works chris what do you mean no um <laughs> the first one was used amazing making it was used by putting rocks together Back in the caveman days. <laughs> yeah. And and despite the name, SimCity 2000, it actually released in 1993. So what the it's, fuck? All, it's just a liar all around. Yeah. Um, I think it was supposed to be a futuristic thing um, because I think there's some slightly advanced technology. Um, you have, like, the disasters that are kind of uh, a pillar of the game, you know, a constant throughout the series. Uh, one of those is an alien invasion, so maybe that's a little futuristic. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was just, you know, kind of the next step in there. Um, and it was a lot of fun to just sit there and all, what I always did and what I have a lot of issues with modern uh, games, in particular the most recent one, uh, Jurassic World Evolution, uh, not city building, but still map, you know, and what I love doing is I smooth out the map entirely. before. No, I do I'm anything. glad I'm not the only uh, one. Jesus. Yeah, Dr- <laughs> Jurassic World Evolution drives me nuts because the placement of buildings just doesn't work half the time when you're close to the edge of the map because of the way the terrain is not level and you can't have slanted buildings. So you put a building down and all of a sudden there's this like eight foot cliff on the side of the building where it raised the ground up to meet it. And it's just, it's a mess. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. But since C 2000, that's not an issue. You can flatten it as much as you want. Uh, and then add back in the water like I do, you know. So I want optimal building space. I always put my you know. mayor's house on top of a giant hill. <laughs> Another cool little thing about that game, I don't know if you remember this, but you could actually drive around on the street in a car and, like, drive wow. through your city. Uh, I don't think I ever did that. Um, I want to say the PlayStation version had that, where you could actually just uh, you could go down to the street view and just drive around and, like, take – Take the lefts and the rights to get through your city. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't remember. 
It's been, again, so long. Uh, it's kind of the trend with all of these games. It's been so long since I played them. Um, but this is one I put a lot of hours into. Enough to put it on top 14, that's for sure. Yep. And for Adam? my number 14, we got Tenchu Stealth Assassins. Now, I want to tell you, I have never played these Tenku games ever, and I was, I'm holding up two fingers pushed real close together. I was that close to playing these uh-huh. because I was under the impression that this, uh, this, uh, from software game coming out was in this Tenchu universe, but it's not, so I kind of don't care. Adam, why should I? Well, because this is one of those games that came out right after Metal Gear popularized stealth gameplay. Oh. And you run around as a fucking ninja, cutting people's heads off, doing stealth kills, slitting throats, and you got a grappling hook. You fling yourself up onto buildings, all uh, Rico Rodriguez style. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a. He was the OG with the grappling hook. You okay. walk around, you have okay. a bunch of different missions, you sneak in there and try to get your. Your score, oh man, it was as it it was a lot of unique and fun gameplay at the time, and it it sticks out in my mind whenever I think of PlayStation. I think of this game. This is one of those that's, games that, that comes to my mind immediately because it was one of the ones I had the most fun with. They had two so two different playable characters opinion, too. They had a uh, a male I can't remember his name. Was it was like Kage or something like that, and the. Uh, and another mm-hmm. one that was like a female, she used like two size. They had different animations for their kills and stuff, so it was worth going back through missions so you could watch them kill them in different ways. It's pretty cool. Let me ask you, uh, if why did you put this first one on as the one? Like, is I think there were a few sequels to this game, mm-hmm. yeah? Were they not as good? Or This, did this is the or? one that sticks out the most. This is the one that was ah, like, gotcha. you know what? I really like these games. And mm-hmm. when I come to a game where, I mean, they, the sequels did everything bigger and better, but it's just when I, when I think about the games, the first one was the one that really stuck out to me. The, the other ones were, they were a step up, yeah. but they weren't like a yeah. twisted metal two step up to where they were the definitive thing of the series. To me, Right, the series right. was defined by the first game. I feel you. This is kind. Of, this is kind of like my Sonic Two thing, where like, yeah, I know Sonic Two, uh, Sonic Three was bigger and better. I know that Sonic Three had Knuckles on it as well, which made it also bigger and better. But and you could put Knuckles on too as well. But I just I like Two. Two sticks out to me. It's it's just it it holds a place for me. Uh-huh. But in general, the stealth in this game was good. That's what I'm going for. Um. All right, well, down to number 13. Uh, my number 13 is Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. This and one... my number 12. How odd of you to yep. pick that. Uh, you see what I did there? Mm, so that good. It's so good. Mm, that's, the, that's the quality of the end of time right there, boys. <laughs> Chris is like, no, it's not. <laughs> Hashtag <up."> podcast destroyed. <laughs> um... I was racking my brain trying to figure out how I even came across this game. And I want to say this was some, this is a game where somebody had and I borrowed it. And I don't remember why. I don't remember if it was like a bottom of the barrel thing or somebody recommended it. I don't remember how I came across playing this game, but I had so much fun playing it. This is a side scrolling, uh, 
has that has that uh, pseudo photorealistic look to it on the PlayStation era anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, graphics, I mean, kind of upgraded claymation quality. Uh, it has its own aesthetic look to it. That's for sure. That's the yeah. draw of the Odd World games is that they draw their own uh, universe, their own mythology, their their own look. Odd Odd World is is they they're they are to themselves, and this is a puzzle game. Uh, that's that's all about managing. Uh, it's it's managing stealth. It's managing multiple other. Uh, uh, controllable uh, uh, players on the screen or NPCs on the screen. You can uh, like mind control is a big factor. You can mind control enemies. You can mind control uh, fellow uh, uh, fellow Mudakins, which is what his race is called. They're bipedal, uh, big headed green monster looking people. And apparently make a very tasty um, drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, so the premise of the game is that there is a company that's, that has come in and is they, they're basically the the machine overlord and they're they're harvesting all kinds of uh, creatures of the world to make these really tasty beverages and snacks and whatnot. And you have you're a Madokan, you're one of the races that's uh, that's like a slave basically, and you fled and you're trying to get all your other fellow Madokans out of there as well. And there's more, there's some more twists to the story as well. Uh, like in the beginning, this not, not really like a spoiler, but it tells you the beginning cinematic of the game that you find out that, that their profit margins are, are plummeting and they've decided to start, uh, harvesting Mudokins f- to make, uh, I think Mudokin pops, I believe is what they call them. And Something you're like, like that, yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. And you also try to rescue your fellow ones. Uh, you get or more different. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Uh, you, you rescue other Madokans throughout the levels. Uh, every screen is like a management screen where you have to figure out a puzzle to get to the next area, whether, whether that's controlling enemies or controlling monsters to move them away or controlling, uh, other Madokans to guide them through the levels. You can get, you get upgraded powers and abilities over time. Um, there's a couple, there's like two or three different endings to the game for, for those that like, that like that completionist uh, mentality. Uh, it's, it's just all around a really good game. It was, it's definitely, this is one of those that today would be kind of out of the world for me to even think of, but I played it back in the day and fell in love with it. It does have a sequel. It actually has several sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do like the second one, but it kind of also has a little bit of that manufactured taste to me. Uh, just like Adam said about, uh, Tenku, this one sticks out the most to me, especially for it hitting me out of left field with, with like, oh, yeah. what is this game? Oh, great. This is a great game. So I put it down there at my number 13. Yeah, it um not only you know was it good back then, but they actually released it a uh remake of it on I want to say Xbox or yeah. probably all. It was all a multiplayer, yeah. 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 Um I played it on I want to say Xbox 1 uh or 360, probably mm-hmm. one. Uh and it was still just as much fun. Um, I went through and I think 100% the game. Yeah. <laughs> even though I played it back then. Hey, man, uh, I'll go out on a limb and say that I think the originals hold up to this day. I mean, the controls were tight. Yeah. The the look is to itself, so it doesn't really have much else to fall back on and be worse than. It has its own unique look in its own game, even on the PlayStation era. So, yeah, yeah. I mean. It had, it had this look and feel to it. Like you said, not just the aesthetics, but the uh, 
the situations with it are pretty humorous. You know, you get one of the other Madokans killed, and you're like, oops. 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 Oh, yeah. It has his voice, which is hilarious. Uh, it's I, that casual. Oops. But uh, I forget their actual names, but the slags, I think they were called. They were the green things that had like the finger looking mouth and the goggles and the mechanical feet. They always carried a machine gun. If uh, It's funny having two of those on the screen and you would mind control one of them and you could talk to the other. You'd be like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, look out. What? Slag. And you shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah. just all the little that that's another thing that's really important about this game is the the audio, the audio in the game, the the voices, yeah. the little sounds that things make, just the sounds and the levels in general were always awesome. And but, you didn't yeah. you didn't mind control the other Madokans. You actually talked to them and gave right. them commands. Yeah. Um, so Goodwill, actually. Yeah. So you'd be like, follow me. And they would literally start following you as best as they could, whether that led them into a pit to their death mm-hmm. or walked across the screen safely, you know, you could tell them to stop. Some There were situations where, like, you'd have this big meat grinder and you'd have to time it and say, follow me, and have them walk through it yep. and hope they didn't get splattered and stuff. So it was a lot of... It's a very uh, puzzle-heavy game, um, but that's mainly only if you care about saving them. Like I was yeah. saying earlier, you don't have to. Um, there yeah. is a bad ending to the game. Uh, there, I don't know if there is a two versions of the good ending, but there is a minimum number you have to rescue to actually get the good ending. I want to um, say I there's a bad ending, a good ending, and a perfect ending, but I, I could okay. be wrong. Yeah, it's been too long. So yeah, a so bad ending. Game, he's man. just sitting there drinking his friends. Crying. Oh, oh, oh God! <laughs> he's like, they're so delicious. <laughs> they were right. They were right all along. We do taste good. And there actually is a perfect ending, and it added another F and V on it. Yep. 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 Cool. So, what about your thirteen, Chris? Oh, man, I forgot we weren't even talking about my list. No, um, it's okay, because that was your number 12, <laughs> so bam. Yep. <laughs> uh, so my number 13 is a game I've talked actually quite a bit about recently. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. <laughs> um, man, I spent so much time just playing this game and having a blast. Um, it It's a skateboarding game, but it was done so well. Um it was the step up from two. I don't think I ever played one, but I'm pretty sure I played two, and it was a step up graphically, mechanically, you know, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, and after it, it kind of got to be a little bit of more of the same um, with Tony Hawk's Underground and stuff like that. They added, they improved upon it, but this was kind of the center point of the series for me. Uh yeah, it's just fun. Um, skating around, making combos, doing un- very, very unrealistic things, of course, because it's a video game, uh, and just having a good time. Let me ask you something, Chris, for the yeah. audience's sake as well. How accessible, even just this third one, how accessible are these Tony Hawk games? For those like, I don't skateboard, I don't know jack about that, I don't know the names to the moves. How can that, is it, is it, is it easy for that person to get in and play these games and, and have fun with them? Oh yeah. I mean, I know skateboarding move names, but 
it doesn't matter. You're pushing a direction and a button at the same time to do a trick. So all you do, you want to do a trick, you do up and X, you know, or that's the flip type moves Mm. or, you know, up and circle for a hold move, you know, where you actually hold the board instead of flipping it. Uh, Triangle is grind. I mean, that's really all you need to know. You know, what kind of move do you want to do? All right, pick a direction and press the button and you'll do one of them. It doesn't really matter which. Um, If you want to get fancy, use a diagonal. Those Mm. are, I think, the higher point, uh, you know, more difficult moves. Doesn't matter what they're called. You can do them. This is something that I noticed about these games and even like you know, like Dave Mira's BMX and all these kind of games that have like this this X game style mentality where it's, you know, mm-hmm. they're not sports, they're just offshoot kind of games. You don't have to be in that universe for these games. These games are actually designed around the fun aspect, more so the expertise aspect. So Yeah, and I just want to throw out a honorable mention to a game called Two Extreme. Okay. You know, kind of the same vein. Uh, not just skateboarding. It's basically it's called too extreme because it's extreme sports. Mm-hmm. So it had like five, four different things: skateboarding, snowboarding, uh, BMX, and something else. I think. Oh wow! I don't even know. But it was it almost made my list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yep. Uh, Adam, thirteen. Thirteen oh. for me is a game called Sui Coden. Not. I'm so what it. I'm sorry. This must be completely jumbled out of order. Did you say you're number 13 this week? Oh, yeah. Believe me. It was war. Adam. It it ended up down there. (laughs) Oh, my God. I want to know how this war came about that 13... Yep. That Sweet Coden made it all the way down to 13. It made it all the way down there. And this... This was it. This was a hellacious fight. But I can't... Mm -hmm. I can't reveal how until I get higher up in the list okay but okay essentially this game's garbage you go around you collect 108 people you're like <laughs> you're like oh look there's 108 people oh look there's all these different combinations and stuff man adam nobody's taking look, you seriously look at all right these these you, unique trying to fool these unique storyline with true runes and stuff oh, it's fucking trash you, you, you just you just build your this? build your castle and and it gets better with every person you collect. Oh, oh, you think you're hot shit, huh? Yeah, this fucking game's awesome. This is the shit. But as far as uh, PlayStation games go, I'll say that this one didn't push all the boundaries, but it set itself up for greatness. Fucking. I think you broke him. Did I break him? I think you broke him. I Michael. did. I broke him. I broke him. He's done. He's over there crying now. <laughs> you know what? Because I know Adam, and I know he's, I know he's, and the audience should know as well, he's taking this list very seriously. So if he's put, if he's put Sweet Coden down to number 13, there was probably some good justification why. Um, I just think you need to give a little bit more lip service to this game than than one minute of, yeah, it's good. Oh, okay. If you want me to keep going, I can say, well, <laughs> this fucking game, it's got fucking trash magic system that makes you think instead of oh instead God. of actually just watching this little MP number go down, you actually have to like plot out tactically how you want to use your stuff. And Oh, yeah, then there's this garbage system where you fight wars, you know, and you watch all your... your 
characters you've amassed become battlefield commanders and they strengthen units with their unique abilities and attacks. Uh, oh, and then there's this garbage system where you duel, you know, you get into a climactic moment with the villain or something along those lines and you have to duel them to the death and there's multiple endings depending on how you decide to, you know, make those decisions and train up those characters. Game's high garbage. That's a little, that's a little better. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> digging how you're pulling this half trolling <laughs> shit talking on, oh, it's so good. On the it's sacred so good. ground of Sweet Coden. So much. Uh, but sure, I guess being number 13, you've done it some justice. I have. Uh, and my number 12 was Twisted Metal 2. Which I've yep. already talked about. So, uh, and Chris's number twelve was Odd World's Abe's Odyssey, which brings us right back. Oh to you, Adam, yeah, for here it comes the next hot garbage game. <laughs> All right, Metal Gear Solid, genre defining to this very day. Actually, no longer to this very day. Till like last year when fucking Konami lost its goddamn mind and decided making fucking pachinko machines was more profitable than a multi-billion dollar series. Uh, the OG Solid Snake comes back for his first 3D appearance in complete style. Um, this game also made my list. This is my number nine. Yep. This is, uh, this was, it, it, it you think of a stealth trope, this game probably designed it. If not mastered it later on in the series. Uh, you've got enemies that can detect footsteps, they can hear, they can see, they can notice things on the ground. Uh, you have an intriguing story that slowly develops very naturally as you play the game. You have lots and lots of object or items and weapons and little Ticks and or tips and tricks, you know, that you can pull. Like, oh, let me uh, let me knock on this wall over here to get the guard to come investigate, and then sneak around and choke him out. You know, oh man, so many, so many little things, little things. But they we're not getting into the boss battles, which were oh man, complete. You know, they just completely broke up the gameplay from where it was. Oh, I'm gonna sneak around and be all stealthy to let me go shoot this helicopter down and throw grenades into a tank you know let me dodge mm-hmm. sniper fire and come up with unique and interesting ways to you know use the mechanics to my advantage uh, not to mention all the replay value this game has oh yeah, yeah. the unlockables like finding the bandana and, and stealth uh, camo having the stealth suit yeah yeah, yeah. that's one of, the, one of the reasons that it jumped up above Suicoden on this list was that I could get more out of it. I want to. I want to tell you, Metal Gear Solid of all the items on my list was the hardest to place for me, and it was actually one of the first ones that I put down on my list. It was like the third number, but putting games around it, I find I found very very troublesome to do. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is so good. Again, this made my number nine on my list. It's, it's it's far up there for me to pick, but the fact that I put anything else above it means that I. Of duh, I value those games more. Uh, I want to touch on I want to touch on one thing that you'd mentioned earlier that I I agree with and I think it ex- has been expanded upon and makes me it really makes me 
agree with what I've heard in the past five, ten years or so is that this game stands by itself. Yep. Uh, this is something that is has not uh, it, there's 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 love and hate with that statement period because there are so many more games after it. But this this game, if you did not have Metal Gear Solid Two and Beyond as it stands alone, is a standalone game. Will it have questions that it will open up that it needs answers to? Yeah, it's got some, but it it, it is a standalone game, and I, I I feel like this was the. I feel like this is like a little bitty mini masterpiece in and no, of itself not, that should have should have just been left. Yeah, we're alone. not even getting into all the little extra content like the before you even start the game, you can go and watch the pre the preamble to the game where they drag Snake yeah. out of his little hole in Alaska and you know brief him on what he's got to do and ask him why he dyed his hair, which is very important for yep. later on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and all the little. The, the little conversations and the, yeah, I didn't even know what the fuck start two was until I, yeah, yeah. played this game. You know, I, yeah. key component of international diplomacy that I have no idea about. <laughs> I know it now. Yeah. <clears throat> Taught yeah. me this and that. There is a, you know, in, in middle school, I knew about this shit now. There is a good amount of detail that needs to be learned and understood in this game, and it tells you in the game. Like, it gives you what you need. Uh, and even the deep, standalone, pseudo, maybe 10% philosophical storyline that's set aside, you've got so much cool shit in this game. You've got a special operative running through various types of uh, uh, facilities slash outdoor slash fighting fucking mech. There's so much stuff with him alone. But all the uh, enemy characters are there too, and they all have their own little quirk, their own style, their own their own feel about them. You have a secondary character that's basically a, he's a fucking cyborg ninja running around slashing people up with a katana. Holy shit. Awesome. Fuck yeah. Uh, Snake has a core team with him that he keeps in contact via codec. The codec thing was something I don't, well, it was the Metal Gear universe is used to it, but done very well. Uh, the plot twists and turns, the, the, the weapon variety, all around, this is just a good story action, uh, Metal Gear Solid game. So, and if, you know, if you have any misgivings about the later ones, and if the Metal Gear universe is just throwing you off, if Kojima, period, is just like, Death Stranding, fuck Metal Gear, don't let this one slide. This, play this one, and you can let this one be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's our, that's our number 12s, uh, unless you had anything else, yep, Adam. Yep. Yes, that brings us to 11s. Yep, brings us to 11. Uh, my number 11, Parasite Eve. I can already hear the audience. Yep, starting to see a trend. Yeah, you're going to see a trend. Uh, <laughs> this is another Squaresoft game. This one, uh, another one that hit me out of nowhere. Uh, this one mm-hmm. I I had borrowed from somebody just on the predication alone that it was a Squaresoft game. I was kindly, kind of loosely fed some information about what it was about. I kept trying. I think I kept trying to gear the person I was I was asking like, so this is an RPG, and it's like, well, yeah, but kind of not because it's kind of got some action stuff in it, and there's a lot of city uh, uh, ex- exploration, and there's it's more monsters and fantasy and blah blah. blah. Blah, and all of that was true. Uh, 
the story follows uh, a very uh, the parasite gives kind of a, a, a bit of precursor of what the story's like. There's basically a, a, a diabolical disease that's going around, uh, and that story just kind of ramps up way, especially toward the oh, later yeah. end of the game. Um, again, the action was kind of not what you'd expect from this kind of RPG. You know, you, 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 the, you find enemies in real time and then you, you engage in a battle with them. The, uh, the music, the, the cinematics that, that's, uh, thrown in here and there were, were good. Uh, there was a, there was a secret, not a secret, but like a hidden kind of stage where you had to go through a hundred floors of enemies. That's not really the big selling point, but that sticks out in my mind. Uh, the grotesque creatures that you fight, uh, the way that the music really sets the mood for this city in peril, uh, just uh, man, all around this game was really good. And again, another game that just it just just like Abe's Odyssey, it just kind of blew my mind for what it was, as opposed to what I thought the game was gonna uh-huh. be. Um, yeah. It sh- it sh- it showed again more. It showed more legs that that SquareSoft could stretch no, out. You know, we get again, what you're this, saying. yeah, we don't we don't. I don't have an, uh, enough in this enough differences in my list right now to talk about but uh again squaresoft in this age had made a fighting game whether it was bad or good they had made a uh flying shmup they made rpgs they made action games like they were trying to show that we are a company that can go outside of our norm and while parasite eve at its core yes is pretty much an rpg it's like it's genre breaking for rpg it's 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 trying to steer you away from standard rpg tropes Mm. and i liked it i enjoyed it had a good time with it yeah i i thought about putting this one on my list but i ended up not only because i never finished it Mm -hmm. um i don't know why but this is one of those games that i started a few times and then just never finished uh what little i played of it it was a very interesting story very uh curious thing so i really wanted to go through it but i never did i probably looking back at these playstation games i i kind of want to go back and play a lot of them now to finally finish them yeah uh, and I can I can say the same thing. I mean, I haven't played this game since high school. I beat it like once in my high school years. I've never played it again. But just the impact that it left on me. This wow, they can, they are trying shit, and it's working really uh-huh. well. That just has always it's not all, not a thing that's yeah, happening always now. Always stuck out in my mind. <laughs> Uh, that being said, uh, Twisted Metal 2 is Chris's number 11, so Adam, yep. you're number 11. Yeah! Back to the shitty games. <laughs> Gran Turismo. Oh, yeah. The shittiest car simulator to ever come out. I'm just gonna run with this for the whole episode, I mean, this whole shitty but good? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> it's fucking... This, this game is so fucking awesome the day it came mm-hmm. out. I remember, I, I picked this game up. You know what I knew about it? It had G, T, and a big black box. Wow. <laughs> I was at the game rental store. I was like, eh, you know, got a friend coming over. He's going to spend the weekend over fucking bullshitting while his parents are out of town. Need a two-player game we can play. This looks like it'd be all right. It's car racing or something. Ah, well, good. 
one weekend of no sleep later, <laughs> I go out and buy that fucking game <clears throat> so that I can have it. I kept my, I kept the car saved on the, on the memory card. We, we would constantly go back and forth between his car and my car, and then we'd race them against each other. And, you know, we were, the whole time we were tuning and doing all this other stuff to try to, you know, make your car, you doing the weight reductions and the, and the turbos and all this kind of stuff. Oh man, it was so good. But that was just the surface mm-hmm. level. The real stuff was, I didn't even know what half of these parts were or did, mm-hmm. but I, I learned most of what I learned, you know, most of the base knowledge I had, I gained about cars came from Gran Turismo. As much as people like to laugh game about was, games being whatever, there are games that have this that's that fucking deep and that genuine. Like, I didn't know what the hell a final drive was or why it was important mm-hmm. until I cranked that bitch all the way down and I saw what it did to my car uh, or cranked it all the way up and saw the inverse effect. You know, the differences in how tires heated up and whether or not you should use semi-soft or hard tires or what the difference between changing the ones in the front and the back, the suspension softness. Oh, man, there's so much to go into and not enough yeah. time. But this this was the most in-depth car game of the time, and it didn't hurt that it was photorealistic. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell this. Yeah, you could watch this thing on replay. Oh, that was another thing. It gave you a replay of the race in, you know, cinematic mode after you oh, beat it. Oh, wow. And which was That's a whole new thing. Awesome. So you could watch your car going in and out of tunnels from crazy angles and you hear, you hear the, eh, as your car gets closer and mm-hmm. as it goes by and seeing, you know, little leaves kick up. It's, oh, it was so I, good. It was so good. The soundtrack was on point. The car noises were on point. The graphics were amazing. Yeah. Fun fun fact. And the game under the hood was really fun awesome. fact. This is uh this is not about this game. It's just mentioning this whole like you know going back and having a replay of your of of your gameplay. That reminds me of how like realistic graphics got and how like not just play, seeing gameplay with you know meters on the screen and shit. Just having like a, a video of a game look so good. It made me think of Gran, Gran Turismo Five on the PS2. And why I would watch that in demo mode when I worked at Walmart and watch that just people would walk by that don't know shit about video games and go, that's a video game. Yeah, looks so real. I'm like, yeah, when you don't have fucking meteors on a screen and somebody with a controller in their hand, it does look good, doesn't it? And it reminded me of uh, this random story of uh, Dreamcast. There was an NFL game on the Dreamcast and I used to. While I never played it, I had it borrowed it because a friend let me borrow his Dreamcast with all his games, and that was one of them. I would put that game on and then set the uh, set it to two player, set the computer against itself, and just let it play its own game. And I remember my dad came in one time, and he was like, "I don't know, you like football?" I was like, "Yeah, the yeah, dad, the, the Packers are playing." He was like, 
It was kind of weird. And I was like, yeah, it's a football game, Dad. He really thought that the fucking Dreamcast game <laughs> that was playing in a demo mode, that was playing computer against computer, was a video game because that's what they were going for. <laughs> uh, I think Gran Turismo, while, while even though it wasn't, it may not have been the first, it was one of the first giving that mode that you're talking about where it's like, yeah, you can watch this thing like you can watch what you did or watch it do its own thing and revel in its graphics, uh-huh. revel in its ability to try to simulate real life i always thought it was cool mm-hmm. i always loved I, I get to the later stages and you got like a viper and you learn to drift it around the corners mm-hmm. watching that on the replay oh it was so good so good so we are the, i'm sorry was there anything else <laughs> go ahead no i was saying gotcha. moving on all right so we are down to our number 10s and my Number 10 was Brave Fencer Musashi. Again. Hey, mine too. (laughs) Another Squaresoft. Oh, we both had number 10. Hold up. Hold up. What? Hold up. I I know why y'all put Mm. this here. Don't, don't, don't lie to people. You know exactly why you bought this game. This is the game that came with the Final Fantasy VIII demo. (laughs) No. You motherfuckers. I had played this game, uh, pretty well after Final Fantasy VIII even came out. So, uh, but I do know that that was a big thing back in the day. It's like I bought this game just because it had a Final Fantasy VIII demo. And for those that went through that, I'm cool with that. For those of you that went through that and still love this game, hey, cool on you. You know, you found a game. You had a, you found another, uh, uh, a diamond in the rough. This was another Squaresoft game. Here is a RPG. Yeah, sure. At its core, but it's action R- RPG. Pretty mm-hmm. similar to, uh, uh, Secret of Mana in a way. Uh, another game that has its own charm. It's got uh, voice acting, whether you love it or hate it, it's there. Pretty good quality for its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has its the, the charming is the main thing I remember about this game. It was not too incredibly difficult. The plot wasn't intrinsically deep and like just really twisted. It had a pretty pretty somewhat basic storyline. Uh, but just the leveling up system, the combat, the, uh, the throwing your sword into things to gain their, their abilities and whatnot, or the power, uh, just mm-hmm. all around, this charm is the main thing that comes to mind. And I've, I've went through this game probably four or five times in my life at varying ages. Uh, it seems to have aged well enough for me and just just fun like it's not it, it's not a super serial rpg it's an rpg with its own cute quirky little universe and story and i have had fun every time i've played it and yeah it made my number 10 yeah i i picked it up um i don't think i ever owned this um i think i i probably rented it or borrowed it um I think Andy might have had it, so I borrowed it from him and played. Uh, it was a very chill game. Yeah, um, it wasn't yeah. a serious game. You weren't. I didn't feel pressured to go out and you know grind levels and push the story and all that. It was fun to just run around in. Yeah, um, it had some exploration stuff to it. You know, there there yeah. were secrets in different areas of the world. You know, and all of this world is in a th- isometric three D view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not side scrolling, not top down. It's right there in the middle, and you could pan the camera around. And doing so would let you find little hidden things. Uh, it was used for some of the puzzles at times. 
just all kind of random stuff. There was a there's a fucking rhythm music boss battle, which you're like, what? But it actually worked out pretty good. It's just <laughs> Squaresoft trying shit, man. Trying shit. And it worked really good for this aesthetic, for this game. Just yeah, man, enjoyable. Yeah. It's a game I definitely want to go back and actually finish. Um, yeah, this is another one of those that I feel like if I just want to go back and just pick it up, I'd man in a heartbeat. Uh, Adam, you're number 10. My number 10 is a little known game called Castlevania. Wh- Symphony yeah, of the Night. This game made my number six, and it is on my top fifteen of all time wall. Here's the backdrop. Fuck playing as the Belmonts. Mm-hmm. You, you get to be Alucard again. Since the first time since Castlevania yep. three. And you're totally fucking awesome and you go around kicking yep. ass and then you meet up with death, and he's like, you don't get to kick ass anymore, and he <laughs> takes all your shit. Which you slowly, progressively, throughout the game, gain back, piece by piece, and if and get better. Power by yep. power. <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta go through this entire castle. Not once, but yep. twice. Once if you want the ending. Twice if you want the good ending. Uh mm-hmm. man, you could break this game down by every general facet, every every generic facet, and it hits on all points. Music phenomenal, fits this game like you wouldn't believe. Has a oh, mixture yeah. between rock and fucking uh, uh harpsichords is better best way I can put it. I mean, it fits the theme of I am in Dracula's castle, uh, using whips and weapons and shit to kill enemies. That's- by far the best rendition of Bloody yes. Tears in the Castlevania yes. series. Uh, the soundtrack alone is Bible and listened to on its own. Like it is, it's standalone music. Graphics, 32-bit sprite-based graphics with uh, a lot of that uh, uh, parallaxing. parallaxing all over the place. Done so well. Every yep. enemy taken uh, has has great treatment to detail and the bosses as well uh level design awesome fits the flow it's metroidvania this is the this was probably the first metroid i'm uh, sorry the first castlevania that 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 fits that metroidvania define right. that you put you put yeah. what metroid is known for with castlevania symphony of the night there's where you get metroidvania from uh the Man, the the graphics, the music, the gameplay. Uh, there's a, there's leveling systems to it. There's buying uh there's finding and buy or buying and equipping weapons and armor. There's uh great unique bosses. Uh, all kinds of different powers that you had to use button combinations to activate yes. different modes of travel. Mm-hmm. Like you could transform into a wolf or smoke or I think yeah. bats. All kinds of and cool stuff. And those are stuff. used in combat and to get around to 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 figure out puzzles. It's used for traversal. They open up different, yeah. They open up different parts of the map and help you get other places faster. Mm-hmm. Ah, the platforming was yes. on point. The enemies were memorable mm-hmm. and they were plentiful. And. The, oh, the man, only so negative and, that people really, really make about this game is like the voice acting. And I tell you now, the voice acting to me in this game is just, it's just charming. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it, the voice actors themselves are great. It's just the lines they're given and the way that they're had to be delivered. They're, eh, they're shaky. But 
What is a man? Psh, a miserable pile of secrets. A miserable pile. I got of a fucking secrets. T-shirt that says that. Fuck y'all. That that shit is tr- that that is that is that's that iconic. Is unique to itself. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, all around this this again. This made his number ten. It made my number six. This shit's on my top wall. This game is awesome. It is replayable to this day. It this is the game right here where if we tell you uh, Metrovania period and you're like I've never played a single one, here you go. Try this out. If this is not up your alley, you might not be just a fan of the genre. But this is a defining position to play right here. Uh and I never fact, played it. And the fact that Chris has never played it oh, means God. he is utter garbage and he should be kicked off this <laughs> podcast, but I'm not going to. You could play it today and it would be yes, just as good. Yeah, it hold the charm that it I had, know shit. It is held yes. everything. And that's I played it recently. I played it on Xbox. Uh, this is something that I'm pretty sure all three of us has ma- has made the argument before, and this is a this is one of those games right here that games that are set with that old school 16 slash 32 bit game that sprite style and ha- just the level of care it's taken to like it will hold for time. This is held. This is still holding. It's still it's still good all the way around. So. Fucking solid choice, man. Solid choice. Uh, my number nine is Metal Gear Solid, uh, which brings us to Chris at number nine. All right. So my number nine is a little bit of a change of pace, um, even from, you know, the variety. I've had a pretty good variety of games, I think. Um, I, I purposely went through and I was like, I'm not going to list every RPG I have for PlayStation because it's not an RPG list. You know, I'll give some variety to it. Um, but my number nine is Robo Pit. Now, this is a very simple game, but one that was very fun to play. Um, as the name may allude to, it has to do with robots. Um, you're not in a pit, but you're fighting, you know, on a platform over a pit. Uh, the whole premise is you build a robot, very simple, uh, and fight another robot. Um, as you defeat robots, you go up the rankings and fight, you know, until you're the number one robot. Um, one of the fun mechanics of the game is you start with all of the different body types for your robot, but you only have a few weapons. Uh, you earn more weapons by taking them from the enemies you defeat. You get one of their weapons. Now, I say one of their weapons because the robots have two hands or two arms, whatever you want to call them, two limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can have different weapons on them. So you can have a you know gun on one and a blade on the other and choose which one you want to use at any point in time. And when you defeat a robot, I think it randomly gave you one of the two. I don't know if you actually got to pick. Um, but that was basically, you know, the whole thing is you want to defeat them, get these better weapons, then put them on your robot and keep moving up the leaderboard. Um, I very quickly established the winning strategy for this game. Uh, there's a weapon that it's essentially a bladed boomerang, um, type thing where you shoot it straight out and it comes straight back to you. So it hits them going and Uh hits them coming back. Mm-hmm. Now, that in itself is good because you're basically getting two hits for the price of one, but it also knocks them back mm-hmm. every time. 
So you just keep doing it, and they're basically stun-locked until you knock them off the edge of the platform. <laughs> so Rip. Until, up until you got the boomerang uh, blade, it was kind of hit or miss, you know, pretty difficult at times. Once you got that, it was a joke. Um, wow. But it was fun. You could actually uh, play two players and battle your robots against each other. Um, so, you know, it's who's going to hit the first, the other first with the boomerang blade, and then it's over from there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could save your robot to memory card and take it to someone else's game, and uh, it was fun. It was a good time waster, but it was exactly that. I spent a lot of time in it, even as simple as, simple as it was. See, the, the the fact that I've never played this before, but the fact that it made your number nine on the list, yeah, I, if some way, if I can pick this up and play it, I would like to. I mean, it's that's up there. Yeah, I mean, I, again, this is just for the audience as well. I mean, you guys have to understand, uh, if, if one of you two can do me a quick favor and find out how many PlayStation games there are, I want to say it's, it's it's up in the few hundred. Uh, um, 2,579. How many, Chris? 2,579. 2,000. 579 and even if you're taking even if you're taking steam logic into that accountability folks even if you half that even if you quarter that we're talking about our personal top 15 now granted most of those i mean all of these obviously are ones that we played before but I mean, okay, so like Adam picked number 13 as Sweet Code, but he picked Symphony Night as number 10. At this point in the game, folks, you should be playing both of those. <laughs> you know, don't don't yep. not play Twisted Metal because he picked it at number 15. And, you know, you want to pick number 12 instead, which is Metal Gear Solid. You should be playing all of these. <laughs> but Every single one of these is an awesome yes. game and earned its spot They're on the awesome. List. We have played them and they are in our opinions of top 15 over apparently a couple thousand titles out there. So, Robo Pit, I'm looking at you. We'll try you someday. Yeah, I, uh, my mentality, it was, it was rough. Like Adam said, it was a bit of a battle going through these. I ultimately yes. got down to, uh, how we were talking about our, you know, game of the year candidates. If I had them in front of me, which one of them would I play right now? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of why RoboPit got so high on the list, because I'm like, yeah, I enjoyed Brave Prince and Musashi, but I also enjoyed RoboPit, and I put a lot more time into it. Yeah. I would probably pick it up instead, at least for a little bit. I'd probably put it down again and then go play Brave Prince and Musashi, because I need to finish it. But I would play RoboPit probably first to have that little bit of fun. Congratulations, RoboPit. You're on the, the backlog. backlog. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome. Then it just walks in there, and there's like two thousand other games, and they say one of us, one of us. Robo Pit comes in all like happy. He's like, "I'm gonna get played, yay!" And all the other games are looking at him, just smoking cigarettes, going, huh, "New guys here." It's like that. It's like the waiting room from Beetlejuice. Yes. Now serving number three. <laughs> Unfortunately, Robo Pit, you have nobody to swap a number with, so you just got to sit where you are. Where am I? You're you're somewhere. You're in that room, and that's enough. It's a seven digit number. The I'm fact sorry. That you're even in that room is enough. Uh, Adam, you're number nine. My number nine is exactly the same as his. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> Armored Core. Liar. It is also a game about robots. Oh, yeah. It just has a different name. <laughs> you also kill other robots and steal their parts. Just like that other game. But this time, 
you can change the paint job, and there's no broken ass boomerang. <laughs> hey. Oh We're yeah! Not diss the the bladed boomerang. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. I'm not dissing the bladed boomerang. I'm just completely flabbergasted. These games are so similar. <laughs> that is a very good point. There's no uh, a. <laughs> this one has a probably a bit more variety mm-hmm. to its uh, environments. Um, you do you build a mech from the ground up. You can choose different types of legs, tank legs, spider legs, uh, different types of cores, different types of arms, uh, different types of generator. Every, uh, it's very highly customizable, extremely customizable. Every, every part and even some of the internal parts are all statted out. They give you different bonuses and, uh, different, um, benefits and drawbacks to each. So you may want to take those laser arms, but then you look at their energy consumption, you're like, oh, maybe I don't want to take those laser <laughs> arms, you know, because I can't fit that weight, you know, the weight for the good enough generator on these legs. So maybe I'll change the leg, and suddenly you're changing the whole fucking thing, and your cool paint job you made that made it look all like a spider is now worthless because you got tank legs. Good job. This game yeah. looks very and interesting. You can also, it, oh, it's, it's. One of the best, one of the best, one one of the premier mech fighting games. Um, these things had like a booster on their back. You could change the boosters out and get different types of boosters. Some were good at long term thrust. Some were good at short term thrust. Um, and this game, this series got better with time, and to the point where I couldn't keep up with it anymore in like the PS3 era, and I just I couldn't follow the action on the screen. It was going so fast. Did you did you? But it play the one on 360. Uh, the one on 360, I'm not sure. I, uh, maybe. I think it was just Armored Is Core the one? 4, but it was not fun. There was one where it got too fast. I, they got too damn fast, and I could no longer keep track of it. I don't know, but I yeah. Armored Core, um, if if you have RoboPit and Armored Core in front of you, pick up Armored Core. Um, I played it. Um, I don't own it, and I didn't play it a lot, which is why I didn't make my list. But it's definitely a quality game, mm-hmm. um, and you'll get more oh, yeah. more bang out of it. Before this game, go ahead, go ahead. what's that? I was like, this game had. I mean, down to the targeting computer. You swap out the targeting computer. Some of them lock faster. Others can handle more missile locks. You look. You you will, you move your little box around in front of your uh in front of your robot and it locks on you start seeing it lock one two three four five then you launch 16 fucking missiles all at once and watch them fly all towards the targets you know you you start shooting it with a sniper rifle or a machine gun or a gatling gun you're switching between the five different weapons your mech has on it at any given time game is awesome before we move on to the next number let me ask why did you pick this one over front mission and that, that's not well. Why did that I sounded pick? more challenging than it was. It's it's a legit question. I, have you played the Front Mission games? Yeah, Who, me. Ah, oh, man, I think you need to take a look at my number six. Uh, well, no, damn it, spoilers, Adam. But I'm trying to play to the audience. Here. <laughs> uh, why would you? What would you say would be a better starter between these two mech style games, Front Mission one or? Uh, armor core depends on what your bag is do you want a more rpg tactical experience go with front mission three if you want a 
fast-paced, action, 3D platforming. Not really platforming, but kind yeah, of. Uh, <laughs> game, then you want to go with Armored Core. Armored Core, and as it gets on into the, into the later entries into the series... The gameplay becomes faster and more furious. You begin to have like these overdrive abilities, laser swords. Oh man. You have just sold me on so Armor Core 1. Cause see, I tried Front Mission 3 and I think it was just a little bit too deep for me. It was a little bit too like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I gotta be like a hundred percent in or I'm out. And it seems like this one has a little bit more, for lack of a better word, a little bit more arcadey feel to it. It seems This is more of a jump in yeah, and go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know, man. And glad that it made so far up the list. That was your number nine, too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Moving down the list. We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. We're on number eight. My number eight, Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver. This was a series starter for me and a gigantic fucking rabbit hole that I'm so glad I went down. This was another one of those games that I borrowed from a friend because I, the description was, you know, platformer, puzzle, sort of, finding power-ups. And I was like, okay, sounds interesting. I've never heard of Legacy Kane, so, a Legacy of Kane series. I've never heard of Soul Reaver. I think I may have seen a, uh, a magazine article for it or two, but I was like, sure, I'll try it out. And holy shit, am I glad I did. Now, I will tell you now, guys and gals, if you have not played these games, especially this game right here, even the Dreamcast slightly upgraded version, the graphics of these games have not aged that well at all. Uh, this is the second of a series. Uh, the Legacy of Cain series is the is the entire series itself. There was the first Legacy of Cain, Blood Omen, and then there was uh, Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver. There was a Legacy of Cain two, so on and so forth. But the, what I'm trying to get across is this is an entire series, and I jumped in at game number two, and it's okay to jump in at game number two because. Most of the pre prerequisite story you need is fed to you throughout the game, and this is taking place. This game is the the main character is a whole different character. Uh, he has his own intro, his own reason for being in the story, and throughout the series, he has his own place in this series. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, the main draw of this game for me was the story. Uh, the graphics are good enough for what they were on the PlayStation era, but they just have not aged. The gameplay platformy is a little bit hit or miss here and there, uh, but it's 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 definitely it's it's above serviceable. It's 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 pretty good. It's got a lot of puzzle elements. You know, you get different upgrades throughout the 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 game to traverse different levels. There's a whole shifting of of worlds mechanic where you can where you're walking through one world and then you can phase into basically the undead version of the world and it all the world changes terrain goes up and down trees get moved etc which which lets you traverse areas you couldn't before uh, there is no true dying if you run out of health in the main world you're basically back to the undead world you got to feed and then get back to the real world uh the music is very on point. It's its its own unique feel, and it fits this whole Soul Reaver uh, Legacy of Kane series perfectly. The story is where this game is at. Uh, this game will, this ending will leave you with some questions. There is no doubt. There is a, there is a bit of a cliffhanger to this game, but man, this whole, it's, I really wish I could just put the whole series on pedestal, but I had to put this game because this game is what started this whole rabbit hole for me. Um, 
in this game. This was like the entry exactly, point. Which technically it shouldn't be because Legacy of Cain is the first, but Legacy of Cain is a vastly different game from Soul Reaver. Soul Reaver is a uh, behind the back 3D uh, platforming, and Legacy of Cain is more like a uh, top down uh, Diablo style dungeon crawler, so to speak. Uh, and the, uh, the premise of the story is in Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver. Uh, Kane is a vampire. Uh, in the first game, he went through his ascendance of becoming a vampire and becoming this demigod overlord type figure. Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver comes along and you play as one of his lieutenants, uh, the first lieutenant that he ever recruited. And he basically pulls a backstabbing move on his lieutenant. I'm trying my best not to give any spoilers because this whole game needs to be experienced. Uh, the intro to this movie right now can, would probably draw you into the story itself. You can just YouTube Legacy of Kane, uh, Soul Reaver intro movie and it'll, it'll show you what you need. But you're basically going through this 3D world and you're going for, it's a, a little bit of Metroidvania. I mean, a little bit of, you know, gotta, you, there's a locked door. You gotta go to another area and beat a boss and get a key. And there's a platform you can't reach yet. So you gotta find the double jump, so to speak. Yada, yada, yada. So if all that's there. That's also a plus for me. But the intricate level of the way that this story is wrapped around itself and then further wraps itself around itself in subsequent, I mean, uh, 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 further games. Oh, man, it's so good. There is such a huge story to be told in this whole Legacy of Kane series. It's very tragic. It's very good. It's very deep. Uh, it's it's a lot of a lot of I guess for the for the audience think Game of Thrones. There's a lot of of what the fuck's going on, who's back, who's really backstabbing who, who's really telling the truth. Uh, all that is involved, and this one a lot of Stark Stein. Yeah, pretty much. This game gives you one of those. There are one, two, three, four, five. I want to say there's five, maybe even six games total in this whole series. It all wraps up very nicely, and it's all just mm, so good for a story. And that's what drew me to this one. That's what made me put this one so far up. Is that holy crap? I just didn't think that this game was going to be that way. I thought the platform was going to be fun, and the puzzle solving was going to be okay. But the story and the way it, man, the voice acting and the writing, oh, it's Final Fantasy twelve like, Shakespearean level for me. I love it. I love it to death. And uh, for all those reasons, I had to put this game up the list, and I put it at number eight. Uh, Chris, you're number eight. All right. So my number eight is Gran Turismo 2. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, now, Adam, I am curious. Did you play 2? I did not. Okay. I could not find a copy. So we are in flipped shoes then. I never played one. Um, that's why two is on my list. But all the things you said about one apply to two. I imagine it looks better. Um, more cars, you know. I, I don't know how much more I can add, but I played so much of this game. Um, I still to this day don't know much about cars. Um, I didn't learn a whole lot about cars from this game like you were talking about. But it was simple enough and the way it worked that I understood bars go up part good, you know, um, <laughs> that was, that was all I needed to know. I mean, <laughs> that is app game logic right there, Chris. I love it. Bars <laughs> it, go it, up part good. Yeah. You know, if it, it's like the stats are green now and they're not red. Yeah. If it doesn't run worse afterwards, then I'm, I did a good job. Um, yeah, it was, I liked it because of uh, basically a lot of the old school cars and how nice they looked. You know, get that uh, Cobra out there, 
man, that was my car for that game. Um, my goal when I played was to unlock it and then race it as much as I could, upgrade it as much as I could. And that was pretty much everything. I mean, this game had, I talked to this before, but it had marathon races that literally took like two to three real life hours to beat. Wow. Um, so. See, now I, I played the third game and it had those too. Uh, and it, oh man, I, I was in Korea mm-hmm. and I'd go to work and, uh, I'd leave it on and come back and I had the Shelby Mustang. Oh man. It would, it would be in these endurance races and because I'd leave it on auto, it's like an auto driver mode. <laughs> what a it cheater. wouldn't change their tires. They wouldn't change their tires. <laughs> so this thing would go and it'd be just smoking everybody going up to like 240 miles an hour on these massive straightaways. And this la- this thing has like 500 laps. Wow. Takes like two minutes a lap. Yeah, that's a lot of damn minutes. I ain't playing that shit. But I want the reward. See, I actually play. So I put it on while I go to work. Wanted, wanted to go while go to work. Well, he gets to, I, I get back. And you know what I see? I see the computer going breakneck, like 240 miles an hour out of this straightaway. And it slams on the brakes, but the tires are gone. <laughs> the tires are gone. <laughs> the brakes don't work. Oh, There's no oh grip. My God. It hasn't changed the tires since this race started. So it goes careening through the hairpin just straight instead of hairpinning it goes straight and then it slams into the thing but it's got such a lead that it's got time to like recover Mm. and back out and i'm like the driver's dead (laughs) (laughs) irl if this if these things got damaged this driver would be ko probably some people in the crowd Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and it's managing to win the race like this doing this every lap wow and it's got it's beating everybody by like 40 laps yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you with GTA 3 or Gran Turismo 3. But. <laughs> it's all good. Um, two is the only one I played up until 6, I think it was, for PS3. Or, no, PS4, actually. And it's garbage. Um, so it's a real shame what they did to it. Um, yeah. I... No! Uh, yeah, we won't go there. Um, two, lots of fun. Um I imagine a little bit more fun than one, probably. And this racing games typically don't get worse until you get to like six, where they destroyed it. But back then, um, they're like the Fast and Furious movies. Sure, <laughs> I haven't seen the latest couple. Um, but yeah, so lots of fun. Uh, it's a racing game, and it made my list, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, that says a <laughs> lot, man. Uh, Adam, number eight. Little-known game called Bushido Motherfucking Blade. This is Japanese horse shit you're throwing around now. You never played Bushido yes, Blade? I, yes, I have. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, then you know it is the most awesome and unique fighting game ever. He's like, okay, well, you know, we're fighting in the middle. Imagine you're playing Tekken 3 or whatever, and you're fighting in the middle of the toilet or wherever the fuck they fight in Tekken oh, 3. Oh, boy. And instead of fighting, you just decide to dip out and run like a bitch. <laughs> and they got to chase you like up the escalator and, you know, around like some corners and shit. And then you stop and you hit them a couple times while they're not looking and then you dip off again some more. Yeah. That was Bushido Blade. 
So you like but this game because it lets you be a bitch. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's called Bushido Bitch. <laughs> no, the entire point of this game was to follow the code of the Bushido, which is not to be a bitch. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't do mean-ass things. Like, there were certain things you could do and you couldn't do. You got to pick between a variety of different weapons, from sabers to rapiers to katanas to nodachis. Uh, a fucking sledgehammer. It's broken as shit. So, um, and each of them had their own little style. There are a bunch of different characters. If you hit a guy in the leg, he couldn't use his legs. Yep. Hit a guy in the arm, couldn't use his arm. You hit a guy somewhere fatal, it killed him instantly. No health bar, no combo, no 42 hit fucking, you know, do the fatality move crap here. No, it was just fucking find the right moment and use the right move. Very cool. But there were also little things you could do to, like, say, there were certain situations where you'd fight somebody and it'd be dishonorable to fight them. So what do you do? You wound them and you walk the fuck off. (laughs) And that's what you're supposed to do. So, you know, it's like, okay, this is kind of, it makes you kind of think. You're like, okay, well, what is the code of the Bushido? I didn't even know what Bushido meant when I got this. The internet... Internet wasn't something I had at my house at the time either, so I had to go to school and like look this up on the computer. Like, what the fuck does Bushido mean? <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed to do these general things. Let me take my 15 year old mind and go back and try to remember this stuff and apply it towards the game. Oh, I fucked something up. Let me go back and check it again. Yeah, this was this game was awesome. I'm gonna. S- this game was totally awesome, and there was a French dude with a gun. Yeah. And he killed you instantly. <laughs> I'm going to say that I did play this back in the day. I put five, ten hours into it. And I got to say, I would love today to put my Dark Souls mentality into this game. Because I feel like, from what I'm understanding, the combat, you get out what you put in. Uh, the combat is very yes, deep. Very it's much very so. intricate. And it has a lot of precision that you need to you need to utilize. And coming from other fighting games, coming from other uh, just action games, period, I had found this game to be very plotting, and that kind of turned me off to it. But it's now only years after the fact. I mean, before even you putting on this list, I've heard from many people, it's like, no, man, that shit got really deep and really intricate and it really good. Right up until somebody picked that goddamn sledgehammer. Yep. yep. Fuck that sledgehammer. <laughs> but every other move, say it was kind of like, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Eddie, Eddie Gordo. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's just a band character. You got the band, uh, you got the band hammer, mm-hmm. the literal band hammer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that made number eight on Adam's list. We're down to sevens. Uh, this should be interesting because our lucky, the, the, the lucky number seven. Uh, my lucky number seven was, is, I keep saying was, like it's not anymore, is Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, man. And, oh, man. So that makes one, two, three, this is the fourth Squaresoft game on my list. Man, look, <laughs> again, 
I can't help it, folks. Squaresoft was in there. They were so good. They were so good and so in their prime back in this day. And again, there are games that aren't even on this list that need to be understood. They were going outside of their box, too. They were showing people that we're not just an RPG company. Uh, just uh, We'll have an episode one day on Squaresoft and we can talk about the highs. The fall of Square. Yeah, we'll talk about the highs and lows. The rounding of Square. Um, but, man, <sighs> this is this game right here. When I Is this game really that good? Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. I'd say yeah. so. I would say so. Yep. You think you think it's pretty it was good enough game? to make it my number seven? That's for damn sure. Uh, damn. Again, Shakespearean writing. It's got that yay old text to it. I love that. Uh, this is one thing that I'll make a difference. I'll make a distinction between Final Fantasy Tactics and, and Vagrant Story. Both of these games have really good uh, uh, fantasy slash say ethereal story to them. Uh, otherworldly story to them demonic if you want to say the difference between vagrant story and tactics is vagrant story really revolves around like five people four or five people at the most tactics that's around 15 or 20 i mean there's an intricate intricate tapestry of people involved uh the again this is another one of those uh kind of like symphony of the knights where you can just pick pick the categories hits all notes the sprite graphics, uh, pseudo 3D sprite graphics. Uh, actually, the graphics for the characters are 3D or sprite. The environments around the world are, are 3D isometric. Fits so good. Uh, it is tactics based, and the tactics, uh, both the combat and the leveling and all the planning and all that in this game, done very well. Uh, unique leveling system. Uh, the ability to gain abilities as you go, the ability to have uh, job, you pick to the jobs and classes of your characters, uh, which leads to great leveling and combinations between the jobs. The music so good. This is this. I love this music direction in these style games. Uh, story mm-hmm. very on point. It seems like it's a little deep. I remember playing this in high school a couple times and being sort of overwhelmed. I played it again, I think last year or the year before. I followed it just fine. It's very good, very good all the way around. A lot of uh, a lot of that uh, Renaissance era backstabbing. What's going on again? Game of Thronesy, so to speak. Maybe not. A- yeah, if you want to go, if you want to make a Game of Thrones comparison, this yes, is where you do yes. it. Yes, again, story is on point. Uh, just all the facets, all all the way around. Uh, so much fun. As a, th- this this is the thing about me. I found that I am rather stupid in my mind, and I am not that great at tactics games, but. Tact, Final Fantasy Tactics has a very good way of, of muscling you through it. Uh, I think there was a... Help me out, guys. There was another game. There was another tactics game on the PlayStation. Uh, the, the main draw to that one was whenever you... Vandal yes, Hearts. Vandal Hearts. Uh, I would say... That almost made my yeah, list. I would say <laughs> that if tactics is a little bit too much for you, if, it's, if it gets a little bit too hairy and you want something maybe toned down just a little bit, try Vandal Hearts. Get through Vandal Hearts. Kind of get the idea, the premise of... No. What? No. What? Don't, don't fucking... Did you like, oh, you can't handle riding on the baby fucking <laughs> thing with the tricycle? Here's this fucking... 360cc motorcycle Kalbuya fucking I would, thing on the test track with no pads. Have at it, kid. And they just you, go out you, and fucking immediately burn out and die. Are you 
that that's what you're trying no, to do right I'm now. I'm saying that between the two, I play both of these. And I okay. had no problem getting into Vandal Hearts. Vandal Hearts was like it was tactics light. And then when I jumped Let me tell you Let me tell you this. Vandal Hearts has one key difference that makes all the fucking difference in one of these things. In Final Fantasy Tactics, they move, they take their action, then you move, then you take your action. In Vandal Hearts, you put where you want to move, put what you want your action to be, they do the same, it all plays out. Mm -hmm. So you're like, here's their square, I'm moving over there, swoosh, oh, he moved. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) So... It becomes a whole lot more of a metagame, like, where is this some bitch going to try to hit me? Well, in that in that vein, if all that's true, either way, you, th- these are tactics games. You have to decide in your life if tactics games are even in your even in your realm. And I feel, I don't know, you know, I, I do kind of redact what I'm saying, because when I went back and played tactics a year ago, whenever it was, I found it very easy to get through. A lot of the tutorial type, it does require a little bit of reading, I will give you that. Uh, if you don't understand mm-hmm. a mechanic or a system that's going on in tactics, there is there is narrative text there for you to read through and understand. I had that happen about four or five times where I was like, I don't get this thing. And I went through the help menu, went through the tutorial and read like a page or two of something. And when I say page or two, I mean like a paragraph or two. Uh, and then understood it and moved on. Uh, it definitely has a lot of depth. It, 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 there's a lot there for this game. Uh, and even you, man, and Adam can attest to this too. This game is breakable. If you are having mm-hmm. a critical time getting through this game, it's understandable. This game does have a couple, about three specific missions that are, that are make or break. That are, yeah, you're not fucking getting past this. And you can, yeah, yeah you just need to restart. Yeah, you can muscle your me. way through. You can do, there's, there's a few ways to level or grind, so to speak, but not much at all. But, if upon your second, even third playthrough of this game, when you really have all the leveling mechanics down and understanding the, the, the core, like the job system and how to work all that, man, you can make some critical character types in this game. Uh, so if the difficulty is yeah. that big of a deal, there, that there is always that option. Just in general, you can always pull out my God build yeah. and just run roughshod through the whole game. In general. As far as I, I was never into tactics games at all, and it is it was it's a bit rough. There's a bit of a learning curve to get into it, but man, once you do the story, the graphics, the music, all that stuff's gonna keep you involved. And very very good game, so good that it made my number seven on the list. Chris, what about your yeah. number seven? So my number seven is a game in a very I say very a well known. Uh, game series, the Tales of series, and it is Tales of Destiny. Now, this was this was my first time playing a Tales of game, um, and it was interesting. Um, aside from you know, it's an RPG, so it automatically has that going for it for me. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting when getting into combat. I'm not picking from a menu. Um, I have this left to right little combat area. I don't even know what to call it, a stage, kind of. Um, thinking of like an old school fighting game, you know, you just left and right. And you your little party fights on screen against the enemies on screen. Um, the later games, uh, 
they kind of got into this arena format than these early ones. Uh, it's called a linear motion battle system. Um, basically, you move left and right and fight. It's not a true 3D uh, platform type thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. Um, the Mechanically, um, I don't think there's anything super... Uh, what do you call original about any of the mechanics other than the uh, fighting system itself with the, like I was saying, the linear uh, thing. Uh, But it was a fun game. Um, It had a, I I don't, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking about the plot, but it was a good story. Um, There were, if I'm not mistaken, this one had some of the little mini side things in it. Uh, this one had the cooking in it. I know you played this, Michael. I think, I think Michael. so, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I've played it. I don't remember the cooking aspect to it. And this game did not make my list, but I can definitely attest to it. It's, it's. I mean, it's a good game. The the action, the, the combat choice for doing that uh, side, uh, side view, having uh, your characters and enemies on the screen at the same time. <laughs> That was mm-hmm. very unique and awesome. The main draw that kept me coming back to this game, uh, kind of the the appeal that made me going back, kept going back to Wild Arms, is it had a lot of the puzzle elements. Uh, I remember in particular there was a castle where there was a puzzle element that just stumped me and I made me quit playing the game after like three weeks of trying to figure it out. And I need to go back through it and finish it completely. I played it recently, but. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's 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 not on my list, but definitely worthy. I mean, this would be in a top fifty for sure. I mean, top tw- yeah. top thirty. I mean, it's damn good. Yeah, the um, the <laughs> memory I have associated with this game that I'll probably never forget is uh, being down from the coast. Uh, you know, down there, there was a lot of hurricanes and. I remember this one hurricane, you know, we we're running off generator power, but I had my PlayStation hooked up and this is what I was playing while the hurricane was spinning around me, you know, <laughs> and going straight over our house. I was sitting there playing this game. Yep. Um, so I always have that memory and it make, I, I've played some of the modern games and it's just always a funny thing for me to think about from my childhood. So you've heard it here, folks. It takes a natural disaster for a game to get on Chris's top 15. <laughs> Robo Pit wasn't good enough to play during the hurricane. That's all I'm hearing. Yeah. Good I'm just good game, up. though. Good game. Yeah. Uh, Adam, number seven. Number seven, a game I don't see on anybody else's list. Anybody else played this? Yeah. Lunar 2, Eternal Blue Complete. Of course I did. This game is fucking awesome. It's a uh, continuation of the Lunar series. Redone, remastered, revamped. And trashed. Where's the PlayStation? Oh. Oh. You didn't like it? Sega CD's better. Uh, You know, I can respect that you like the original, but I don't think they changed too much about the game. Now. In fact, they added a good bit. That uh, that did add on to the story a little bit. And I I didn't like, like the changes they made story or mechanics. Um, I it's been a while since I played the second one, but I do remember from the first one. Um, I didn't like enemies being visible on the map. I didn't like 
Um, the like you said, changed the story. I didn't like the reduced magic spell list, um, and I don't know how that impacted mm. two because two had a different mechanic for that. Um, and it's been a while since I yeah, played. Two it. is a completely different animal. Yeah, the one was a lot worse because of the compressed uh, magic spell list. You went from having like forty spells to like ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was a major reduction, and overall, it kind of took away from my enjoyment of it on any of the remakes. That's fun, and I can respect that. It didn't do as certain other game series that won't be named uh, did, and go back and destroy the original to create their new sequel mm-hmm. um but i can tell you this compared to the sega cd the cutscenes are amazing amazing the voice acting quality has gone up uh you have continuity between the actors from the first game into the second game there's a there's there's a whole lot going on here, and it's very, very good. If you don't, if you play, if you need a good, um, let's say traditional RPG series to play, Lunar is right there for you, right there for you. And <clears throat> any version that you do play will give you enjoyment. But I recommend the PlayStation series because they are the best mix of the old and the new. You have the newer ones, which I. I'm not quite so sure I like the changes they made on the newer ones. Um, but I did enjoy the PlayStation versions uh, more than I did the Sega CD versions. But versions aside. I could see. I, I was going to say, versions aside, what made you put Lunar 2 on this list so far up as number seven? Like, is it that good of an RPG? Like, what what all points oh, is it for you that made you put it so far up? Let me tell you that this game, for one, this game does something that I fucking appreciate. And that is completely playing into the nostalgia of their prequel. Nice. Any good sequel will go in and be like, here's what the fuck happened after the first game. Mm -hmm. Let me pay homage to that. Let me... So you've got, like, the final boss area of the first game is a level, and it's a place where, you know, uh, certain characters are just hanging out in the second game. Oh, that's fucking cool. You can find, you go out and you find, like, the big reveal from the first game. You walk in, you find out, like, halfway through the second, and, you know, there's this custom message that they did for, you know, basically... One person telling the other person what happened, what transpired in the first game. And they're like, oh, oh shit. Wow. You know, and it just flips their world on its head and the things take off from there. Uh, I'm can't remember if the epilogue was in the Sega CD version, but man, it's been that long. Anywho, they, they have a, a giant epilogue section after you beat the main game. Mm-hmm. That just continues to wrap up story plot lines. Nice. And it's ridiculously hard. You're like, man, we'd have died. We should have sent these fucking wolves over to kill the fucking final boss, because these things are ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, he said, like, man, I wonder how the fucking anybody ever survived going around here. <clears throat> oh, man. But seriously, top-notch music, 
great sprite animation, great FMV animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the combat is on point, fun, doesn't get repetitive. The, uh, the story hits all the right strings in all the right order. Great game. Nice. Fucking great game. Well, good, man. It's good. Sounds like it was, uh, it sounds like... It also came with a bunch of cool shit, if you like swag in your boxes. <laughs> Which I think Lunar apparently was really good for doing anyway. Oh, yeah. It had, like, the mm-hmm. uh, soundtrack fucking CD and, like, a little pendant and a fucking cloth map. Nice. It yep. was awesome. I got both those. It did, ha- it did have one thing that I will mark off for it, which is why I didn't end up higher in the list. It fell into that weird... World derangement syndrome that happens sometimes in RPGs. Mm-hmm. Oh, so imagine yeah, you're playing yeah. a sequel to Final Fantasy VII, and suddenly Midgar is right next to Junon. Oh yeah, I mean like five fucking meters from it. Yeah, like they throw rocks at each other. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what happens when when so you end up with like the the main protagonist from the first story, his fucking hometown apparently died of plague or something wow <laughs> so they're not there anymore i couldn't find it um uh, you know the map is all rearranged but the places are still there and, so, and the gameplay itself must have been good enough because again you put it as number seven so oh yeah it was it was you, super fun lots of cool stuff to find lots of little secrets oh so good all right, well, that brings us down to our number six. For me, that was Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Cha-ching. Brings us to the number six for Chris. All right. So my number six, as written on the list, is Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. Another Lunar yes. game? What? Now, hold on, hold on. Let me, it's let, that let game me you get nostalgic about in the other game. Let me finish. <laughs> but that's not actually what's on my list. Um, what is on my list is Lords of Lunar. Now, Adam, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Oh, uh, you talking about Lords of Lunar? Is that like the little? Uh-huh. Uh, is that like the little mini game yep. at the end where you bounce the, the ball? End. Wow! It's uh, so the Silver Star Story Complete came with a disc that was the making of game. It was basically just a movie you could watch about them making the game, you know. And but there was a little Easter egg. That if you hit a certain button combination, you got access to a mini game. Um, this mini game called Lords of Lunar, and it is a uh, uh, it's um, a uh, kind of remake of it's, a it's game like if called Jez Warlords. Jezball um, met whatever that other game is. Uh, it's brick. It's a brick breaking game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you have your character is your essentially castle. You have a little picture of them, and around them are a bunch of blocks. Uh, you could have up to nine of these on the screen at a time. So, and if you had multi tap, you could actually play. I think eight players. Someone uh, when I was reading through, you know, refresh memory, how to unlock it said you could even use the multi tap to play up to eight players, which is pretty cool for, you know, a hidden little PlayStation thing. Yeah, you go to the making of video and you had to like hold something down or press some combination you, and you uh, had to go. Yeah, it was up, down, left, right, triangle, start. Um, and you had access to this. I love this game. 
Um, this was the pinnacle of uh, Silver Star Story Complete for me because of all the garbage they changed. Um, wow. So I actually I enjoyed playing this more than the main game. I put more hours into this than the main game, I think. I am so um, fucking confused right now. Are you telling me that, that so not the game itself, Lunar Silver Star Story Complete, is what technically made your list? It's the mini game that came with yeah. that. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. What are you doing with your life? Now you let a you know, mini game beat you out. So did Brave Venture Musashi Twisted Metal Two. Yeah, this was. <laughs> I, I had a hard time trying to decide which put this on my list because it is a lunar, so I have to rate it high. Um, but I did genuine, genuinely put a lot of hours into this mini game and had a ton of fun with it. Um, it, I, I'm. I like brick breaking games in general, but this it was multiplayer and which I'd play with my friends and uh, you had different modes you could do. So like you could make it to where uh, players' paddles were still effective after they died. So you had to still worry about that player even though their blocks weren't in the way. You had to be conscious of where their play, their paddles were and you know aim around them, aim etc. Uh, to take uh, account for those. Um, so yeah, it was lots of fun. And I thought it'd be amusing to do this. I mean, I guess if you have that much gameplay time into it, I mean, it, you enjoyed it. You had a great time with it. Apparently more than Brave Fencer and Twisted Metal and SimCity. And hey, it is and also everybody is. should play there are Every one of them is just kicking rocks right now in a circle. Like, honestly. <laughs> that fucking poor boomerang ro- robots over there, <laughs> like consoling Musashi. Mm-hmm. I can completely. The clown from Twisted Metal is like. Oh, I'm not even affronted that the fact that you picked like a, a mini game as a game on the list, man. That doesn't that man if that if that mini game is that good, then that mini game is that good. I'm am rolling metaphorically speaking in my chair of how Lunar Silver Star Story Complete is there, and you're like, yeah, fuck that game, this mini game, no. <laughs> Yeah, and and this is keeping in mind That's Lunar mean. Silver Star is my favorite game of all time. It's number yes. one for me ever. Um, oh man! And the, the remake. I mean, everybody should play Lunar. If that's playing the remake, so be it. But uh, for me, Sega CD, at least for Lunar One, Lunar Silver Star, you should do uh, Sega CD. I need to go back and play the Sega CD uh, Eternal Blue, and then uh, play the PlayStation Eternal Blue Complete again to get a full refresher on it um to see if my opinion is the same there but you should play it regardless adam your number six yes my number six is front mission three oh it's like that game i asked about earlier awesome <laughs> oh it's almost exactly the same game this game is fucking awesome you take a Final Fantasy Tactics environment, you had fucking giant death robots. <laughs> yeah. So the premise of this game is Final Fantasy Tactics with giant death robots, but that's not all. You can eject out of these giant death robots and go around shooting people with bazookas and stealing other giant death robots. Oh, you're almost dead? Just jump out of your shit and go grab another fucking robot and you're Wait, good. is this Titanfall before Titanfall? <laughs> this is. This is pre-Titanfall, Titanfall. All in. Yeah. 
people try to shoot you and stuff, but you're so hard to hit because you're so small when you're outside your little robot. So they're like bucking off at you with shotguns and shit, but you can't be hit. Game has an immaculate story. It's so deep. So deep. It's, <clears throat> I don't want to give anything away, but there's a lot of little twists and turns and stuff like that. There's a big mini game involving the internet. And you going from site to site to track down this hacker and all these other little weird shipments that went in crazy places. And in return, you get this really powerful reward for it. Um, <clears throat> there's a diverse cast of characters. Uh, a lot of little bitty things that happen all throughout the game. Oh, man, it's so good. And there's a lot. The combat is really the best part of this whole damn game. You have... Uh, melee attacks, uh, different types of ranged firearms, uh, you know, you end up in situations where you're fighting, you're not fighting other mechs, you're fighting, uh, people on foot, or you're fighting, uh, trucks, and, yeah, you gotta destroy bridges, or, you know, just different things like that, and you're using the environment. So good. Had a lot of great time playing this, and Hours upon hours playing this game. Are the mechs customizable? Love it. Yeah. Every single piece. Just like uh, almost down to armored core levels. You would change out the arm, you know, left arm, right arm, legs, middle, head, weapons. I can't remember if it goes any deeper than that, but I think it does. I think it goes like one step deeper than that. Wow. Uh, like your generator or something like that. I just that. want to say that's a, I had to bring it up because that's a big selling point for me. Like fight yeah. as mechs. There's so many games that do that, but the ability to custom create your own mech. Yeah. yeah. And you can break off pieces of other mechs and then, eat you know, them. It, eat them. You know, you're a cannibal mech. This is, this is Neon yeah. Genesis Evangelion. The, the tactics. Well, I mean, if you decide you just want to hop out of your mech and, uh, you know, go commandeer something else. You know, that was another thing is people, you could, uh, you could intentionally disable mechs to where their pilots would jump out and then jump in them. I didn't even know use those that. Mechs. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you'd get to keep it after the mission ended. And then you could, you know, scrap it for parts, take what you wanted, sell the rest. I'm going to ask you something, Adam. I'm going to ask you on, on my behalf of myself and the, and some of the audience. But Adam, the front mission series mm-hmm. is very hard to get into. It's very in depth. It's it's a lot to take in. What do you say to those people? Yeah. Like, what do you? What is? A, is there another starting point? Is there a suggestion? I you say can I give agree. To, to 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 because the want for that is there. The you say mechs and tactics. The tactics maybe not so much, but the customizable mechs. Man, I'm all in, and I'm fairly interested in in tactics types games. What can I do to get into this game? Put your nose to the grindstone and endure it. <laughs> this is it. My one. This is my one and only entry into the front mission series. So, I it took me a couple of playthroughs to to catch everything that was going on. But once I understood it, I was having a lot of fun. So this is basically the Dark Souls of this type of game. You just you just got to do it. This is basically the Xeno Gears of this type oh, of game. Oh, oh. <laughs> but basically, yeah, you just got to do it. You got to put the time in. You got to do your research. You got to get better at it. Okay. Yep. If you're talking about it as far as missions go, yeah, that's, 
you got to learn to get good, man. You got to learn to attack from back and guard your behind. I can tell you this, as much as as that's like a thing that people want to jump to, I'll tell you now, audience, people told me the same damn thing about Dark Souls, and that's just going to kick you in the teeth, but you just got to fucking put the work in. You got to, you know, like my biggest benchmark was was, uh, Devil May Cry 3. Like, I put way too much time and an excusable amount of time to get better at darks to uh to get better at devil may cry 3 and when i did and finally beat that game i was like fuck yeah this is great the combat's worth it it, it all rewards and then dark souls came along and said this is the pinnacle of that this is what this means and i feel like from what adam has told me before in the past about front mission 3 this is the same thing like yeah it's a lot to take in there's a lot to there's going to be a lot of micromanagement and a lot of text to read through and all that but but once you get better at it the game rewards you for it it's not just you beating it because you want to beat the game it's getting better because it will reward you after that um man that's awesome i mean it made it all the way up to your number six too that's good all right well let's move down well up i guess to number five so my Number five is going to be Resident Evil 2. Now, this game has caused a lot of controversy between me and Adam because Adam cannot stand the Resident Evil universe <laughs> as a whole. That is and correct. I'm telling you now, look, this this is one of those games for me where I just I just go, look, I understand. If we had had this debate and argument years ago, I could I'd I'd run myself in circles, silly, trying to explain to Adam why his opinion is wrong or why mine's wrong or better or whatever. But this is an opinion thing. That's exactly what these lists are made for. And this game is, in my opinion, very good. So good that it made it all the way up to number five on my list. I can completely understand for those that aren't completely into the Resident Evil games to those that find them old or that didn't age well, I understand all the negatives toward this game. Uh, this is just one you're just gonna, y'all just, everybody's just gonna have to understand. Like, this game had a really solid impact on me in my life. It was very awesome. Uh, it had an emotional impact on me and has a lot of great things going for it. Uh, this was actually on my top 15 for some time. And then Dark Souls come along and said, Hey, you gotta go. And it left. So, um, Resident Evil 2. So having, being, being that Resident Evil 1 was one of the first PlayStation games I ever played. Uh, that was Sweet Code 1, Resident Evil, Doom, Twisted Metal 2. Uh, Resident Evil 1, in and of itself, was very uh, new to me. It was very different, and I enjoyed it for what it was. Had a good time playing through it and wanted more. Uh, years later, when I made it around to Resident Evil 2, it just gave me way more. Uh, it also had two playable characters. Uh, it had something which, <laughs> believe it or not, it, it was this year that I've heard about this and didn't realize what a norm thing it was, like a mainstream Resident Evil canon thing it was. It had a system called the zapping system. Why it's called that, I don't know. But the system is basically, there are two characters, and it's if you play through the game with one character, you get to go through the game again with the other character doing everything in the same time. So as you're playing through the game as Leon, one of the main characters, when you go play as Claire, the other character, you get to play the same game at basically you're playing through the story at the same time. So the decisions made from one character make sense and happen uh, in time with the other character's story, etc, etc. That alone, that's pretty far up the list. 
Uh, you got two main, two main scenarios, two main storylines through the same story intertwined. Awesome, awesome mechanic. Uh, it had the old school, uh, survival horror aspect to it. I say old school because survival horror is way, something way different these days. Uh, old school is basically, uh, navigating through uh, levels and areas, giving somewhat minimal supplies. Uh, item management comes to mind. Um, uh, let's see the music. All it, oh man, the music fits the tone for this game so well. Uh, has a, it has building upon the story of Resident Evil One that you know in Resident Evil One, giving you more meat there for the whole Resident Evil canon. Uh, the cutscenes were pretty good. Uh, in particular, I remember the, uh, the William Birkin cutscene. I remember saving that to VHS. Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention that. That is one thing about this PlayStation era that was the first time I had ever done it. And I unfortunately don't have those VHSs anymore. They got lost somewhere in life. But, uh, Metal Gear Solid, do you gentlemen remember in Metal Gear Solid, you could go through that game. You could basically play the movie version of that game after you beat it. Uh, there was like a, there was like a cinematic mode. I forget what the name they called it, but you basically hit, you press the X button and it basically ran through the entire story of Metal Gear Solid. And I recorded that in like a four hour movie. Um, I recorded a lot, dude. I recorded so many PlayStation games, uh, like FMVs, like Final Fantasy VII and uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, Resident Evil 2 was another one of them. Uh, a lot of the, the FMVs in that game. Are they good? Do they hold up? Are they good? I think they're good. Do they hold up? Eh, not really. The graphics have completely been <laughs> blown out of the water given today's standards. But, I mean, showing William Birkin in, in his lab, like, finally creating the specimen and an umbrella coming in, telling, saying they're going to take it from him and him injecting it, him getting shot up and then injecting himself with the virus. Oh, man. Uh, all that stuff was so good. Um, this was one of few games in life that drew an emotional response out of me. This game actually drew tears out of me. Uh, and I know that sounds fucking crazy. I know that sounds wacky, wild, like what of all games this one? Uh, but there's a scene and it's spoilers for Resident Evil 2. I mean, I kind of said it with the William Birkin thing, but, um, sorry, uh, there's a scene later on where, uh, Ada Wong, one of your, uh, one of Leon's, uh, compatriots, so to speak, uh, supposedly gets shot and killed and Leon had feelings for her and didn't say it feelings for her. And then, then she was dying and he kind of let it out then. And she died in his arms and in a very like, it, it sounds so corny today, but Hey, whatever it was, it struck a chord in 15, 16 year old me. And, uh, that will, uh, that has always stuck out of my mind that a game could do that, uh, that a game did that period. It sounds so corny and so cheesy and it sounds like nothing today that I could watch and it would draw any emotion out of me. But back then it did. And I just remember that being a thing. Like a game shouldn't do that to me, but it did. Uh, all that being said, the action, the gameplay, I went through the entire, I 100% it. I'm using quote marks with that because there's no real percentage, so to speak. I mean that in the sense that I got the tofu, I got tofu and hunk. Uh, I did everything in that game. I went above and beyond that game trying to get Akuma unlocked, uh, not realizing that that was an April Fool's joke. So I wasted a lot of time trying that shit. In any event, Resident Evil 2, of all the Resident Evils, aside from Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 4, this has always been my hand pick Resident Evil of the franchise. I love this game. 
always have. And again, uh, it's uh, especially given this episode and given this time frame, the fact that Resident Evil 2 Remake is coming out. Uh, I cannot wait. I can't wait to see how much upgraded it is. Like this, that game looks, it looks so familiar, but looks so different. And I, oh, that's so good. That's so good to know that it's getting, it's like, it's like the Resident Evil remake on, on steroids. So, yeah, all that being said, number five for me, Resident Evil 2. Chris, you're number five. All right, so my number five is probably going to be another game that not a lot of people have heard of, or maybe they have because it had a bit of a cult following, um, but it is Tomba. So, or Tomba, Tomba, however you want to say it. <clears throat> so Tomba was the bane of my existence for a very long time. Now, the reason for that is because I had the demo disc for this game, and I played it. And reached the end, and played and reached the end. And it took me years before I finally got a hold of the full game. And man, it was so good to actually be able to progress in this game. Um, so the premise of Tomba is, it is a, let's see, how do I describe it? It's a side-scrolling platform game uh, with a, you know, I'd call it an RPG-type story. To it and puzzle aspects. Um, the premise is you are Tomba, this pink-haired kid, um, who's <laughs> he he's uh, identified as a pink-haired feral child, um, <laughs> basically a you know wild animal raised in uh-huh. the wild uh, kid, um, which is interesting because you're technically raised by your grandfather, who seems very civilized. Um, but anyway, um, so, or at least was raised by the grandfather. Uh, one day this race of evil pigs come and steal your grandfather's bracelet. Being the sentimental, you know, piece it is, you obviously want to get it back. Um, and then you just kind of go out and you're trying to track it down. Uh, you get kind of not a lot of information at the beginning on what you should be doing you just kind of wander out and the thing that made this game so time consuming is you have to trigger all the events that happen by doing something Um, whether it's you know reading the sign or picking up this item or talking to this person those would all trigger things that let you progress uh, further down the story and it was very much one of those games where you see something you go how do I do that and then three hours later you're like I have no idea huh. um, and it, it was often because you had to do something else before you could get there you know or you need some ability or item you unlock uh, from another area or do something else and then you have to backtrack uh, it was a very very time consuming game uh, but it was fun Um you essentially uh, hurt enemies by jumping on their head, but not Mario style. You jumped on, essentially kind of on their back, and bit them. Um, and then threw them. Uh, so you're biting their heads and throwing them and stuff like that. You get some weapons later on. Uh, so this game is basically exactly the same as Resident Evil 2. <laughs> um, I- I'm going to say no. no. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that was a bit of a stretch there. Uh, I see what you're trying to do based on, you know, earlier with robots, but no, not not a fit here. Um, it was very fun. Uh, still is fun. Making this list, I actually made decision that I don't think I ever finished this 100%. Um, I think I made it like only halfway through the game uh, before whatever happened, you know. Um, so once the, once I'm caught up on destiny two and I figure out what's going on with my steam library after the steam sale, uh, I think I'm going to go back and play this game. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't this. And symphony of the night. Yeah. Didn't this, didn't one of the mechanics of this also have like a background foreground swap mechanic? There are some background foreground things. Um, but it was mostly played on the one plane. Gotcha. Um, but yes, there are foreground and background things you can explore. Yeah. Okay. Um, I unfortunately only made it like a level or two in this game, not because it was bad. Just I think I was like in a flood of games when I first played this mm-hmm. and have never really went back to it. I do remember the gameplay being fun, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I spent a lot of time on this game, <laughs> probably more on the demo than the actual game at that point. Oh, so you got um, just cause tude. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was it. That was for Adam. He knows. Rip. Yeah, but I'm gonna go back and finish it because it's so good. Cool. Um, number five, Adam. Mike Shears, buddy. Final Fantasy Seven. Oh. oh, oh, seven. Seven. Wow. Not the one where the main character molests, you know, the heroine on the way up a rope. As I'm looking at this is the one that has the psychopath, the terrorist, and the cowgirl walk into a bar and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you need to tell us about Final Fantasy VII and then why it only made number five. This game, you play a psychotic... Ex military man. I'm in. Who joins a terrorist organization, causes the death of thousands of civilians, and then goes on the run. And after that, hijinks ensue. It's one of the greatest RPGs of all time, much less on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. This one is, uh, is really the brought about the renaissance of the PlayStation, you know, era and brought RPGs which had been slowly dying up until this thing's release back to the forefront yeah. and back into everybody's minds. Um uh, say what you want about the chords it struck or the failed mimicry that every single Final Fantasy tried to do after this. Yeah. Because that's a, it seemed to be the only gear they were stuck in. How do we make Final Fantasy VII but different? Mm-hmm. Um, this game, this game is a gem uh, for a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of different little things and that you may not notice until you play it or play it the second or third time around. Real quick, not, not that it matters, not that this is the defining reason why a game is on anybody's list, but just so folks know, the list of best-selling PlayStation video games, number one is Gran Turismo, the first one, uh, and that was at 
10,850,000 units. The next one is Final Fantasy VII, 9,800,000 units. That's uh, that's up. That's Damn. the number two selling PlayStation. That's a lot game. of units. That's a lot. That's a lot of people that are like, "What is an RPG?" Here you go, spiky hair guy with a big sword, and they go, "Wow, I like RPGs now. I am now into them." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a lot of people. They got traumatized halfway through the game. Yep. Yep. Although that is not the worst thing that can happen <clears throat> in any RPG. Mm-hmm. I. Since seen so many more fucked up scenes than what happens in Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you it had a great story. It had a very engaging story. It had a fucking unique and immaculate battle system. The music was on point. The graphics were bleeding edge at the time. The cutscenes were wow. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know the PlayStation was poss- capable of doing these kinds of things. Yep. Um, so they, game had a variety of different mini games a cast of diverse and unique characters each of which had a even the worst character cat shit <laughs> still had character development and a plot yeah. that was worth hearing. had a reason for being there had a reason why he was a big weird stuffed moogle with a cat riding on top like yeah he had, there was purpose was it utilized perfect no but he was there and had a could have been done better there's a reason they're remaking this game right now, and they've remade made this game as the one Final Fantasy game that keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. It's got spinoffs, it's got movies, it's got all kinds of shit, because it was one of the best. Not the best, but one of the best, and by far the most widely successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly... Any three of us could sit here and, and talk for hours on end about this game, which we have. We, I mean, technically, we've, we've all kind of done, given that we've all talked about Final Fantasy VII at some point in some of our episodes in the past. But this game is up there. I mean, it's I, it is a when moment. I when I think of this game and I think of the discussions we had in this game, I th- I think about the discussion we had about the Men in Black. Do you remember that? Refresh my memory about that. You'd find that that. The cloaked figures every so often that had the numbers carved yeah, into there. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. We, I don't think it happened on the uh, on the podcast, but it was a one of those things where I was like, "Okay, I noticed this. Did you notice this?" And it was Sephiroth never left the crater. Yeah, the whole game. Yeah, I remember. You that. kept seeing him. You kept seeing him every fucking where. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, why does Sephiroth keep doing this stuff? Why does everybody? Kind of ignore him, and why does he do all this other stuff? And you find out why. And all that stuff is built up too. I mean, I think I went over this a couple episodes ago when I talked about replaying through seven. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's I could see how either in my youth or anybody's youth or just blowing through the game, you might miss some details. But that game is it has some moments of herky jerkiness in the story, but it wraps up like almost completely like everything builds uh-huh. and gives subtle hints throughout the game about things and calls back to things it mentioned and yeah as far as an rpg this is a solid mountain of an rpg again almost 10 almost 10 million units that's that says that says a lot so yep. well we're getting down and you can go on a date with barrett <laughs> 
Yeah, and you can go on a date with a big black guy with a gigantic Gatling gun for an arm, and uh, it'll yes. it'll be quaint. What's not to love? It'll be quaint, that's for sure. Being cussed at all the time. Uh, here we go. Fours. We're almost down to the top three for number four. I mean, I'm sure you guys are like, "Wow, I didn't. <laughs> I expected this to be somewhere up in your top three, but you know, good and damn well, there's going to be a fucking Mega Man RPG. I mean, a Mega Man game on this list. Oh, it's a Mega somewhere. Man RPG. No, Mega Man Legends <laughs> did not make this list. Sadly, uh, I have I have very mixed oh. feelings about Legends, even though I played through it a, uh, at least two or three times. Uh nope, my game for number four was Mega is Mega Man X four. Uh of all the Mega Man X games, this is my favorite. And it is probably my number two Mega Man game of all time. I I love this game. I love, 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 have so much fun with this game. I think I have been through this game as many times, if not more, than Mega Man 4. Um there's not a lot to say about the gameplay, folks. This is Mega Man all around. Uh, specifically, this is Mega Man X all around. Uh, all the shit that you know and love is back. The dashing is back. The wall climbing and jumping is back. Uh, big key difference here. Big, big difference. Uh, when you play through Mega Man X, you got to see Zero, who was the uh, blonde-haired robot carried around a sword, badass. You know, the guy in Mega Man X who was like, you know, you're not powerful as me yet, but you can be one day. Uh, and then he comes back in Mega Man X2. You get to see him some more there. Uh, specifically, you got to go around finding his parts because he's been scattered to pieces. Uh, and I believe it's not until Mega Man X3 that you actually have the ability to play as him. Uh, for a bit, for a little bit, a very limited amount, you can play as X4, as uh, Zero. Mega Man X4 comes out, and there are two playable scenarios, two playable characters. You can play as Mega Man X, or you can play as, as Zero. Uh, they both have their own story, they both have their own way through the game, though the game itself as a core is still the same. It's still killing eight bosses, it's still finding out the weaknesses and using those in a boss order type style, it's still later uh boss uh wily style areas sigma in this case uh still a replay of the bosses and then you beat the game again like all that's still the same but the fact that you get to go through the entire game playing as zero makes this awesome i will wholeheartedly and honestly admit of the if i'm shitting out a number of the 50 times i've played through this game i've probably played three times as as x uh, I've been through that game as X. Uh, I've done all the order operations. I love the ability to, just like the old games uh, in the X series, the ability to get a weapon and then charge it up to have a different weapon, uh, a different output. All that's nice. But almost, if I'm picking that game up right now, even though I could do it probably blindfolded, I'm playing as Zero again. I love the ability to play as Zero. Uh, as opposed to X, where X will kill a boss and get a weapon, or get it, or yeah, get a weapon. Uh, Zero will basically get a type of move. He'll get some kind of saber move, or a, a, a jump slice kind of move, or whatever. It'll be some kind of move that he will use with his sword. Uh, there's only a couple that actually use uh, energy. I think there's actually and one that uses energy per se. The rest of them are just moves. He just increases his uh, his repertoire of, of weapon moves, sword moves. The story is whatever. The voice acting is laughable. I know the Mega Man X4 has a big meme around it with, uh, what are we fighting for? Yeah, I know. And the 
yeah it's it's it is what it is i do not care i do not play mega man games for the story uh the mega man story that is there is good if you can get past and i mean this for all the the mega man and zero games it's kind of like fighting games you know there is a story there and it is as deep as you want to go with it but i play these games for the platforming i play it for the run and shoot i play it for the jump and shoot i mean i always have and always will and uh this game made it real high up my list because it is a Mega Man game and because I will I will pick this up at any point in time. I play this at least two to three times a year. Uh, I'll run through it. And it's it's just nice. fun. It's fun. It's 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 the best. X5 and X6, uh, while I don't believe that they're as horrible as everybody makes them out to be, I do believe that uh, X5 is a step down and I think X6 is even further a step down. But X4 is, man... I would, favorite boss in X4? Do what? Favorite boss in X4? Uh, Magma Dragoon, hands down. Uh, he uses uh, Street Fighter moves. He even makes sound effects like Ryu. Uh, he does the Hodouken and Shoryuken. I mean, uh, that's, I think that is cool as shit. Is a it is a in company tribute to that to that nice. company. Uh, I love his design too. Uh, it's just it's just man, I love this game. I love it enough to make it all the way up to my number four. Uh, Chris, you're number four. Yep. So my number four is a lovable game called Monster Rancher. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, this game is very unique. Um, not in the sense that you raise these, you know, quote-unquote monsters. They're just misunderstood, um, little creatures. Uh, but the big mechanic here is that you get them... By putting other discs inside of your PlayStation. Almost any disc, yeah. Yeah, pretty much any disc uh, from that era. I'm sure that, you know, modern DVDs and stuff wouldn't work. But if it would reasonably be read by a PlayStation, not even usable per se, um, it would work and it would give you something. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it would default to a generic one, but you put in like a Christmas CD, music CD, and you get a Christmas-themed monster from some of them. Yeah, uh, It was very, very interesting uh, how it read metadata off the discs to determine what you could get. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. And that mechanic alone, I had notebooks where I just went through every CD I could. Oh, man. Noting down yep. the results and I'm stuff. I'm so and glad you said that. I did the same thing where it was just like, let me raid man. my parents' music library yep. and I had figure a out what I can get. <sighs> I had a notebook somewhere, and like, I, I guarantee you, I got like maybe three and a half pages, and I said, I am fucking done. I can't do this, because I, it wasn't like I could look and get like the same monster 20 times in a row. I was getting way off the fucking chart different monsters mm-hmm. for anything, and I was like, I can't. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to categorize this with the millions of discs that are out there. Yeah, and there are actually spreadsheets out there to this day that are still being worked on mm-hmm. documenting all this. Um, there was someone I watched not too long ago that was actually speedrunning Monster Rancher. Uh, wow. Which, going into a little bit more about the mechanics of the game, um, <clears throat> your primarily, primary purpose of raising these monsters is to fight in the league fights. Um, you fight in these tournaments... Your monster ranks up, you unlock access to higher tournaments, eventually you reach the top, and then you can, you know, become the champion and fight other champions and stuff. But the whole time, you're working really hard to keep your monster alive. Um, 
and it is sad when a monster dies. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He spent all this time raising it, training it. It gets injured the little helpers training. like, you did. Yeah. Especially like, oh. when you got like a rare one, like when you pulled your dad's mm-hmm. fucking John Anderson greatest hit CD and you got this really cool rare dragon monster and you're like, yeah. And then three weeks later it's dead. You're like, oh, oh God, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and there are these whole, you know, sad scenes where you're looking at a tombstone and stuff afterwards. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, yep. it's a bit much at times, you know, especially and. You know, when you first get one and it dies shortly after, like you're talking about, yeah, that sucks. But when you've literally got this thing up to like S class, you have one more fight to go, and then it gets injured in training, and it doesn't recover. It mm-hmm. dies. It's like, oh no. Um, there are these sort of mini game type things where they go exploring, and they're like, he found this. What should he do? You do it. Eat it. You know, and it's like, oh. That was bad. Um, or you're out doing some training and your monster goes missing. And who knows how long until it shows back up. Um, and when it shows back up, it's going to be tired. It's going to be hungry. It's going to be weak. It's going to you know, re- need to recoup. And in the time you've missed the tournaments and I have to wait three more in-game months until the next one. It's a lot to manage. Man, um, I have forgotten all this metagame stuff, man. It's been so long. I remember pouring yeah. so many hours of random CD trials. and, and feed, them, feed them apples and shit. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot to this game. And the oh, ones yeah. after it, too. Yeah, I actually never played any of the sequels. Um, I knew there was a Monster Rancher 2, but I didn't know until last year just how many sequels there were. There's like five, up to yeah. five or more. And that's not including offshoots. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time on this game, not just, you know, trying out all the CDs, but raising monsters and having them die for stupid reasons. And <laughs> A yeah. surprising so amount fun. of depth for a game where, like, yeah, just go grab a random disc and get a monster. Okay, go have fun. Yeah, yeah. So difficult when it's like, all right, I want this one type, but I can't find a disc that will give it to me. I see it, I'm fighting against it in the tournament, you know, but I don't know how to get it. Mm-hmm. You can um you can combine them and breed them so you have essentially main types and then you can combine them to uh one becomes essentially a subtype. So like you have golems and pixies, you combine them and you can either have a golem pixie or a pixie golem. So your pixie essentially has, you know, a stone mm-hmm. uh and that has its effects on its attributes, you know, the six different attributes that you manage while you're uh breeding it or raising it. <clears throat> and that determines your effectiveness in combat, you know, whether you want to go more hit points for survivability or, uh, you know, more defense for against survivability or more attack to go on the offensive, you know, and how do you balance it, stuff like that, uh, accuracy. So many different things go into the system that it's very, like I said, overwhelming at times, uh, trying to figure out what you should be doing and how you should be doing it and what's going to work the best. Yeah. This is another one of those for me where, again, I didn't make my list, but I will attest there is there is a lot of stuff here in this game. That is a very, very fun game. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, it's... You can make your own floating eyeball monster and have yeah. at it. It's almost Pokemon-esque, but it's even better because it's not like, it's not technically preset monsters. It's almost whatever you either find slash make, you know? 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure it came out before Pokemon. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's one of those where I think it's getting close. While, they, they came out similar time. While Chris fact checks that, uh, Adam, why don't you tell Alrighty. us your number four? Gotta hurry up and get this one out before Chris gets back. Alright, let's see. Lunar, Silver Star Story Complete. Yeah! Best game of all time. Okay, now uh, now I have to know. (laughs) I have to know, damn it. Is this the game? Or is this the mini game in the game? This is not the fucking mini game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I just Uh, want some specificity, okay? So, real quick, uh, Pokemon came out just over a year prior. Uh, ah, okay. Well, I was wrong. Now continue right. being wrong. Oh. Nope. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So, despite what you may hear through various unscrupulous sources on this podcast, <laughs> this is a very good game. It's got a cast of interesting... De- and diverse characters, they all have their own unique motivations, they all have their own unique personalities. Uh, the story is pretty much standard fare for any RPG. It's a by-the-numbers RPG, but it's done so brilliantly. And just like uh, its predecessor, it tells the story of a young dragon master's ascent to power. And it just does it with a little more flash and a little bit more flair. I think in the making of video, he described it very well that the story didn't change. The storyteller changed. You have Mr. Sega CD and he maybe left out a couple details or if he got some things, got some things, you know, mixed up. And then Mr. PlayStation, he remembers a little bit more and he, he tells it a little bit different and then you got Mr. fucking whatever it is, mobile goddamn phone, Mr. Nokia, and he just tells you some complete bullshit. <clears throat> you know? So, depending on the, depending on the platform and who you want to talk to, this game can change. <laughs> A lot of people do not understand how great this game actually is. The artwork, the, uh, I mean, here's the thing that, that really blew me away. Go up to any surface in that game and hit action. Something will happen. It'll say, oh, the desk is locked. Oh, there's these books. Here's a list of books on this bookshelf. Oh, look at this stupid plant, and it'll make some quirky remark. Let me look in these drawers. What am I finding? You know, maybe they'll have a character interaction. Hey, what are you doing going in there? Do you just go through everybody's stuff? Watching the townsfolk in every single town react to changes as the story progresses. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun to watch. There's this mm-hmm. one guy in, in particular that I remember, and he's like, man, you ain't never going to become shit. You garbage. You trash. Nobody likes you. Blah, 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 blah. And then you finally become the Dragon Master. You come back. He's like, I knew you could do it. I was telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then, and then, and then the villain like does his thing, and it looks like the world is doomed. He's like, "We're all doomed. Dragon Master can't save us. I knew he was garbage." 
he was never deserved the title, blah, 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 blah. And he saved the world. And in the epilogue, he's like, ah, I knew you could do it. <laughs> You're so great. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves you. I was telling them all. It's so good. It's such a good game. Yeah, it is. Such a good game. It seems like in uh it seems like it's a fairly underrated series in general, but uh, I yeah. mean, it's, it's if I ever find that... a flying cat, I am definitely going to keep it. Yeah, it made Chris's number six and it made your number four. So, I mean, hey, there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, Let's pull the cover off. It is time for our in a time cast top three individual. By the way. Uh, just a really, really, really quick recap for everybody. I'm going to blow through these really fast. Uh, so far, my top uh, 15 to 4 have been Vagrant Story, Tekken 3, Oddworld's Abe's Odyssey, Twisted Metal 2, Parasite Eve, Brave Fencer Masashi, Metal Gear Solid, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver, Final Fantasy Tactics, Castlevania Symphony Tonight, Resident Evil 2, and Mega Man X4. Chris has Kagiro, Deception 2, SimCity 2000, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, Twisted Metal 2, Brave Fencer Musashi, Robo Pit, Gran Turismo 2, Tales of Destiny, Lunar, Silver Star Story Complete, Tomba, and Monster Rancher. And finally, Adam has Twisted Metal 2, Tanku Stealth Assassins, Suikoden, Metal Gear Solid, Gran Turismo, Castlevania Symphony Tonight, Armor Core, Bushido Blade, Lunar 2, Eternal Blue Complete, Front Mission 3, Final Fantasy 7, and Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. We are down to our individual top three. Uh, and again, it's so, it, it bears emphasis here. We're not just saying that these are the top three. You should only play these three, and these three are the cream of the crop. There are a lot of fucking. All these games are solid. All these games are playable. All these games made it up, up, up on our list. So you should give them all a try at some point in your life. But these are the ones. These are these are the uh, the top threes. That's what you came here for. Exactly. Exactly. And I am looking through my notes because I have hidden my, I have hidden my. You don't remember your number three. I have hidden my top three so well. Uh, <laughs> I Not even my, I know them. I hid them from myself. <laughs> I know what they are. I'm just I'm making sure I got the number right. Because uh, I know at least my number two. I at least know my number two. <laughs> That's so, what she said. My number three PlayStation 1 game of all time is Breath of Fire 3. This is a Capcom RPG. This is the first PlayStation Breath of Fire entrance into the series. And hands down, I have gone back and back. I have gone back through this game so many times as an RPG. It's kind of crazy. This series should not be passed up, but I will tell people, in my personal opinion, I think many share mine as well, you kind of can stay away from Breath of Fire 5 Dragon Quarter. That game, is it took the series in a whole different direction, both in visuals and story and, and, and many, many, many other changes. If you want a good core of the Breath of Fire series, stick with the first four. And if you want the best of the best, in my opinion, it's still Breath of Fire 3. Uh, Breath of Fire series kind of shares some of the same mentality that Final Fantasy does, where they're not exactly linear. They just all have a lot of things carried on throughout the same. Um, 
most notably two of the main characters in the Breath of Fire series, the main character named Hero or Ryu, if 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 you want to call him that, and uh, Nina, the uh, the angelic character. They're usually a, they're a staple throughout the whole entire series, and a lot of the big plot points revolve around her. Uh, a lot of points revolve around him because he is basically a dragon uh, in in his in his body and in transformation ability too. Uh, you don't have to pl- have played Dragon uh, Breath of Fire one one and two to play this one. This is a standalone RPG, and it's it's so good, man. It is so good. The charm in this game is there. Uh, so the music, I mean, it's still got that same classic, uh, Capcom RPG, uh, kicky music. Uh, it fits, it fits all the way around. It's hummable. It's, it's memorable. All, all, all of them, all the tracks, good standalone uh, soundtrack, uh, sprite based graphics, pseudo, uh, isometric 3d view. It's, it's awesome. It fits, it fits so well. The graphics fit perfectly with this game uh i think four kind of went more 3d i think more of the uh the enemies became more 3d and the bosses became more 3d it's not bad but i prefer the graphic look of breath of fire 3 story the story is good and it's it's all it's easy to follow through it's very charming all the way through it goes from semi uh i don't want to say childish but semi young minded i don't know how to how else to put it i guess Mm -hmm. childish is, is the best way to put it it starts off pretty easy and it gets as the further and further you get into like the 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 history of the dragons and the the goddess you start hearing things about the goddess and what what's what's the deal with her and it all ramps up toward the end and it's very it's it's all wrapped up in a nice little bow uh the battle system nothing exactly like grand about it nothing really way out there it's just a very solid fighting style uh a point the the keynote here is is uh, the main character Ryu. He has the ability to transform into dragons. Uh, throughout the world, you will find what they call dragon genes. They are randomly hidden, so to speak, throughout the world. And not only when you find them and you use them individually, he will turn into a different dragon. But you can c- combine them up to three genes at the same time, which gives you a laundry list of different dragon combinations, varying in power, varying in magic abilities, all that. And all the other characters have their own unique uh, gimmicks to them. Uh, just all around. Again, the big the big key here as well is charming. Uh, the the most memorable story I have, and I I usually hate telling this story because I don't want it to ruin the the fun for those. So I guess maybe some minor spoilers for Breath of Fire three. But toward the early early beginning of the game, there's a scenario where your main character and two of these uh fellow thievery uh, or uh thieve type characters are trying to break into this millionaire's mansion for a reason that the story will tell you. And it's it's nighttime, it's dark, and you're going around this three three D isometric world. You're going around this little town. You're going around this mansion's wall, trying to figure out how to get in. And the other two characters are like, "Hey, we're gonna go check this. We're gonna go find out what. We're gonna see if we can find a way in. You go look around, see if you can find a way." And your character goes around. Of course, he doesn't find a way to come back. It doesn't way to get in. He comes back to the main group, and one of the guys is leaning up against the wall with his hand on his chin and his, and his one of his feet propped up against the wall, like in a very thoughtful, like he's thinking about what to do. And he leans real hard against the wall, and the wall pushes back. And he goes, whoa! 
and he falls back like it was a secret entrance and i remember dying laughing like as a as a as a 15 16 year old kid dying laughing have never seen something like that in a game before not that amount of care and humor and detail put into it the sprite of him going whoa and falling backwards all of that it's one of the most charming moments i've ever had like tears in my eyes uh dying laughing and that I can only think of one game that has animations like that uh, and that outside of that, yeah, that, that type of charm is all throughout this game. It has a a, a damn good balance of of shit being like kind of sort of kind of sort of childish, but then being very fucking gravely serious. Uh, and also, there's an aspect of them growing up. Uh, the, these characters do change. The character that you have at the beginning of the game is not who you're going to have halfway through the game and beyond. And that has its own story element and all the all the narrative around that. Just I cannot emphasize it enough, man. I've been through Breath of Fire 3 many, many, many times. I love that RPG. It was definitely a weird out-of-nowhere RPG. I had played Breath of Fire 1, had never played Breath of Fire 2 at this point, and this one just blew my mind at how better it was. It is my pick of the Breath of Fire franchise. It is my one of my favorite RPGs on this system. It is Do Not Pass. You've got to check this out if you haven't. It is a testament to uh, sprite graphics and it is a testament to old school RPGs. And it made my number three on my top yeah, 15. This is, this is a game I need to go back to because I talked to us a little bit on uh, our cheating episode, but I feel like I screwed myself over on this game. Um, and I remember very little about it because I actually plugged my Game Shark in mm-hmm. and uh, hit max level really early on, mm-hmm. which actually prevented me from hitting certain mechanics that are part of the game um, that are based on leveling and certain stuff. I can't remember exactly what it was. I read about it later and I was like, oh, that never happened for me. <laughs> um, so I'm. this is a game that I did not do justice to. And it's on my list to go back and play. Yeah, there's there's also um uh, there's also lots of little puzzle elements to the areas too, like some of the dungeons and the and the overworld areas have puzzles. There's a fishing mechanic which is actually pretty engaging. Well, mm-hmm. it's rewarding, I'll tell you that, because there's lots of different weapons you can get from trading in certain fishes and whatnot. It's the first outside of like maybe Ocarina of Time which this has way more fish to catch and way more involvement, but it's the first fishing game in a, in a non fish game where I actually got into it and was trying shit out. So sorry, just, just that's, that's enough, man. This game's good. Number three made my list. Boom. Done. Chris, you're number three. Yeah. So my number three has already been mentioned, um, by you. And it is Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, snap! Way up that list, boy. I like it. Oh, yeah. I This is another game I put a lot of time into. This is one of those where... This is probably one of the first games I ever sat down and went, I want to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, goals like, I want to max out every job on my characters. And that's not an easy undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very, very time consuming. Um, cause I'd say by the end of the game, you probably have, you know, two or three pretty high up there. Uh, but maxing them out, man, that was a lot of throwing rocks. Um, the, the story as a whole, um, I won't say the story as a whole had that huge impact on me. It was a good story. But the individual characters did. Um, 
there's one character, and help me out with his name if you can, but he slicks back his hair. Um, he typically wears red, I think. Delita? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The main uh, main character's best friend? Yeah. So I actually, in fifth grade, um, started slicking back my hair for a while. No! Looking like that no! character. Yes! No! Yes! Yes. Yeah, it, it was not a good thing to do. <laughs> no, um, what? That, that was the greatest thing you could have ever done. But that is how much of an impact these characters had on me and how much I enjoyed playing this game. No, I turned, you know? the God, spotlight. I turned this spotlight over to Adam, Mr. I Love Tactics. Did you ever slick your fucking hair back because of this game, Adam? Huh? <laughs> huh? Did you do it? <laughs> Mr. Fucking Mustadio's the greatest thing since yeah, sliced was- bread. <laughs> I had some self-respect. Oh fuck you! <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I fucking love Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, that is great. I'm so glad yeah. you. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I think you described it much better than I ever could. Um, but it was. I spent so much time in that game. I love job systems, and this one was so well done. Um, so many options you could do. You know, being able to put moves on essentially whoever you wanted as long as you took the time to level the class or job and stuff and mm-hmm. get the points for it. Um, so good. I can tell you right now, I know we don't have, we don't have time for it in this episode, obviously, but I know damn well you and Adam could sit down and have a Final Fantasy Tactics conversation because I know Adam's played it way more than I have. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's man, that's something you two could definitely hash out for <laughs> quite a few hours. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's it for your number three. Then I guess yeah. we'll move on to Adam. Your number three. <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> what, Final what Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> yeah. Yay! So here we go again. See. We could keep talking about it because really? it's my number three as well. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. How did this happen in the world of possibilities? You two had the same number three. Because it's that fucking good, oh, Mister. Wow. I put it way down at the bottom. I mean, yeah, it's good. Sure, whatever. Uh, well then, Adam, bless us with more Final Fantasy Tactics in-depth love, please. Ridiculous story, varied environments, weather effects, uh, ridiculous customization of job systems equipment uh oh my god this guy if you wanted to just nerd out on stats and statistics this is your fucking game there are monsters you can get in your party there are people you can get in your party there are different types of equipment different types of classes different types of class combinations if you think if you can think it it's there and when I say class combinations, I don't mean, oh, I'm this class and that class. Yeah, you have your main skills. But every skill you pick up throughout the game, you can then forever use. So you learn this as a squire, you'll be using it till the day you die. Mm-hmm. You can pick this skill up and equip it at any point. Game is fucking awesome. Not to mention all the unique story battles and the hidden things that are in this game. Uh, you take a, somebody in the ninja class has a skill catch. Go down to the deep dungeon, play around for a little while, find the random battle that has nothing but ninjas. Oh, they throw legendary swords at you. 
Yeah, just casually. You can only find one of these in the game, but I got like 20 of them I just caught. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that that you find on your 40th, 50th playthrough. <laughs> uh -huh. Which you'll want to. Which you'll want to because it's just – the combat is fun. And uh, usually you you go through the random battles and you're just like, oh, I want to get to the next part in the story. I mean, they they have things for you to do in between that. Uh, you can send your characters out on propositions and have them get JP for just going around. And, and then they've got these giant stories that you can read based on the items and tales they have when they come back. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, messed around with any of that, but there are some crazy, crazy stories about, uh, mad witches and ghosts and all kinds of just really cool stuff that you can find. So good. It's so damn good. Yep. On to you, Mike. Tactics is good. It is a, the, it is. Again, if anything, if anything, if tactics games are just not your style, I, I totally get it. That story will keep you, and if you don't understand it, play through the fucking game again and try different jobs. Try the class system out more. Try try many different things, because that story is there, and it's so good. So good. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to move down to our number two. My number two PlayStation Dude. game of all time all right. is Final Fantasy VII. This RPG, unfortunately, uh, was partially spoiled for me uh, in high school before I ever got to play it. A lot of the big key moments into it were, yeah, they were. I mean, they were just blown out for me. Uh, I, I don't want to say it was on purpose. It might. I think it was just like casual conversation, and I just kind of overheard it. But and those that have played the game kind of know what I'm talking about. There's you know some big key story elements to this game, but even that aside, I mean, it's e been twenty years. Yeah, even that aside, I'm talking <laughs> about. I'm trying to talk about this when I played it too. You know, trying to keep it in its time frame. Uh, this game is so damn good. The I have played this again in my recent years. Again, I played this a couple episodes. I talked about playing it a couple episodes ago because I played it. I replayed it this year. Um, I don't even know where to begin. If I mean, it, where the fuck do you talk about when you talk about Final Fantasy VII? Um, well, you could talk about the awesome graphics, the combat system, the yeah. story, so, the music. Trying to regurgitate everything that's already been said, both in previous <laughs> episodes and in this episode. This is another game that hits all facets. Uh, classic Final Fantasy style music. It catchy. It's all catchy. It all fits. It's it's definitely a different style of music when you're used to the old fantasy pieces, but there are some fantasy pieces there, and even it, it just it all it, it fits the tone of Final Fantasy VII. The graphics, yeah, again today the whole blocky look is definitely a meme. It doesn't fucking matter. This game wasn't meant to be what Final Fantasy VIII started. You know, this is meant mm -hmm. to be pseudo fantasy look, and it fits. Um, the battle system. Oh man, everybody having their own unique flavor, their own thing that they bring to the field is one thing. Add the material system behind that, even better. 
the ability to master to 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 uh, get, basically level up your magic abilities over time, and thereby getting new magic abilities, uh, combining them, having support materia to let you like, oh, you want to summon two times, use this item. Oh, you want to use two items in battle, use this. Oh, if you get hit, you want to do what? Okay, we'll attach that to this, and every time you get hit, this will happen. So on and so forth. Uh, the secret to going through hours and hours of grinding out the perfect chocobo so that you can win the race yep. and revive that one party member. Yep. It, wait, what? <laughs> oh, you didn't know about that? As much at troll, get out of here. As, <laughs> as much as it sounds like a whatever side thing, breeding, uh, riding chickens it, it is very engaging <laughs> and racing them. And therapeutic. Uh, and it's actually required if you want to get some of the in-game content. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the gold saucer, a mini game hev- heaven for some people, a mini game mm-hmm. haven for a lot of people. Uh, with the ability to get points, there's a battle arena where you can get you can get higher higher items. I think that's how you get the omni slash or clouds weapon, one of the two. Um, the story, man. Again, like I mentioned earlier, it hits all the points. It 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 seems like it's kind of confusing, or maybe it's just not. Maybe I'm just dumb. I've been noted for being very stupid. But I remember the first time playing through seven and getting roughly around the the middle to the end of the third disc and being like, I really don't know what's going on. But that game is wrapped up. The story is very wrapped up. It's it's it all. It, it all makes sense and it all fits in its own pieces. Even where, even the parts where it seems like it's not making sense, it'll come around. Uh, the characters being unique and memorable. The fact that this game almost sold 10 million units. The fact that this helped push RPGs further onto, if not onto the market. Man, this is an all-time treasure of an RPG. There has been a PC re-release. Uh, this was, I don't know, like maybe five, ten years. Uh, well, sometime right around the PlayStation release. That's the version I played. There's supposed to be some remake being made, but damn, that's... Psh, I don't even want to think about that game anymore. I just want that game to hit me in the face. Uh, so, yes, if you go play this today, you're going to have those old PlayStation Polygon graphics. Man, my 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 thing to you is just man, you just got to get over that because you're playing a mm-hmm. icon, a again a mountain of an RPG, and it is it's a testament to the craft. Another SquareSoft game on my list, but well deserving and especially deserving to be at my number two spot. Um, Chris, your number two yeah. PlayStation game of all time. All right, so my number two PlayStation game is a, you know, kind of pretty good RPG, um, Suikoden 2. What the I've shit? heard about this game. Yeah. This yeah. is a sequel to... I think it's on to, your wall, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is a sequel to Adam's number... Uh, f- f- I don't know, because the numbers are wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> 13. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, I moved it down so we could fit the top three. Um, Behind the curtain, we've got a spreadsheet up, and Adam, uh, Chris moved all the numbers, so now like 15s or 16s, and I'm like, what the fuck am I? Because we have a header row. You know, I'm not an animal. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so so we go into all the things that Adam was trashing about, you know, so we go in or there into, um, and it's improved upon. 
Uh, I I know Michael will talk your ear off about this game uh, much better than I can, but the big things that stuck out to me about this game, um, not only do you have a really solid RPG just in general, you know, mechanics aside, you have a good story, good progression, good systems, you know, and then on top of that, over 100 characters, you know, Mm. um, not many games can boast a, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a roster like that. Uh, Not all of them use one combat, but they pretty much all have a purpose of some sort or another uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, Your castle you have, uh, how these, you know, people you recruit interact with that castle and the part they play in it uh, where they unlock something or adds to something already there you know it's a really cool uh, way they did that and one of my actually favorite things about the game uh, which Adam shit all over are the um, massive battles Um, the whole armies versus armies thing was really new to me. Um, I don't know where this is in the timeline of, you know, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms and games like that where you have, you know, armies fighting, but I enjoy that aspect of it so much um, that I actually was going to play Romance of the Three Kingdoms and the game I bought was not anything like what I was expecting, so I, you know, never played it again. But I kind of wanted to go back and play... uh, like Hyrule Warriors, because it's similar, you know, in that vein of this massive combat. Because um, in these games, oftentimes, you know, you're focused on your main character or your party, you know, whether that's one person or four people or six people, whatever it is. Um, but it's so much more than that in reality. Uh, you don't just have one person doing everything. That's <clears throat> even in the world of fantasy, that's not super realistic. <clears throat> But you have these battles in war. That is reality, you know. That is how these things really would play out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it adds this depth and this so much more to these situations than, yeah, I'm the hero and I'm just going to go save the day, you know. There are people behind the hero supporting him, getting through this, you know, all working together. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. Did you play the first one? Oh yeah, I actually own the first saves one. Ever? What? Did you import your saves ever? Um, you know, I actually played two on emulator um, because uh, I don't own two, so I never got to do that. But I think I might go back and play them again just so I can do that uh, after I read about it earlier when I was refreshing my memory on it. But I'll probably do that. It's good. Stuff, I don't mind. Man. It's good stuff. Very, very worthy of being in the top three of anybody's list, especially an RPG list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Adam, your number two PlayStation game of all time. Dramatic pause again. Yep, he's copying, pissing on the spreadsheet because the audio. You know, we the audience can't hear you doing That's this. Right. So you know, Xenogears. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Anyways, all right, okay. folks. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's add another hour to this podcast. Jesus. 
All I'd right. Like to go to bed before it's literally so you, tomorrow. <laughs> so you like stories, huh? Uh-huh. I got a fucking story for you. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, I bet you oh, do. Yeah. That was quoting. So you start out in this fucking forest, and then you end up not in the forest anymore. The end. Xenogears. Long ass story. If this you is- like long stories, Xenogears is the one. It's got mechs. It's got badass martial arts, magic, giant mechs. Did I say that? Giant floating battle armors, magic, conspiracies, <laughs> more magic, more battle armors. This game is fucking awesome, and it's a wild ride. And it's also got one of the most eloquent and fucking complicated stories of all time. Yeah. Full of, you know, references back to uh, ancient Chinese mythology and... Um, the Christian religion mixed with Judaism. There's a whole lot of shit in here. Let, let, me, let me just steal your mic for a second and, and assuage the it. audience real quick, okay? We just mentioned earlier about a game that you just gotta, you just gotta muscle through it and get better at it and it will reward you in the end. That was Front Mission 3. We also talked about Dark Souls. Same thing. Okay. That mentality on a story. That mentality in regards to a story, that's what you have to do with Xeno Gears. I have personally played through Xeno Gears two and a half times, and <laughs> I, man, I have had, to, Adam can attest to this, I have had to have Adam basically in a in 30-minute chunks every time this happened, summarize and re-summarize the entire story of Xeno Gears for me to fucking understand what I had played in the past. It, it's unfortunately... It is that deep. It is that difficult. It is that weird. But there is a cohesive story there. It is there. You just yes. gotta work way fucking harder than than, than the many other RPGs before to get it. Now, while you're doing that, the animation is amazing. Mm-hmm. The environments are detailed. The characters are all likable and very easy to understand. The battle system is fucking insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You won't find a battle system that goes to more extremes than Xenogears. Mm-hmm. You, doesn't matter if you aren't at level two, you feel like you're beating the living fuck out of enemies. Am I wrong? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this thing is fucking, you're just going to triangle, 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 do three straight weak attacks, and you just watch your character just pummel this poor little mountain goat or whatever the hell you're fighting at the beginning <laughs> of the game. And it's just it falls over backwards and like scurries back to its feet just to be kicked down again. And then you finally get your giant mech. And you run into that billy goat, and he just steps on it. 9,999 damage. This is your selling of Xeno years. Oh, yes. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, the combat in this game is awesome. The mech, the mech aspect to it ramps up the, ramps up the combo system, ramps up all the battling. It has its own thing. Like, you're either on foot or you're in the mech. You could be on foot fighting a mech. Or you could be in a mech fighting something on foot. Mm hmm. And, oh, man, the weak point of this series is that 
in the second disc, they decided to rush it out, and it breaks one of the cardinal rules of good storytelling, and decides to tell, not show, and provides you with a giant wall of text. But the entire first 80 hours of this game, on the first disc, it doesn't do that for you. It yeah. tells you, hey, it lets you witness the events and explains what's going on as it's showing you what the results of those actions are. Mm-hmm. If I could get this game remade with a perfect second disc, I would. Yeah, this I would. Is, I would straight start a Kickstarter yes. for this because it is awesome. This is a. This is a. This is one of those SquareSoft games that it, it is an injustice that this does not get remade. Imagine, imagine a Resident Evil remake style to this game. You know the the detail work that would go into the mechs, the recrafting slash reworking slash making it fucking oh. coherence of the story. The, Did I mention whew. that the soundtrack for this game was written by the same guy who wrote Chrono Trigger soundtrack? Yeah. Another another great point, man. The music's the great. The music is not only similar intentionally, but also epic on its own. Mm-hmm. Everything from battle themes to town themes, traveling themes and beyond, everything immediately evokes an emotion. Yeah. So great. There's only one game that I've played that I would consider better on the PlayStation. Apparently, because that was your number two, <laughs> which means we are all down to our number one, gentlemen. And I'm pretty yeah. sure the both of you already know what my number one is going to be. Pretty sure I'm, you know I'm, I'm actually a little curious about Chris's and yours. I'm look. I'm relooking really? over y'all's lists, and uh, um, no, you no, okay. Mine. I think I got yours, Chris Adams. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. My number one PlayStation 1 game of all time is Suicoden 2. So glad that it it made it so far up on Chris's list. A big nod to you, my friend. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, this game. Holy shit. So, I have played Suicoden 1. I played Suicoden 1 and 2. I've done everything possible in both of those games. And I've ran through, maybe not 100% in them every time, but I've went through, the, I've got, I've beat both of those games. I think Sweet Code won at least four or five times, and this one probably about ten. Uh, I've went through this one more recently. Again, I think about two to three years ago I ran through it again, and it's just, man. So, again, retreading off what's already been said. Uh, Sweet Coden is a RPG. Uh, the main draw to this that that uh, the, the news articles and, and magazine articles touted was that it, it has 108 playable characters. The good thing about this is, yeah, some of them to a minute level, but most of them, they all have their own unique story. They all have their own place in this world. They have their own job or their own minute to medium to grand story. They have their own reason for being there. Uh, you feel a connection to all of them when you recruit them. Yeah. Even like there's cooks. There's, I think there's five, four cooks in the first one or four. Was it four? No, it's five blacksmiths in the first one, but they're like, you have to have them all. They're a family. You know, it's, it's, the 108 characters sounds overwhelming and it sounds like it's watered down. Yeah, I'll admit, not every character has like 20 pages worth of dialogue, but they're all unique. Uh, 
uh, graphics, same kind of graphics that Suicoden 1 went through. You know, they're, they're sprite-based for the characters, sprite-based for the enemies. The world is is handcrafted, almost it's drawn almost with pseudo-sprites here and there. Uh, beautifully done, beautiful visuals all the way around, all the characters, all the enemies, all the people, the people in the plot. I mean, it's all uniquely done. It's, 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 it feels like this handcrafted is the way that I would describe Sukoden 2. That's, 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 that's the feel I get from this game. And that's for every aspect. The music as well. Uh, this is one of the big things that drew me to Sweet Code 1 when I first played through it was the music and the sound design. I remember, uh, having a character that had a fire rune and him using an, or, uh, he was using an, ex- an explosion effect and hearing that bassy, like rumbling, that brr, 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 when the, when the fire went off. That's the type of sound quality upgrade you would get from PlayStation, uh, Super Nintendo to PlayStation, and that carries over into Sweet Code Two, symphonic type music with with awesome sound design. The combat still s- the same as uh, Sweet Code One. You you have the ability to have characters unite together and use the tactics. Uh, the the magic they can use has has great visuals all the way around. You have large open, uh, open scale grand battles where you're pitting a, a giant army against another army. Uh, you have one on one duels where the camera goes 3D isometric and it's you and another person basically doing a rock, paper, scissors. Uh, there's a great story in here, which yes, I would suggest you play the first, but having played through it so many times, I'll say that you could probably play this solo. It has its own thing. It's, it's kind of again in that Final Fantasy way where there is, there is a, well, not so much because there is, Sweet Coden does have a large overarching story that carries multiple characters and multiple themes throughout, but I don't think there's going to be too many times in Sweet Coden 2 that if you've never played any other one, you're going to be like, I don't know what the fuck. Like, you're going to know what your character's design is. You're going to know what the what one of the antagonist motivation is, or the other one, or the other one. Uh, multiple endings as well. Great music. Many characters. Great battle. This is, I mean, it's 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 on my top fifteen wall as well. This is hands down a a testament to RPGs. This is a monument. This is this is Chrono Trigger tier of RPG right here. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot more I can say about it than just sitting here praising and gushing it any more than we've ever done <laughs> in every episode. But, uh, yeah, Sweet Coden 2 is my absolute number one uh, f- favorite PlayStation or of all time. And I do notice now looking at the list, I noticed that when I, I just mentioned it, yeah, that my top three PlayStation games are RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way it worked out, man. Uh, I feel like my list has a pretty good variety of different things, but yeah, RPGs are top of mine and PlayStation gets a uh, sweet code in two for my number one. Chris, what's your number one, sir? So my number one PlayStation game is my second favorite game of all time behind Lunar. And it is Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't think that was any surprise. Uh, man, I love this game. Uh, the, I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit already, not just on this episode of past ones. I mean, the, one of the biggest things, I'll say a few of the biggest things for me, uh, first was the materia system. That was so good. Um, 
the flexibility it gave you, the different combinations you could do, and then the different effects it would have, you know, depending on whether or not it was on a weapon or armor. You know, all of that mattered um, as you leveled them up, got better. Uh, going through fights, you know, your strategy is entirely dependent on <laughs> not actually fighting, but when you get hit, you do something. When you die, you come back to life. You know, basically auto re-raise to zombie your way through a fight. Who knows how long it'll take because you're casting Knights of the Round 27 times each time. You know, uh, it was so well done the way they did that. And uh, I mentioned before, you know, that's one of my biggest concerns about the remake is that they'll screw it up somehow. Uh, amongst other concerns, you know if it ever comes out, but, uh, anyway, um, the, uh, gold saucer, uh, like you mentioned, so many, many games, and I would spend, I I'm actually curious, if I went back and, you know, counted up hours, would I, would I have spent more time in the gold saucer or out of it? <laughs> um, and I think it would be very close at this point. Well, you um, gotta remember, you had the prison sequence too, so that counts. Yeah. The uh, the snowboarding game, I loved that one. Uh, I spent a very, very long time trying to figure out the best way to beat the little basketball game, you know, over and over. And it, uh -huh. would, uh, it drove me nuts, you know, double or nothing, double or nothing, and then lose it all. I'll um, say this, too. I, when I first went through the Gold Saucer... I, mm -hmm. I not, I didn't hate, I just kind of didn't care for the chocobo racing, even though you had to do it to get out of the, of the gold saucer. When, yeah. it, when I was mandated to do it, it wasn't because, not because I was mandated, just because I was like, oh, a racing thing. I don't want to do this. And of all the many games, when I went back the second time to the gold saucer, I was like, I'm not going to do chocobo racing. Fuck you. That's not my <laughs> thing. But then when I realized about the, you know, breeding chocobos and the, the, the different chocobo breeds give you different, uh, they have different abilities which makes them better in different aspects throughout the races. Mm -hmm. I got really fucking competitive at that shit. And then finally getting a gold saucer and just blowing the fucking doors off everybody, I was like, yes, okay, good. I'm like, why am I getting hyped over a fucking racing game? But they <laughs> they did it, man. That game made that fun for me. Yeah. The, um, the overall look of the game, it was very new. Um, the FMVs were really good. They didn't have the blocky graphics. You know, they were actually <laughs> more well animated and God, stuff. I remember to this day. I mean, I know everybody loves the Sephiroth walking away scene, and mm -hmm. I know that is a good scene. It's oh, it's awesome. But man, I remember the weapons waking up for the first time. Yeah. Oh, I was like, what the fuck uh. are these things? What are these big ass things coming out? What is that flying thing and that four legged thing? And oh. oh. Yeah, this uh, this game is the only game to this day so far that I've uh, done a speed run in. Um, my great time is around 13 hours. Uh, I'm only, you know, almost double the world record, but I'll get there um, maybe one day. Um, it's even doing that. It was so fun um, just playing through it, even though I'm cheesing the game and, you know, I'm not really playing it like it was meant to be played, but just visiting all the areas, listening to the music, just having that nostalgia going through the game over and over. Even, 
I sat there in Midgar, you know, trying to do that part of it, which should take not very long yeah. uh, for days, just practicing it. And it never got old because yeah. it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so well done. There's so many little things scattered around. Um, you know, you go talk to everyone, look at all these things, uh, pick up all these items. You have all these things that are just off to the side that some people may never see, you know, unless you're actually going, you know, room by room, building by building and investigating everything possible. Uh-huh. So good. So good. Major number one game of all time, man. Well, number one PlayStation yep. game of all time. Yeah. You said this was your number two game of all time, huh? Yep. Yeah, that means that now just really aside, I guess, do you have like a top 10, top 15, top 25 something game of all time list? No, I really only have a top 3. We're going to have to we're going to get both of you to make your own someday. You y'all are going to have to go through the hell that god. I went through. Yeah, cuz oh uh, that's going to be an episode one day, you know, in 2023 when you finally get your list done. <laughs> Uh, when the remake luck, finally comes good out. Good luck to you, because I know we said this. I know we said this on this. And I know me and you, Chris, have said this on other lists as well. These these lists get into a fucking fight. Like mm-hmm. the first five or six games I put down, I was like, okay, I'm kind of doing good, and then it's like, wait a minute. Okay, Final Fantasy Tactics and Symphony of the Night. Mm, let me let me. I, mm, this I, <laughs> this is not going to be a five minute ordeal. I've got to think about this list and put shit together. Yeah. That's 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 quintupled when you're doing a game of all time. The good thing is it's your personal list, so. Mm-hmm. But that's another time. That's another time. The world, Adam, the world needs to know what your number one PlayStation game of all time is. Well, I don't know why they wouldn't already. Well, see, Cotton Two. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, okay. for the audience, before he gushes again, my one and two, Sweet Coden one and Final Fantasy seven, Chris's Final Fantasy seven, Sweet Coden two, Adam's Sweet Coden two, and Xeno Gears. We all picked Sweet Coden two in our one and two somewhere. Awesome, Adam. The floor is yours, sir. Well, I'd just like to point out that I'm the only one that has both Sweet Codens in their top fifteen. Okay, well, I, um, I, actually, I'm going to up. I'm say that. I'm going to say that so you can get off your little fucking high horse, okay? This is a personal rule. I think I did this for the last list as well. I think I mentioned mm-hmm. it to Chris. Uh, this is not mm-hmm. an end-of-time cast rule, and it's not one that y'all have to do, but I tried to not pick any more than the same franchise. That would have me fucked too. me up with Mega Man X, and that would have <laughs> fucked me up with... Uh, that would have fucked me up with Final Fantasy because I was thinking about putting nine as well, and it would have fucked uh-huh. me up with Sweet Coden. I just didn't want to have too heavy a list. That's not a rule. Oh, no. You can do your list however you wanted to. Oh, and I did. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I got multiple multiples on here. I see that you lucky anyway. I didn't just put Grand Theft Auto one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> so Sweet Coden, oh Coden man, two. Sweet Coden two. Let me let me correct this misinformation y'all are putting out. This game does not have 108 characters. It doesn't even have 108 recruitable characters. This game has way more than that. Way more than that. For one, there are characters that you may get on one playthrough and you can't get on the next. There are at least fucking five squirrels, not six. I think there's five. <clears throat> And four of those don't even count as a star. 
So you have 108 stars to fill. But you can end up with well over like 115 recruited party members, potential party members in your castle. I'm just going to throw out that all I said was over 100. I didn't specify a number. So I'm still correct. (laughs) I'll let you live. You can recruit 108 (laughs) stars of destiny. There are. There are 108 stars of destiny. That's where I'll draw my line. Have fun. But there are, in fact, uh, besides the added squirrels and the squids and the other animal companions. Those are stars. No, they are not. Only one of them is. I'm about to to find this out right now. About to go find it out. Because you don't have to get but one. And let's see what else we got. They, They have others that switch places depending on their star. For instance, if you choose Valeria instead of Kasumi. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, I was like, wait a fucking minute. There's only 108 stars. Yeah, you're right. Okay. The the swapper's in and out and the, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, So this is all stuff that I found out later on. What I love is that it goes back to that Lunar 2 beat of... Hey, check this out. You said you don't need to play the first game to, to appreciate this game, and you're right. You don't. But if you do... Oh, boy. If you fucking do play that first game, and you beat the living shit out of it like I did, you will walk into Sweet Coden 2, and you will be rewarded with the most fucking adoring sense of fucking nostalgia that you can possibly be Yep, getting. yep. <laughs> It walks in there, and from the very beginning, right after the prologue, it beats you over the head with, "Hey, look! Here's your uh, here's two returning characters." Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, looks like you know what happened to him in the first game. Now, all these uh, all these little things happen. I'm, you're you're talking about a a cooking contest. Uh-huh. That features not but one, but two returning characters. You've got mm-hmm. uh, all these little mini-games. You go back to the original country to meet <laughs> the previous hero. Oh, man, yeah. Let me, oh, boy. Spoiler warning. If we haven't said it, I don't think we have. But holy shit. Spoiler warning for Sweet Odin 2. This moment right here is the, the moment, best fucking moment in any this, rpg i've ever had this is the moment of why i put this game on my fucking wall because this again drew emotion it didn't draw tears sadness it just drew a reminiscent slash man it's good to be home man there's my best friend even though they don't know each other like it just had this fucking strong emotion to me so back in the first game you play as a main character he is he becomes the hero of these lands that's that's the long and short of sweet code one sweet code two he's kind of in chill mode he he he's 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 in his own territory and he's not he's not the fucking warrior out there on the fields that much anymore when you meet him specifically in sweet code two he's on a pier fishing this motherfucker has has saved a world basically in the first game you play the entire game as him. He is a not a hero. He's a fucking legend. 
and your character goes into that area, goes into that town, goes into that place, and finds him fishing on a pier, and them meeting each other. Just that scene of the main, the first game's main character slowly turns slowly his head. turns his head and looks back, and like you don't, he don't even know. Like your character has heard, but he just dropped the fucking know. controller and run out. Screaming. And I'm like, man, that's that's it right there. I get goosebumps every time I even think about that scene. That is such a grand. It's and then that whole side quest that yes. whole side quest uh, okay to get past uh, his personal bodyguard you had to have one of the kids like uh tell a lie essentially mm-hmm. well it turns out that something happened and that lie it, the kid being lost or whatever stopped being a lie and started being something real so you and the previous hero both say okay well i guess we're gonna go find this kid and you run across the bandits that took him. Yep. yep. And the first thing they say is, okay, well, uh, we're going to fuck you up. And he goes, hey, isn't that that fucking, isn't he like the main hero of this game? <laughs> isn't he the leader of this army? Like, no, well, goes, oh, the, the, bo- the bandit boss kind of goes, what, what the fuck are you talking about? He like looks back at his fucking minion and looks back at you and he like runs up closer to study. And he runs back. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, and isn't that other guy that guy that like totally destroyed that other country like a couple of years back and he runs over that guy and he looks at him again and he runs back and he's like fucking hell he's like what kind of fucking luck do we have today <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> then you go out and you find the most devastating uh, Suicoden has always had combo attacks anytime two or more characters of a unique background or whatever you need any kind of relation to each other at all they will usually have a combo attack Mm -hmm. well the two fucking main characters have the most devastating combo attack in the game yep and that's that's like a fun little thing for people to do is just go through the game and find all the combinations not just to find them but just just to watch the animations watch what they do they're all unique they all have a they own they all tell their own little story in an attack move in a fucking fa- in a fight i mean that's that's awesome it's awesome mm-hmm. and that that was one of my favorite things in suicoden 1 is i would go i would beeline straight for uh tears teacher mhm i'd go find him uh, Kai, I think his name was. Uh-huh. And he's this old man with a stick, exactly like the fucking main hero. You get him in the party, and then they just start teleporting everywhere, killing every damn thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, alright, cool. Now I've got all my, my random battles on lock. <laughs> Let's move on with the rest of the game now. Such a good game. Such yes. a good game. And that one moment I told you is one of hundreds this game yeah. will provide. I mean, there's Depending callbacks. On choices. There's callbacks to the oh, first God. game story. There's, there's, there's. We're we're out of breath for a legitimate reason, folks. Sweet Coding Two is a damn good RPG. The Sweet Coding series in general is good, but if we're talking about PlayStation games, I mean, Sweet Coding One and Two, they are. It's it is so amazing how even to this day how many people don't know about this game like they'll rattle off final fantasy no problem they they'll they'll rattle they'll rattle off maybe even shin uh, megami tensei maybe no problem you might find some random ones that might talk about xenogears or breath of fire but sweet coden they're like what what the fuck is that it's like you don't you don't even know yep. you don't even know what a masterpiece you just don't is out know there. 
You just don't fucking know. And I have the privilege of owning a physical fucking copy. I had. I had at one point in my life. <laughs> I will have it again. You know, you know, I'm still waiting on yeah. my copy, Jughead. You need to get it on. <laughs> well, folks, after much winded talk, uh, a lengthy episode, which, fuck yeah, I'm actually proud of that. We have made it through our own individual top 15 PlayStation 1 games of all time. Uh, I can say this on for all three of us. These are not lists. These are not easy lists to make. Uh, and I'm very comfortable with this being like a personal format. Uh, game of the year is something that, you know, a good debate now and again is all, is fine for a game of the year, but I'm not about to tell Chris that he needs to pick Lunar as his number 10 or Adam that he needs that, that fucking Metal Gear needs to be further up the list. These are our personal lists. Our, this, these are from our life, our love, our passions. And, uh, I like them being individualistic and it shows, it shows you, audience, more about us. Every time we put one of these out there, it just shows a little bit more about our character, what we do and don't like. And we get to talk about why we preference these games over one or the other. Uh, we hope, if anything, it shows you more about our personal uh, preferences for these games. But, even with all that being said, what about you? What is your top 15 PlayStation games? If you haven't played any, you should go play some of these. Uh, if you do, and this is like later down the road, let us know what you think. You know, did, did, did Chris really tweak you to play in Gran Turismo 2? Are you, were you interested in Bushido Blade after you heard Adam talk about it? Uh, maybe like, maybe the entire Legacy of Kane series is up your alley now. We hope it is. Uh, again, with these games, with, with as many of PlayStation games there are out there, you're gonna find something in here, but all of these are must plays in our opinion. Um, what are your top 15 PlayStation games? Top 10, 5, whatever list you made. Uh, we'd love to know your list. We don't know how you compare. What What about the games that we talked about do you want to add or discuss or question? Uh, maybe there's something that, that really hit you in a Front Mission 3 uh, battle that we didn't talk about. Or maybe there was something in Parasite Eve, like a moment that we didn't mention that, man, that was your, that made have, that's number two for you in your life. We'd love to know. Uh, there's many ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just search End of Time Cast. It'll take you to us. Uh, you can leave us a message, put something on the wall. It may be how you got to this episode right here. We have an email address. You can email us at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny, uh, numbers in there. Just spell it as you heard it. Uh, we still have a Twitter page. Just search Twitter for End of Time Cast. It will also take you to us. Many ways to get a hold of us. We'd love to hear any and all feedback from you. And I definitely want to personally thank, uh, of course, of course, my co-host for sticking through this long endeavor right here. But especially to you, the audience, if you made it all the way through the end. We realize this is a long episode, but man, that it is what it is. This is the content that we put out. And if anything, it's, it's content for us for the future. Uh, it's a lot to talk about with so many games. Uh, thank you for mm -hmm. sticking through it. Give us some feedback and let us know what you think about anything in this episode at all or your own personal list. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode. And until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. Good night, everybody. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs>